The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more, more phenomenal Kaiju and Tokusatsu content at kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's morphin' time. Lisa! Tai Saku Sentai, Pod Ranger! Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael. I'm Nathan. I'm Daniel. And I'm Travis. And we're continuing our journey through Super Sentai. In today's episode, we're discussing Gosai Sentai, Dai Ranger. So it is it is really good that none of the listeners with attitude are gonna get gonna be able to hear all of that opening banner because and opening banter because it was all nonsense. Thank you, Danny and Travis. Well, you're, you're hey, I wasn't involved. Him, like him anyway. I sat here quietly like a good boy. <laughs> right. Except, except for the parts where you didn't. <laughs> so, I would just like to say, Danny and Travis, congratulations on completing the Marchand Hamilton podcast hat trick. I think you're the whoa, only whoa, whoa, two whoa, whoa, who whoa, could whoa, actually whoa, do whoa, it. Whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. One, one damn minute. Why does well, your name is go I, was the one who created half the podcasts that, that are in that hat trick. I think I should have been having that hat trick a long time ago. <laughs> He's got you there, Marchand. Well, I mean, before you guys were on bonus episodes, so which I would say still counts, but now this is you're on a mainline episode, so it really counts now. So it's like double confirmation. You still sure. never answered my question, Marchand. Why did your name go first when this is my show? Actually, and why show. are you so that. insecure that you're worried about that, gentlemen? Gentlemen, and why please, are you please? And why are you such a? Wow, <laughs> wow. I'm assuming. I mean, you, uh, sorry, you're uh, getting, you jerkwad. Wow, wow. <laughs> there it is, Dragon Dagger. Oh, I've been wanting, I've been so excited to say that. Oh man, <laughs> Dragon Dagger. Dragon Dagger. <laughs> oh man. Ooh, Dragon Dagger. Okay, it's like all right, all right, all right. All right. Love the catchphrases, man. I just want to hear you say, Nate, can you say it? Can you say it? Can you say Dragon Dagger? Can you say it? I already did. I want you to say it again, but louder. Why? Just, just because it's it's a catchphrase. It's so cool. It's like, come on, man. I just want to hear you do it. I'm such a big fan. Come on. Dragon Dagger. Oh, he did it. He did the thing. Oh, it's so good. I got chills. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. 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 So let's, okay. let's, let's, we got to, we, we got to herd some of these cats because this is going to go off the rails really quickly. So as you can, as you can hear, as you can hear listeners with attitude, we have not one, but two voices with us for this episode. So. Let's get the introductions out of the way. Travis, you haven't been here in a while, at least on a mainline episode. So go ahead and tell the listeners with attitude who you are. 
Okay, I am Travis Alexander. I am the uh, creator of Kaiju Weekly and co-creator of Kaiju Ramen Magazine uh, that Michael and Nathan and Danny are all a part of. And uh, yeah, so that's what I am. And I don't know what else to say. I'm just a big, I'm, I'm a Power Rangers fan. I'm a Sentai fan. I'm the reason that Michael started watching Sentai because he refused to watch Sentai prior to whoa, whoa, whoa. being on I IG Weekly with me. I'd, I just said give an introduction for yourself, sir. I didn't say throw me under the bus. Come on. <laughs> and I love Diary. And Travis, you forgot one very important thing. You're in love with Common Writer. Okay. We I'm in love with Common Writer, and I used to be on the Henshin Men podcast I helped create with Nathan, too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I am Nathan a podcaster and creator. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I stole it. <laughs> more like, uh, more like I saved her from getting shot in the head behind the barn. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, no, yeah, wow. fair, fair enough. It I mean, was I'm going the way of the I'm just saying it's. <laughs> oh no! No, no, Nathan, it's my podcast. Let me do it. <laughs> close your ears <laughs> travis i need that this, meme now <laughs> uh, i want this, you to make a, this make took a picture really of dark. the old yeller and put the henshin men logo on it well just let's this let's bring back a really a, an dark old favorite from really henshin man guys. let's just bring back an old favorite and say hashtag justice for dummy for dummy <laughs> Go listen well, to Henshin Men depressed. if you don't get that one. <laughs> and we have one more, but we have another voice with us. And you guys, uh, listeners of Attitude, you've heard this voice before. Mr. Donny Boy Damana is back with us. Mr. Donny, how are you doing, good sir? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me back. We're going to get shut down. I didn't get an <laughs> accent. <laughs> No, 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 no. You're fucking It's like, it was like you guys are doing funny voices. I was told not to do funny voices. It's yeah, great. Well, your voices aren't funny. That's why. Oh. Oh, it's still funnier than. Well, your face is still funnier than them. Oh, that was good. Wow. Anyway. Are we, are we five Come on. Wow. Anyway. While Michael tends those burn wounds, um, I will. <laughs> Would you like some aloe vera? <laughs> what? No. no, I want okay. you to kiss as, my as... what I want you to do. <laughs> okay, as briefly as possible, while these two try not to kill each other. My I name know that's is... hard for you. It, it is. <laughs> my name is Daniel. Um, aside from, you know, the, the, the epi- I was on talking with you guys about the all the, the cool updates. The cool, all the cool mm. updates. Was that yeah. a month or two ago? It was good stuff. Uh, uh, it was, but yes. Yeah, it was back when uh, Monson, Once and Always was revealed. Yeah. Yes, yes. But now I'm back for a mainline episode. Um, you, if, if anybody out there listening is uh, within the Godzilla sphere, you, you'll probably, you might recognize my name floating around as the creator and author of the Godzilla Novelization Project. I'm also writing just about everywhere. I write for Kaiju Ramen. I've been on a bunch and a half of podcasts. Uh Usually talking about monster movies because that's my my main jam and just just all kind all kinds of cool stuff. But yeah, yeah. But now I'm back to actually talk about a Sentai uh, a Sentai you, season. Annie, you left out vocal thespian. Vocal th- <laughs> vocal th- yes vocal thespian. Um, you can hear my. I mean, not everything on my nerd resume is important to mention up front, but yeah, I mean my my voice is out there. 
Uh, I've done some voice acting and some some goofy stuff. Uh, you may or may not have even heard my name somewhere on the power trip. Uh, maybe. <laughs> really? We'll say- I thought that was uh, I thought that was Ninja Man. No, it, it was it was ninja man what are you talking about it's like it's he was the ninja man is real nathan come on ninja man is <laughs> real like if we know <laughs> yeah yeah just like just like rito they're off hanging out in a weird kind of power trip uh bubble universe um <laughs> tangential to the actual power rangers universe but uh where they're just kind of hanging out. We'll see how big that roster can get, but yeah, <laughs> silly voices, writing, um, you know, all kinds of cool, all kinds of cool stuff. But this gives me an opportunity to come on and chat about Super Sentai and Ranger stuff, which I don't really get to do all that often. So I'm right, and like we mentioned in that bonus episode, you are actually pretty unique, Danny, because unlike most people in the English-speaking world, you started with Sentai and are now getting into Power Rangers. This is true. Wow. I've got it all. I, I know. I've got it all kinds of mixed up. I, uh, When I was growing up, I, I, I missed the train on Power Rangers, which is something that I still kind of kick myself to this day. I have some fond memories of watching a, a couple of odd Mighty Morphin reruns here and there, and I watched a bit of Lightspeed Rescue when it was on, but I just didn't stick with it. Um, for whatever reason, and I, I can't imagine why I didn't, I really, really can't, but it wasn't until years and years later. And it wasn't that I was avoiding Rangers and Sentai. It was just another big thing. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. I, I jumped into Ultraman first, like mm-hmm. in terms of my big uh, Henshin hero stuff, I was an Ultraman guy, still am. And as a result, stuff yeah, like, basically. like all the Toei stuff kind of got pushed off. I know, I know. <laughs> Sometimes the truth hurts, Travis. Wait, wait, wait. Is it more, ba- is starting with Power Rangers or starting with Ultraman more basic? I need to know the hierarchy here. The, I don't, well, I, I'll leave that to you, Travis. Whatever. Ultraman for sure. Right I, I, anybody who, anybody who <laughs> jumps into Ultraman first is basic to me. It's like, come right. on, come well, on. I, right I, was, I was hoping you would say Power Rangers just to insult Michael. Nah, why nah. would he do that when I, why would he do that when I'm here, Nate? Come on, Ultra, <laughs> Ultraman first. I basically paid it a target on my head. Um, but yeah, I I, I didn't get I was into to um, save you, Danny. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the thought. I do. I, it, that's the thought that counts. But I I didn't finally get into Sentai inst- until Shot Factory started releasing the DVDs. Um, when August Ragone did a couple of he hosted a couple of marathons on Shot Factory TV of. Now there's like five episodes or something like that, or a handful of episodes from Jew Ranger. And then a year later he did die Ranger. I missed the Jew Ranger marathon, but when die Ranger came on, I like, I was completely hooked with from episode one of die Ranger. And then I watched all of die Ranger after that marathon, fell in love with it, went back, watched Jew Ranger, and then started kind of on a Sentai journey after that. And I still haven't seen a ton of Sentai. Don't get me wrong, but and then after that, I decided I need to go back and I need to need to fill in the gaps with Power Rangers and ha- having that I that idea of there just being so much more tokusatsu out there I've never seen <laughs> is incredibly exciting to me because I love checking things off of lists and I love the idea that there's an entire chunk of the genre that I haven't seen everything of and then there's an adaptation of it. But yes, I mean I, I might be one of the only people on this half of the planet that legitimately watched all of Jew Ranger before most of Mighty Morphin. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Uh, there are a couple of episodes I saw of Mighty Morphin first, I can tell you. But 
yeah, for the most part, it was Zoo Ranger first, and then I saw the adaptation after that. And it, it wasn't some kind of avoidance of the American versions. I know there are people out there that consider uh, Power Rangers to be bastardized Sentai. I am not one of those. You know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and cast judgment. I'm just going to say I'm not one of those people. So that's I, I wasn't avoiding Power Rangers, but it's been fun going back and starting to fill in the gaps and see how things were adapted. And honest to God, your show has been a big part of inspiring oh, me to you. do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it was a fun, it was a fun ride last year going through uh, all of your first season and really kind of getting a sense for what I'd been missing all those years. So now I'm really dedicated to going back and filling it, filling in all the gaps, but mm. my first exposure to Sentai in general and Ranger stuff and what will probably always be my, my, like the, the thing that means the most to me is Die Ranger. So mm. it means a lot that I got to come on and talk about this season. Mm. So I'm when's excited. your birthday, Danny? My, when's my birthday? My birthday is, wow, six days from this, the time of this recording. Note to self, buy oh. Danny lots of Power Ranger DVDs. Mine's seven. Yes. And also speak. It's, oh, that's cool. Hey, hey check it out. It's Travis's birthday's coming up too. We yeah, we can't, we can't leave. Yeah. Also, I, I didn't know he cared, but <laughs> speaking of speaking That's of birthdays, mean. it is it is worth noting. It is worth noting that we are recording this episode on February 19th, which is the exact 30th anniversary of Die Rangers. First Hot day. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Is, I should have known that. That's in my freaking notes. It this says is it right there in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, yep. I, I knew that. I don't think I knew that all along. I figured I'd throw right. it in now. You know, I know it's in the notes, but it seemed like a nice way to piggyback off of the birthday thing. But yeah, how appropriate is that? Happy 30th. Wow. Happy 30th, guys. Wow. Hey. Yeah. Happy so 30th. I know, I know, I know during our JDF tribute stream, uh, you both seemed pretty jonesed about coming on for Die Ranger. So why that we thought, why the hell not? Um, but mm-hmm. no, we're we're glad you both we're 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 glad you both are here. I'm glad Travis that you're back for a mainline episode. And Danny, it's always a pleasure um, making fun of Nate alongside you. So, oh, um, oh damn straight, Michael. You damn both straight. You hobbies. No, I think we're fine. <laughs> no, we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> the hobbies we have now. Thanks very much. So, so we do have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, ground to cover for this episode. When so do Nathan, we not have a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> you are correct. So Nathan, go ahead and read us the epic plot synopsis. But first we got to cue that epic rock music, don't we? The evil Gorma tribe revives to continue its ancient war against the Die tribe led by the Gorma triumvirate. These ambitious conquerors unleash monster after monster to destroy humanity and conquer the world! Of course! Now, Master Kaku assembles five youths with high levels of chi to train them as warriors, the Die Rangers, who with the help of the mythical chi beasts are all that stand between the Gorma and their dark ambitions. But as their battles wage, an unlikely child hero joins the Die Rangers, many secrets are revealed, and a war-hating dragon god threatens to destroy both sides. So, so Danny, you, you said how you were first exposed to Die Ranger. Travis, I want you to start us off and tell us how how were how did you get first introduced to this uh, particular Sentai season? So uh, with Die Ranger, um, whenever I was uh, recording 
Kaiju Weekly with you, Michael, as my co-host. Um, whenever it came around to editing time, I, I, I like to have something on in the background while I'm editing podcasts. And so I would turn on Tokushatsu, the channel that's on like Pluto and, and everything. They, they have um, the channel and they would play different Sentai series along with Kamen Rider and a few you know other things. So I would just let that play in the background. And they were at the time running through the whole season uh, of, you know, the whole Die Ranger mm-hmm. series. And so mm-hmm. I would just catch, you know, bits and pieces of the episodes in the background. And I was like, this is wild. There's so you're like, this is like, I, I, I know Zhu Ranger and I know Power Rangers, but this is something completely different. This is not like anything I had seen before. And so I was like, okay, I have to just sit and watch this. And so I watched, you know, a few episodes. I didn't watch the whole series, but I watched a few key episodes and key story arcs. And it just was like, yeah, because it is so wildly different than what I was used to with Zhu Ranger and with Power Rangers, I just was like so absorbed into it because I was like, this is crazy. This is, there's just like, there's a guy with a volcano on his head there. There's, you know, uh, these Cenobite Hellraiser rejects and, and all this wild (laughs) stuff going on. And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening, but I love it. (laughs) Right. So you're, so you're right, Travis. I did not necessarily get exposed to, uh, I actually got exposed to Die Ranger much, much later. And I remember you and I having these, having those conversations when we were doing Kaiju Weekly and you kept, I think it was, it might've been during Ranger month back in, uh, back in March of 2020, I believe it was. And when um, you did your infamous 2017 movie episode. We won't talk about no. that. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was during. We did the was, Morphin Power Rangers movie, and it uh, and it ended with us arguing and poor Kim Kaiju Kim being stuck in the middle about something completely different. That's one about, of my favorite Kaiju no, Weekly moments. About Jurassic Park. It was so great. <laughs> I blame I blame whomever wrote that email to us. Uh, I blame them because they're the ones that started it. Uh, True. But Travis, you you have been you had been dogging me for months and months and months and months to watch to watch uh, Super Sentai, specifically watching Die Ranger, and the way mm-hmm. you pitched it to me is uh, people dressed up in leather daddy outfits fighting <laughs> mythic po- fighting mythical ranger beasts. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that sounds <laughs> completely different than what I was. <laughs> fighting the Chinese Zodiac. That was, that was, that was completely different than what I was used to. And then, you know, later on, yeah. I went down my, my rabbit hole with, with power Rangers, but, and I eventually came back to super Sentai and die Ranger was one of the, one of the earlier seasons that I actually watched. But so I do thank yeah. you, Travis for that. Um, well, I was going to say is, um, you know, I remember on Kaiju weekly that you would talk about how, because you had just started revisiting Power Rangers, um, you know, you had not seen it since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You were you were starting to revisit it, and right. you wanted to check out. Uh, you you tried checking out Zhu Ranger at first, and you were like, "Oh, it, it's just it just feels like a weird knockoff because it's like you know it's all the characters I recognize, but they're not." the same and so it was like i remember you just saying it was really hard for you to get into Zhu ranger at first because of the just how similar it was to the mighty Morphin power rangers and so i said well if you want something that's completely different has no connection to power rangers really at all check out die ranger because it's like 
Yeah, there's nothing in That's this that is Power Rangers related. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 you can go back to die. I can, as I was watching through die ranger this for the first time. And then a little bit the second time, like you can see the footage that they used, obviously for season two of mighty Morphin power Rangers, but it's not complete that they didn't use everything, which right. How the, which it, which makes season two weird because there is just some really weird contextualization for recontextualization for die ranger. Right, we'll get to we'll get, we'll get that we'll get to that we'll get when to, we get to who did it better, the, which is probably going to be the hardest who did it better of the this entire season. <laughs> it will, it will, but you know right. that was how that was how uh, that was how I got exposed to Die Ranger. So Nathan, how did you get exposed to Die Ranger? This show. <laughs> That's it. This was your this was your first time through. This is my first time. This is your first time it. through. I bought the D- I bought the DVDs oh. last year and I watched it for the first time for this show. Well, there you go. Well, That's we, pretty awesome. What are your, before we dig in, what are your first initial impressions? I like it more than Zhu Ranger. Fight me. Wow. I mean, I can understand it, honestly. I'm not going to fight you too hard on that. Like, there's there's a lot. We should, As you can probably remember, I we struggled with that Zhu Ranger episode parsing. Like, it was really hard for us to talk about Zhu Ranger and not talk about Mighty Morphin at the same time because so much was taken from Zhu Ranger right. uh, to right. make Mighty Morphin. Whereas with Die Ranger, they only use pretty much the monsters, the monsters of the week, a little bit of Zord I, footage, and that's it. Uh, it. It was mecha footage, the Kiba Ranger or the White Ranger, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, some of the human sized monster footage, and. Mm-hmm. You know, but they didn't. But they didn't use any of the core costumes, at least until Super Mega Force. <clears throat> and a, they are now in the Boom Studios comic, so they will be soon. Mm-hmm. They're going right. to be in Power Rangers universe. Right. Mm-hmm. right. They so, are called. What are they called? They're called the Power Rangers. Oh, I don't remember. Oh man, now I forget what they're going to be. What the name is for for them? In the comics or in the in Mega Force? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're not called Die Rangers in the, in the Power Rangers comic. They're called something in else. In the comics, in the comics, they're called the Legend. Well, in Megaforce, they're called the Legendary. They're called the Legendary Rangers. Yes, is that right? Something Nathan? like I that. I forget. Something like no, that. They, there's a in the comics, I'm not 100. Yeah, but anyway, in the comics. I'm but, not. I'm going to look it up. But, uh, look but it up. Like, you're you're already. Okay, but as we were hinting okay. at, that made some of the editing in this kind of weird because they still have the Zhu Two monsters, and mm. you know, I will give them credit; they kept the the Die Rangers out of it completely. But the goofy thing is, Saban paid Toei for all of it, and then they barely used anything. But funny thing, one of the aura changers was used in Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It was used for the Magna Defender. Yep, it's true. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Mike Corbett specifically. And there's a rumor that the Die Ranger suits were going to be used as "quote unquote" ancient Rangers who were in Lost Galaxy, and they would have been the predecessors, their predecessors. Squadron mm. Power Ranger Squadron. Ah, okay. That's what the team is called, Power Ranger Squadron. Okay. So Power Rangers Sentai. Yeah, wow. basically. Think about it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And the, the other thing that should be mentioned 
even though this was not as directly adapted, they still used a bunch of stuff. They use the costume for Emperor Gorma the 15th for Master Org in Wild mm-hmm. Force. Yeah. For Wild Force. Yeah. So it's kind of nutty. But anyway, for in case anyone didn't know, and thank you whoever changed the notes there before we got to uh, before we got to it, Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, not to be confused with the worst mentor ever. <laughs> Look at it, you, Megaforce, means five-star squadron Great Ranger. And as we talked about before, it ran from February 19th, 1993 to February 11th, 1994. So mm-hmm. while yeah. Mighty Morphin was premiering, that was the current Sentai. And it was released by Shao Factory on DVD November, 5th, November 10th, 2015. And this is kind of interesting. This was considered when it was on to be the 15th anniversary of Super Sentai, because it wasn't until a couple of years later that Toei grandfathered Go Ranger in. Go Ranger mm-hmm. and Jack. Jack. Those yeah. were the two, those were the two that weren't counted as Super Sentai until later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I believe this one was the seventeenth overall. I want to say because I think yes, Jew Ranger was the sixteenth. Jew Ranger was yeah, sixteen. Yeah, because Jew yeah. Ranger yeah. just celebrated its thirtieth anniversary last year. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Right. So that's yeah. all the preliminary and, information out of the way. And, and the, the, it's interesting that this is the first Super Sentai series to air simultaneously as Power Rangers was being aired. Like that, that is, mm-hmm. like, that can't be understated that, that this, this was coming on in Japan at the same time that Mighty Morphin was mm-hmm. coming on in America and right yeah you don't get an influence on this season but moving forward you will you will kind of see some of how power rangers the popularity of power rangers bled over and and influenced super sentai oh yeah well i mean we were we were convinced that we were convinced that Toei just eventually would uh, would just start making Super Sentai so that it could be more easily adapted to Power Rangers. Because mm-hmm. if you go to, um, if you look at seasons like Megaforce, or not Megaforce, sorry, not Megaforce. Mega Ranger? If you look at seasons like Mega Ranger, yeah, if you look at seasons like Mega Ranger, um, Lost, Ga- Lost Galaxy and Ginga Man, a lot of those seasons mirror one another with some slight retextual retextualizations of course but mm-hmm. we've talked about on the show that time we feel ranger like are very close they're very uh spd and decker ranger are cr- incredibly close too mm-hmm. uh whereas decker where decker ranger is it goes way harder than spd did um but we we've talked about on the show before that we just felt like toei was just starting to make super sentai so that it could be easily adapted to power rangers that's not necessarily the case now like if you look at something like dom brothers there's no way that an american audience would would (laughs) would not there's no way that an american audience would probably latch on to something like that well but i have no idea something that we're going to touch on in our next sentai episode because that's it's freakishly japanese Oh, it's very Japanese. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, it's I almost I, like I, that was made in response to this because this is based heavily on Chinese literature mm-hmm. and mythology. Mm-hmm. And Zhu Ranger was, was heavily Western inspired. And then we get to then we get to Kaku Ranger Kaku next. Ranger, and they're like, yeah. let's go like as Japanese as possible. That's oh, yeah. gonna be an interesting episode of the power trip, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, I can anyway, already t- I can already tell you songs that. to talk about. 
I was just gonna say I can already tell you that next episode when we talk about Cocker Ranger is gonna we're gonna dip we're gonna dive really heavy heavily into uh to the into the idea and the concept of yokai and the lore that surrounding mm-hmm. yokai. So I can't mm-hmm. wait. Um, uh, isn't that right, Kenny Kappa? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, Mister Machan. Oh, okay, <laughs> we got him to do the thing. Anyway. <laughs> we got him I love thing. Ah! Michael Michael knows I love that that voice. It's such a good character. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anybody who has not listened to Monster Island Film Vault is very confused right now. But that's okay. yeah. Uh, well, uh, like that hasn't happened several times on. Yeah, this that, show. That, 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 the, the listeners of <laughs> Attitude are used to that by now. They are used to it. But, although All I right, am discovering right, there is more overlap than I thought. <laughs> okay, so whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> we gotta talk about <laughs> unless there are unless there is some more little tidbits of uh uh no. information, let's talk about We've the run theme song. All of it. <laughs> yeah. We have let's two, talk about the theme because song. That's how Sentai rolls. We gotta that's talk how about Sentai two works, you're right. So, so the main theme flat. And uh, now the nice thing about yes. this one is that both the opening and the ending have the same artist, which is nice. Uh, uh, I hope I say his name right. It is New Jack Takuro. That is mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. And I'm going to say it right now. I love the main theme for Die Ranger. Yes. 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 I love that it's a blend of tr- kind of traditional Japanese, uh, excuse me, Chinese music and J-Rock. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong mm-hmm. there. And it's an earworm. <laughs> oh, this oh, yeah. is this theme. So, okay, so I, when I first started watching Die Ranger, I, I was watching it in college. And when I mean I was watching it in college, I mean during late nights in my art studio, up late, you know, sculpting, trying to hit deadlines, I would have Die Ranger playing. And I would drive to and from my c- campus with my windows rolled down with this theme song blasting out of my car. Whoa, 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 whoa. It was so good. Uh, and people looked at me like I was deranged, but that's okay. Um, well, they should. As they should. No, but the theme song, the theme song is so good. <laughs> I yeah. love it. It's one of my top theme songs for any tokusatsu, tokusatsu show I've seen, period. It is. It is. I, it, I mean, it, well, I will. For me. For I, me. Well, I'll say this. I won't get into it much here, but in the next Sentai episode, I will. As much as I like this one, I think I like Kaku Rangers more. Kaku Rangers is also pretty good, but yeah, I mean, yeah, man, no, this, I, this I, one just, just gets I you. really like it gets you Die Ranger. It gets you. Pumped. It does. It's ahead, such a ahead, great. I said, go ahead. I was go ahead. Oh, your turn. oh, oh sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love this theme song it is so great and even because i had to cram to, in, pre- in preparation for being on this episode i was trying to re-watch as much of the sh- of the series as i could so i was trying to cram basically a year's worth of japanese television into two days and uh that <gasps> how's, song, how's your brain feel oh man i mean just that theme song it gets <laughs> stuck in your head and even when i was like cooking dinner today or, or lunch today i was like s- singing the theme song in the back of my head just like oh man yeah. uh, it's it's just it's so good mm. I, I can't get it out of my and this- it will be stuck in my head for the rest of my life um, oh no, it, it will be. It's a, it's an inc- it's an incredible theme song, and that's and that's. I feel like that's a track record that yeah, Super Sentai keeps up throughout the throughout most of its series. Is they do have these little earworm theme songs. I, I know the one from Giga Man is is kind of an earworm too, and right. that one always gets stuck in my head. Uh, but I, I really will love- say, like I will say, as with basically any 
theme song and tokusatsu hero shows, I find that it has hmm. to grow on me a little bit. Because I remember the first time I heard the theme song for this, I'm like, ooh, when it starts like, this sounds like it's going to be really hardcore, and then it kind of shifts a little bit. And then I mm-hmm. had to get used to that. But after I got used to it, I, I just loved it. It's oh, yeah, so absolutely. It's and so good. The, 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 and in true and in true Sentai fashion, we have a we have an opening theme song and then we have an ending theme song that's completely different, except for this time around. The ending theme for Die Ranger doesn't give you tonal whiplash. Yeah, this one's called Oratachi Muteki Sa Die Ranger or We're Invincible Die Ranger. Same artist, like did, I said. Nate, Nate, you didn't do it right. It's Oratachi Muteki Sa Die Ranger. That's it. That's how you do it. Yeah, it, it's not as memorable, but it is still pretty catchy. And yeah, no tonal whiplash because good grief, the Zhu Ranger theme. Like you would have an episode that would just end on a on a cliffhanger jumbo, or be really dark. Jumbo, and then, jumbo, jumbo. Yeah, and then and then the Little Mermaid <laughs> starts. So like, hold on, I need to Darling process what better. just happened, and now better. you want me to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, I didn't realize that I like it sounded familiar, but until I heard it on you mentioned that on the your Jew Ranger episode, it didn't sink in that that's what it reminded me of, and I went, "Oh my gosh, uh-huh. that's it forever! It'll be we'll never not hear that now." You're gonna go make a fan edit now with that song and that cl- and that clip, aren't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Oh yeah, Kim, make it happen. Oh no, Kim's better. Kim would be better to do it than I would. She she should do it. (laughs) All right. So now that we got the theme songs out of the way, let's talk about our Rangers. And as we always do, we start with the Red Ranger, or in this case, the Real Ranger, Rio, played by Keiichi Wada. Mm -hmm. So first off, I want to say I love these suits. I am so oh, I sad suits, that these suits yeah, never got, got we, used in Power Rangers. These these suits are amazing. Yeah, we got we have to park on the suits for a second. The Die Ranger suits just are, are they're just outstanding. Yeah, um, they are just outstanding. Some of the best. Oh, the, the color balance is perfect. The helmets are mm-hmm. imposing and memorable. The uh, I oh love the goodness. gold. The, the gold accents that they have on them is so yes. great. And it's so funny because the, the white Ranger in mighty Morphin stands out so much because of having the gold accents. But in this, he just mm-hmm. kind right. of blends in with the rest of them. Like he fits in perfectly. Yeah. with them. But it, on the other like, hand, like I, can look at this, I can look at that, at the white Ranger suit and see, and say, and see why they would say, Oh yeah, that's on brand enough with Jew Ranger. We can use it. Right. Right. Yeah. Bit. Also, it just it wasn't it just wasn't a color that had been used on Mighty Morphin yet. That white. So yeah. it, that's probably another reason it stuck out. But it, it is in kind the, of like discovering armor. The, kind of. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say the armor no, kind of still the, fit the Green matches, Ranger yeah. aesthetic, so it kind of still worked within the context. So yeah, you're right. That's a good point too. The extra armor. It does. It does feel like that. But from the perspective of, um, you know, being you know, growing up on Mighty Morphin and then going back in and finding Die Ranger, which is the opposite of how I did it because I'm all messed up. But from the other perspective, it is kind of like, I mean, I imagine it must be like finding the White Ranger's extended family. Like you, you finally found mm-hmm. where he fits in. Uh, a, and a little he's bit. real. We'll get into it. But oh, he's no, really no, he's different. <laughs> oh, 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 very. Different. You don't say. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, we'll I get, mean, we'll okay, so. 
so it's not it's not shot for shot footage, and we'll we'll get there. But I just want to mention this. You remember, uh, uh, Nathan? You remember it was in season three, I believe, when Tommy skateboarded on top of a moving truck. Do you remember that episode? I think so. They did that. They mm-hmm. they did they it just they did that in Die Ranger as well, but it's 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 obviously not the same footage. It just made me smile that they recreated that scene from Die Ranger. Right. And that's right. and but that's anyway. something you wouldn't notice. That's something you wouldn't notice right. unless you've watched both. Right. But anyway, we're talking about Rio, our Red Ranger here, who actually has a very tra- you know, we've talked about the hero's journey on this podcast before. He has a very traditional hero's journey here. He's even a reluctant hero because he I th- he's the one who works at the restaurant, right? Yes, yes. he's a, yes. he's a yeah. he's a dumpling man. He wants to make yeah. very delicious dumplings for the world. Yeah, and then he yeah. finds out. Oh wait, you're you, know you have exceptionally high man, chi and you're special. <laughs> dumpling man. There it is. Do you know he, the he wants to man. He, oh man, he wants to be the dumpling man. He aspires because that's that's interesting, and we'll get there with all the mm-hmm. characters. But they all have a right. thing that they do, which is different from yes. Jew Ranger because in Jew Ranger they all wake up and they have to assume normal lives after waking up from the right. past. And some of them is, do it to varying degrees. These uh, we we get to see what they do off duty, which I think is yeah. really cool. Yeah. And they and all they, felt they all given the impression yeah. to me, which is what I think. Yeah. I, I, one of the things yeah. I love about this series, you know, when it comes to a lot of Sentai series is that these, these characters outside of the, the power suits feel like real people. And I think that's, you know, the, the mm. heightenedness of it all being a kid's show. Yeah. Mm. But, but still right. they feel like real people. And I love that. I love seeing I, I i love that i'm watching this and i and every time they're not in their power suits i am just as engaged as it when they are transformed into the ranger form right right right, right. but now with rio specifically like i said he starts off as the reluctant hero you know from humble beginnings working in the rio yep or rio and, of the heavenly uh, fire uh, you know, star yes. yes and he also has some of the as you would expect with the Red Ranger, has some of the more as some of the most interesting story arcs throughout the entire series. I mentioned before that yeah, he has a traditional hero's journey. He also emulates something that also followed the hero's journey to a T. Hmm. <laughs> whatever, whatever that you need. And like obviously, episode, hang on, hang on. Your obviously, father. you're talking. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Obviously, you're talking about Disney's Hercules, but okay, that's... Oh, well, yeah, that too, but... (laughs) No, can we talk about how there are points where Die Ranger just does an unabashed wholesale ripoff of Star Wars? Look, okay. Okay, there are definitely... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. A little bit. No, a little bit. I mean, this... it's, It's very easy. Now, okay. Star Wars obviously being the juggernaut that it is, right? It is, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people pointing fingers and saying, that's ripping off Star Wars, that's ripping off Star Wars. A lot of times it is. Sometimes it's not because the tropes that make up Star Wars are so universal. But in the case of Die Ranger, it, it, listen, <laughs> it's not it's, just the tropes, okay? This if is it was not just a trope. tropes, it would have been fine. Like, there are two episodes where we have, I can't remember the guy's name. Oh goodness! But he was basically the villain of the week, and 
He looks like this cool black samurai. Oh yeah, Choryu. Yeah, Choryu. Yeah, and and then the that the it was a two parter, and then it ended with Kaku saying the telling Choryu who they were. It was established that they were friends, and he's got Rio unmorphed, and he's about to kill him. And he says, don't kill him, he's your son. And then that was the cliffhanger. And I'm like, oh, did we just pull Star Wars? Oh, okay. And then you get to the next episode, and they're emulating shots and imagery. Yes. It's not just the yeah. story and the, the tropes. Lightning. I'm like, okay, Father. guys, you could have just left it there, but no. <laughs> Even I the wanted music the has a couple of shun, 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 moments. It's funny. <laughs> it's, you can, you can literally funny. hear dun, dun, da, da, in yes. the music. It's, there is, there is moments, we, and it's uh, not even in the, those two episodes, but later on, and uh, it's, it's, and a, it's I, an, yeah, it's an incidental it, piece. Yeah, there's there's a there's a moment. I I want to say it was when the the white tiger uh chi beast was being born that there was a dun 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 yeah, dun, dun, dun and playing in the under <laughs> in the background when the villains were there and i was like oh my god they literally are just mm. using some of the music from from star wars from star wars was, yeah so the part two of this story enough. yeah <laughs> so part two of this story is we have the the monster of the week who has a human form played by a european i might add who is like this high priest. So he's mm -hmm. basically the emperor and he's telling, he's ordering Choyu around the whole time and he tells him, kill your son. Then he decides not to kill his son. And then he goes and he tries to fight the not emperor. <laughs> yeah. It was like, who, like um, zaps him with lightning. Bishop <laughs> saw tries or to something kill like that. The son with lightning. Yeah. That, that was his name. That was the name of the emperor guy, like Bishop saw oh, okay. or something like that. Yeah, Bishop saw. Yeah, it was yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the and then Choyu kills him the first time because then he grows big and then they got to summon the Zords. But you know, and, and then but he dies doing it, and then he dies in Rio's arms, and he takes the helmet off, and it's like, yeah. good night, guys. <laughs> Rio, <laughs> remove my mask so I can look at you with my own eyes. <laughs> It's it's pretty blatant. Um, it's pretty blatant. It's so great. Just, I wanted sorry. the James Earl Jones. No, as he like no. <laughs> Bishop. I made a meme about. It. I got a picture to show you, and I said, "Rio, I am your father." Apparently, okay. <laughs> and it's interesting because this happens remarkably early. In this, like, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like seven and yeah. eight. Yeah, it's like it's within the first ten episodes, we get this big reveal, <laughs> and then and which as becomes you're going a, through... a, a which becomes a thing in this show. Like this show loves truth and revelations. <laughs> oh dear God! This entire show, this is a this this show is basically subplots the Sentai. Uh, <laughs> this is M Night Shyamalan is. Sentai. It is <laughs> twists every which way. The, the whole thing with, with and this is another thing that we'll talk about when we get to each character, but every character in the show, not they, they have the thing that they do, you know, like they, Rio is, is in a restaurant, but they also have a sub, like at least one subplot involving other characters and a little journey mm -hmm. that they personally go on. And we'll right. get to each of them, but after, right. you'd, you'd think that maybe they would have his father being a bad guy be prolonged for more than three episodes, but 
It's resolved right. very quickly. Now they do because that's a huge rebel because that's a huge revelation. Because that is, and then they just yeah, yeah. It, right. Go ahead, Mike. Especially, ahead, Mike. especially with Master Kaku, because Kaku knew this entire time. Yeah, and Kaku. Well, well, okay, because so, yeah. Kaku was Obi Wan in this. Before Michael jumps in, not let's just point out: not just that the villain is his father. The villain used to be a ranger. Yep, he was yep. a Red That's Ranger a who turned on his own teammates and killed them. That was also that's also the, the, the Darth Vader like connection too. A little order, right? Order well, and the funny much. thing is, this is not yes. the first time Toei has done this. They had Message from Space, the movie, back in the late seventies, and then they did a spinoff TV show. Yep, Galactic Wars, um, which is a trip and a half. I recommend it. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, going back to, and then I'll let, I'll let you go, Michael, but going back to. No, no, continue. I didn't have really, I didn't have anything. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I just, okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't cutting you off, but. Um, no, the, you're, good. The weird, you're good. Okay. Okay. Just wanted, wanted to make sure. But the, the weird, the weird thing is you'd think that they would, again, you'd think that they would prolong something this big, but it's wrapped up within the first 10 episodes out of a 50 episode show. Now it does end up getting paid off a little bit later because the whole this guy was bad, but he turned good thing comes into play when mm. Rio has a internal struggle, an internal struggle about whether or not to trust Kaku at the end of the show, which we'll get to. Right. So it does. Yeah, we'll yeah, the, the, so the entire my dad is evil thing did plant seeds that become important again for yeah. Rio at the end of the show. But that's not the only weird kind of interpersonal journey he goes on because Rio also has a, uh, you know, love, hate, mostly hate relationship with a guy named Jin. Oh, you yeah. mean Fist of the North Star? Fist of the yeah. North Star. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you can't exactly. talk. And he's, I mean, and I don't know if we want to talk well, about he, him now. I have him, or... in, I have him in the villains list, so we'll talk okay, about we'll, him we'll there. Wait, we'll wait about him. But, but, but it is well, worth I, noting I, that he is kind of the, he's the character that kind of goes along with Rio on his journey. When you think the dad thing would but the dad thing is resolved really quick but Jin becomes right. kind of the, the the person that he has to deal with and we'll get to him but since we're talking right. about yeah. it I figured I'd name drop well him. well I also and and the and the thing I think you said it really well uh Danny is that in any other show whether it be Power Rangers or Sentai that plot line of oh you know my father was a you know is a villain who used to be the leader of this team and killed his you know his uh his teammates and everything would have been like the main crux of the show like would have been a huge deal through the whole show right. and i think that shows how much of this show or how how many uh plot lines and and subplots that the show has that that does get resolved very early on but i think it also one of the things that it does plant for later on and we can talk about it when we get to the villains is the idea that someone who's gorma is not doesn't necessarily mean that they were born gorma and doesn't mean they stay gorma and i think that's something that plants that that they, they had to plant early on so i think it still served its purpose for later on right mm. Oh, completely, completely. Right. I, right. I actually like that. I mean, I I'm sitting here kind of poking fun at how unexpected it is, but I don't have a problem with them throwing something that feels that big into the show that early and then wrapping it up quickly. It's unexpected. Mm. It's a bit unusual, but it works within the context of just how twisty and turny and complicated and webby this show gets with all of its yeah. interconnected characters and subplots. And if right. the, the easiest rest way to of the break show... it down is to talk about it all. 
Yeah, if the rest of the show didn't live up to that, then I would have been super disappointed. It's like, oh, you you wasted such a big reveal and such a big plot point in, in just you know two episodes early on. But the fact that there's so much other stuff going on in the show that's so dense and complicated, it just is like, no, this this fits in. It's fine. Like I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm I'm really gl- I'm really glad you br- I'm really glad you mentioned that Travis because did anyone else have trouble and I've seen this I've watched through Die Ranger twice now this is my second time did anyone else struggle following along with the plot lines even no. when you're when you were watching through this no because no. like, because everything really. was a little bit because comp- nope. everything was just well everything felt really complicated to me <laughs> I tell you what the uh, the little the little because it is, but I'll tell you what, the little recaps at the beginning of each episode where the next chunk of that particular plot line is going to get continued or maybe resolved, those sometimes helped because it's like, okay, where where's Jin right now? What the heck is Kajaku off doing? Uh, what's, uh, um, oh my oh, gosh, what, why are the Three Stooges coming back? Yes, why is she coming back again? <laughs> Not those uh, Three Stooges. <laughs> no, the different, like, what's going on with these guys? <laughs> who is who is Shoji ticked off at this week? Uh, you know, like all of these different things. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. But like, it's important, like those little (laughs) beginning bits where they aren't, they aren't just, here's the new monster of the week. It's continuing. Like those little bits. It's a soap opera. It is a soap opera. It's a soap opera. But it's got soap opera things and everything. And we can, and, and we keep saying we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But, but one of the things that I love about this, this show, and I think it's, it's something that they, like you said, this was the 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 fifteenth anniversary, quote unquote, of of Sentai. Even though you had two seasons that weren't counted at the time, um, that they they decided to play with like your expectations of what a Sentai series is and what happens in a Sentai series because it's so much so much of what happens in the show is like not what you would typically get in a Sentai, you know, they, they, they establish, well, here's the good guys. Here's the bad guys, but Oh wait, you know, some of the bad guys are actually good guys. Some of the good guys are actually bad guys. And we kind of play with that. And a lot of it is playing with what audiences know and what the characters know, because sometimes the audiences are given, the audience is given more information than the characters. And so we get to see the characters kind of learn information as they go. But then sometimes the audience is, not given all of the information that the characters know and then the audience has to learn as as the show is going and so it's just really fun how they play with that in the series and it's just like the 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 people who were writing this had a lot of fun writing this show it was so you can really tell just in the amount of complexity that this kids show let's not forget this is a kids show has i know right (laughs) well one one thing one thing that i did notice one thing i did notice that like we talked about this in Zoo Ranger, Nathan, where it just kind of, and this is typical of Japanese show writing where they just kind of throw you in the middle of the action. And then you have to catch up later. Right. This is diary episodes were a little breathless. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, well, I was going to say, I was going to say that I was going to say that Die Ranger is a little bit 
different than that, where it's like you're watching the formation of a team, right. then then it's kind of slowly progresses over. That's something that even, uh, us in the West with our television shows, our superhero shows, are more used to. Whereas it's 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 a little bit different to kind of to the point that Travis was talking about, and with even with Zhu Ranger, Zhu Ranger broke the mold in a lot of ways as well. Like Zhu Ranger was the first time we see a canonical six Ranger, and then it just kind of and then Die Ranger took that formula and just starts building from there with so and adding right. new mm-hmm. elements to it. So, but for this, but since we got to keep the conversation moving, I want to actually ask Travis again, because Travis, you mentioned that, um, Daigo was your favorite Ranger and Daigo is the Shishi Ranger who is our green Ranger played by Sui, Nathan. Tatsuya. 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 Nomi. Yes. So yes. Nathan, Tatsuya, uh, Nathan Nomi. sorry, Travis, why was uh, what was why was Daigo your favorite ranger? Um, well, uh, his personality is kind of the 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 ar- the archetype of his character is the character I tend to like. You know, it's the Piccolo, it's the it's the um, Jugglers Juggler from from uh, uh, the Ultraman series, uh, Ultraman Orb, and everything. It's it's mm-hmm. that stoic kind of uh, character who learns to be gentle and uh, is very kind of quiet in his way of doing things, not always rushing into things, but also very noble, um, Mm. but maybe has to learn nobility over time. And it's just, yeah, that, so that, that archetype of that character is one that I really like. And and especially when you get to uh, his story arc with Kujaku, uh, the or what I call Princess Peacock, um, that uh, <laughs> it, he's such a great, great character, and I, I love his, I love his little green gloves that he always wears, his his fingerless gloves that he wears through the whole series too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you forgot to mention he works at a pet shop, which I'm guessing and he is works another at a pet reason. shop. Is it really you good? Like him because he's a because he's an animal lover. I love animals too. Yeah. Um, going back to Rio though, we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about cause, uh, each of the Rangers in this series, they have a specific, uh, animal, not animal, but a specific mythological creature that they're based on, which is also their mm-hmm. Zord. So we can talk right. about those more when we get to the Zords, but they, each one actually has a fighting style, a martial arts style that they use. And I thought that was very fascinating for this series because in a lot of Super Sentai series, they tend to use just your typical, it's, it's, I think it's called theatrical fighting style or, or there's a name for it, but it's, it's the fighting, it's the martial arts that's supposed to look good on camera, but not necessarily be used as an actual martial arts. Um, It's the same kind of martial arts that Jackie Chan uses. A few other people, you know, kind of went to that school of martial arts. It's, it's a very theatrical style. It's used for stage and for TV and for movies, but these Mm -hmm. Rangers actually use real martial arts that, that are actual, you know, Chinese martial arts. Um, Rio, Rio of the heavenly fire star uses the Southern dragon style or long, long, she mo, uh, chi or chow i mean um which is the southern dragon style it's a shaolin monk style of fighting that is mm. inspired by the chinese dragon um you can definitely tell when he's doing his punches and his jabs the shape of his hands is that 
that very recognizable southern dragon style because it's it's meant to look like the dragon's claw or a dragon's uh, mouth when he moves and jabs. So I thought that was really neat. Um, but yeah, one of the other things, one of the other reasons I like Daigo, the, the Green Ranger, or Daigo of the Heavenly Phantom Star, uh, is because he uses a martial arts style that I really like, which is Hunga or Hungar. Uh, it's a Southern Chinese martial mm -hmm. arts as practiced by Shaolin monks. Again, um, it is, it is, uh, it emphasizes being very uh, sturdy and strong and having a strong mm -hmm. center of gravity. So you will see mm -hmm. him stomp down on the ground and kind of like adjust his feet mm -hmm. to have that strong stance so that he can't be pushed over very easily. Um, that is, that is, you know, a very, uh, typical, uh, thing for this, for Hunga. It's called the horse stance is, is like one of the main oh, stances yes. that you'll see him use. And that's the main, that's like the main one that Hunga uses. Um, it, it's all about strength. It's all about being strong and sturdy and not being able to be knocked over. And they even strengthen their hands and arms. A lot of times they will use uh, iron rings. Have you ever uh, seen yes. these like loose I've rings? Seen, yeah. I've yeah. seen Shang-Chi. <laughs> yeah. But see, Shang-Chi's, they, they're actually, uh, they form fit on his arm. So they actually uh, don't rattle around. But the iron training rings that they use in Kung Fu are actually supposed to be loose and rattle around because they want to get mm. that, um, that, that, how it rattles against their skin. So it strengthens their skin and their, and their muscles and stuff. Um, and in fact, if anybody's watched Kung Fu Hustle, there's, uh, oh yeah, there's the tailor, the tailor that's in that movie. He, right. uh, yeah. uses, he uses Hunga and he actually uses the, the training rings to help with strengthen his arms too. So you can see that Hunga. It's also Hunga is, is partially the inspiration for earthbending in Avatar The Last Airbender. Ah, okay. Because of that That's strong that strong connection to the ground and being like really mm -hmm. strong and sturdy and immovable. Mm-hmm. So, well, and yeah. hearing all of that, and I think back on Daigo as a character, it seems very befitting for his personality. It does, being yeah. I was, I was going to point that out. The serious, most probably the most grounded Stoic. out of all of it. You know, very sturdy. And you know, mm -hmm. when we, mm -hmm. I, I have Kuchaku in the supporting cast section, so we'll talk Kuchaku. about her there because that's his primary subplot is Kuchaku. Kuchaku. He has to be well. It says Kuchaku, man. Okay. It's Kujaku. Chugaku. Kujaku. Chu, okay. Kujaku. I got it twisted there. Kujaku. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, Kuchiku. Peacock Princess. Yeah. Anyway. Kuchiku. Pikachu. I don't know. Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he has to be that for her because yes. he's very troubled. And yeah. so he's always mm -hmm. trying to pull her back because he is very sturdy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like her grounding force. Like he's the thing that's right. keeping her grounded or trying to keep right. her grounded. And, and yeah, and he's the second command of the team and Rio's a little bit more hot headed <laughs> being a red yeah. ranger. 
So, you know, he and, helps and Daigo tends to be the voice of reason within the group too. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that sits back, looks at everything and then makes a decision. Whereas, you know, you get Rio who's kind of hot headed. He'll rush into things. You get Shoji who is, you know, brash and impatient and he runs into things. And so then you get Daigo who's kind of like, Hey guys, you know, let's think about this. <laughs> right. Right. And speaking he's, he's of the Shoji, most level headed, he's the most level headed of the crew. And before we move on, I just want to jump in and say that Daigo is my favorite, too. Honestly, oh, really? like, I, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like for all the reasons that were already mentioned. He loves animals, uh, as as do I. He has a uh, I, I really like the, the relationship he forms with Kujaku as the as the story goes on. We'll get there. But uh, I like how yeah. level headed he is. I like how. Like, you know, it, it's not like an annoying kind of stoic. He has he, he really feels honestly, this is how I would best describe Daigo. I feel like if we were going to go into their little underground base and we were going to see any of the characters other than Master Kaku uh, meditating in silence, Daigo would be the one. Right. Yeah. Now, here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. I would say Daigo is he's not unemotional. I think he actually feels oh, very no. deeply. He oh, just. Yeah. He doesn't, keeps he it doesn't, to it. he keeps it to himself because I mean, he, he fell in love with princess Peacock. Okay. And he felt yeah, very he strongly he about it. Right. But he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. Though. No, no. Yeah, he's he basically the antithesis to the, the next character we're going to talk about because where, because Daigo don't, you know, like when I say stoic, I don't mean unemotional because I think Daigo is one yeah. of those characters where he's, there's, he's very kind of, he, he's contemplating. Mm-hmm. There's a storm raging behind his eyes, but he doesn't let it show often. Uh, yeah. he's, he's a deep, you can tell he's a deep thinker. You can tell he's a, somebody who, who tries to plan ahead and try to get step a few steps ahead of the enemy. But even though he might look calm, you know, don't, don't let him fool you. The guy is, there's a storm in, you know, back there raging. And when he wants to let it out during, especially during the whole Kujaku thing, which we'll get to. Yeah. 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 He can get very emotional and very loud. Um, but it's all for mm-hmm. a very, He's, a very, he's he might be the most emotional one of the crew, I think. Probably, like I said, because he keeps it to himself most of the time. Yeah, he bottles mm-hmm. it up. He bottles right. it. Yeah. Up. But Shoji, the Tenma Ranger, who is blue, played mm-hmm. by. How, am I? Say, how do you say this? A name? A A. So A Hamura. Yeah. A Hamura. Yeah, a Hamura. Yes. A Hamura. Shoji so, is a uh, loud, loud man. <laughs> yeah, he's he looks like the heavy well, Every time I look star. at him, I think. Every time I yes. look at him, I think like I like this guy looks like he could he could be Japanese James Dean. He's rebel without a cause. Well, he's a hairdresser. <laughs> he's a hairdresser. That's Kazu. That's Kazu. Kazu's the hairdresser. Kazu. Sorry, Kazu. No, I'm getting him mixed up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Shoji was the boxer. Yeah, Shoji wants to be a world champion punch punch man. Uh, punch, and yes. punch, man. And, which is he, he runs and jogs and trains and punches so, yeah, so he's so he's rocky if played by james dean that's what that's yeah. serious he's he's and basically he's kind crazy. of a punk yeah yeah i mean he really he is very much rocky he's he's heavily inspired by rocky um the character is and and he he's even i think they even touch on that he's he was a delinquent uh, you mm-hmm. know, and he mm-hmm. was a reformed delinquent, so he kind of has still has that kind mm-hmm. of like rough and rowdy boy Rebellious. type. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's kind he's kind of a bad boy, but not quite. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he have a motorcycle? Is he the one with the motorcycle in Civilian? 
life. Yeah. Well, I mean, they all had their motorcycles, but he had he had one. And that's what I mean. He has his own. They have one. They they have three uh, when they're rangers. But I'm just trying to. I think he had one as a civilian. He does. Either that or he. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say either that or he was where he he would ride his ranger one in disguise. Um, because I, aren't there a couple of episodes where you see like they're riding motor, all of them or groups of them are riding yeah, motorcycles yeah, they all and have... then they transform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so that so... might be what we're thinking of, but he, he definitely rides it for fun. <laughs> right. He does one of my favorite things that is a, it, it, and it's, it is a thing in Japanese television media, uh, that is shorthand for a, a bad boy with attitude is he does the thumb across the nose kind of thing, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. which, which yeah. is is so, a it is like a Japanese shorthand for I'm a tough guy. Right, <laughs> don't mess with me. Which is why you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of kids do that in older movies, and Godzilla does it once. Mm. If you'll yes. remember, <laughs> um, if you ever wondered where that came from, anybody out there who's a Godzilla fan, there you go. There is a movie where Godzilla does that same nose across the uh, finger across the nose. Don't mess with me. I'll I'll, I'll mm-hmm. rough you up. I'll break your kneecaps. <laughs> bust the cap. I'll bust the cap on you. That's see? actually where the phrase came from was breaking kneecaps. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, Shoji is basically the antithesis of the quiet contemplative Daigo. Uh, he wears his emotions entirely on his sleeve. He is, I, I joked before, he's a loud guy. Uh, and that's because he is. Because if something doesn't feel right to him or the situation doesn't look good. He will be the first one to yell about it and punch something and say, what can we do? Or that's unfair. Or, uh, man, that, that, that mirror is really perverted. So, so (laughs) to use the Star Trek analogy, Danny, he's the McCoy to Daigo Spock. Is that what you're saying? I mean, if McCoy was like, a punk. <laughs> like, yeah. Not just me. Like he, yeah, not just saying, like he's very passionate and emotional and Daigo is not. <laughs> I mean, if you, I mean, yeah, if you, if you want to rank, I mean, let's say Shoji is permanently set at 11. All right. Like yeah. he doesn't have a setting lower than 11 out of 10. The guy is incredible, but he's not a, that's the thing is he's not a bad kid. He's bad reformed guy. as yeah. we mentioned before, but what, what you're mm-hmm. seeing is that he is just incapable of, doing what Daigo does where he internalizes the struggles. He has to go and run and punch a tree to get his frustrations out. And that's how he solves problems. He's not right, in yeah. his brash. He's one, he's one of the first people that'll run into the fight. He he's usually the first person they get shot at because he's like, let's go do this. They'll never get mm-hmm. away with this. I won't stand for it. Um, and he, a lot of that comes into play because he also has a character or three characters in this case that he has an ongoing beef with. Right, um, that's and, his subplot. His, his yeah. subplot, <laughs> in, yes, involves three monsters that we'll talk about. But that's he—he's an interesting one, and I feel like out of all the characters, he might be the one that might get on people—he might get on people's nerves the most. But I actually ended up really uh, connecting I, with him, and I really—I really, I really like no, Shoji I, by the end of it. I didn't buy—he didn't. Bother I enjoyed. Me. I enjoyed no, Shoji. I enjoyed Shoji. Yeah, I enjoyed oh, Shoji's yeah. character. No. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I mean, I don't uh, have a. No, not Michael. I, I don't really have a. We're one no, and the same, ahead. sir. What do you What do you need? <laughs> Finish your thought. All I was going to say is there is really no ranger here that I dislike. Like there's nobody no. here, even mm-hmm. even even Co, who we'll talk about in a minute, gets <laughs> oh. on my nerves. But I still oh, like him. Oh, yeah. But he no, I was it, just though. gonna. 
I was just going to ask Travis, what's Shoji's fighting style? Since you know, we're mentioning all those. Um, so what Shoji, uh, his fighting style is long fist. So um, it's a, a fighting style that's from northern China. It uh, emphasizes fully extended kicks uh, and defense, which is really interesting that that for a character who wants to be a boxer, so he's using his fists, but then when he transforms into his die ranger, uh, his die ranger form, he starts using a lot more kicks and stuff than he than he does. But one of the things that that this long fist style is known for is very fierce and fast movements, which is definitely mm. fits Shoji's personality. And the fierceness of uh, long fist was actually what made the creators of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, decide to use it as partial inspiration for firebending. So a lot of times oh, in the in the show, you'll see the the firebenders will when they shoot flames out of their feet and they start doing the kicks and stuff where they throw the fire through their feet. That's when they're starting to do that long fist style. But it's the fierceness right. of it that really drew them. And so that to me fits Shoji's personality so well that he's you know this fierce fast quick movements that that is all about just the the speed and and ferocity and and wildness that that you get mm -hmm. from long fist style right so are all of these forms of kung fu yes yes all of these are kung fu because okay. uh, kung fu is the overall chinese martial arts um and then you have different forms within it okay Okay, right. so are we so cool. ready to move on to our next ranger? Mr. Yeah. Kazu? Is it time yeah. for Mr. Kazu? Got Mr. Kazu, the it's Kirin Kazu. Ranger, who is yellow. Kazu of the Heavenly by... Time Ranger. Or Time Star, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> time Star. Oh, well, and what was, uh, what was uh, Shoji? Shoji was uh, Shoji of the Heavenly Gravity Star. There you go. Now, so Kazu is played by Keisuke Suchia. Fun fact, he has an identical twin brother named Daisuke. Yes. And yes. in the episode where they do the evil double thing, mm -hmm. that is his actual brother. Yep. yep. And, and spoiler alert, that, that, that's, that pops up in a, an award later for me because I loved I loved that. I'll talk more about it then. Yeah. And, I was and also going to say they also uh, both appear in uh, Kaku Ranger, I think. They both make an appearance yes, in Cockroach yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, because here, but, uh, so yeah, so they both have careers with Toei being in their Tokusatsu stuff, their Henshin stuff. And I bring that up because, as I have discovered through all of my research in the Godzilla franchise with the Mothra twins, tw twins are incredibly rare in Japan. So when twins happen, they tend to get a lot of attention. So I'm not surprised that we have twin identical twin brothers who became actors. <laughs> and then acted opposite each other. So that episode was really fun, I have to say. <laughs> it's a good one. That. No camera tricks. It's actually twin brothers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's great. But anyway, Kazu. Now, I, I this was the one ranger whose fighting style I recognized immediately because it's very oh, yeah. distinct. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, very, very, very distinct. distinct. And he is a hairdresser and a dancer. In his civilian life. Now, I, He's I have the most a question. elegant of the Rangers. Go ahead, Travis. Huh? 
and you can cut this out of the podcast if you want, because I don't know if you want to keep it in there or not. I got the feeling that they were hinting to the fact that uh, Kazu was gay. But mm. being a Japanese show uh, from the 90s, they couldn't come out and just say that. But there is definitely, like, there. it feels like there was some really strong hints to that, especially later on in the series. Hmm. Was it, I'd is it, was it because, was it because the, well, let me let's ask a question. Was it because the male hairdresser is sort of a, a trope of, well, I guess. No, 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 no. It wasn't is, even is, that. Is like that, that wasn't even, that wasn't even what got me. It's more of, cause there's, there's some lines of dialogue. And I didn't write it down, but there was a line of dialogue that he has with Kameo, um, the, the turtle man where, uh, turtle man. uh Kameo says, uh, or asks him a question and then uh, Kameo says, oh, you don't have to answer that. I get it. And just leaves it there. And it just drops off mm-hmm. there. And it's like, oh, are they hinting at the fact that Kazu is gay? They just can't come out and say it because it's a Japanese show in the 90s. You don't you don't uh, say that. <laughs> hmm. I, hadn't May- maybe, that I mean, actually. maybe I hadn't actually thought I had not thought of that myself, but maybe. Uh, it would make sense. It would actually make sense. Not, be- not because of the hairdresser trope, uh, because that, right. or a stereotype that's, it's, a, it's a stereotype of gay characters, uh, for especially male gay characters for them to be a hairdresser. That's just part well, of the, right. the, the other of- thing that I did observe about Kazu is he's the one who always, he dresses very nice. All yes. Time. Like he'll show that up was to the headquarters in too. a suit and yeah. tie. He's very yeah. stylish. Because they make they make it's, quite a few comments about him always dressing very nice and knowing how to knowing a lot about style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's he's also I would say the most elegant of the Rangers, and not just in like the way he dresses or walks or talks. He's a very he strikes me as a very gentle soul. He's always smiling. He's always um, going out of his way to help people. I mean, they're all helping people, but he just has he has this big old happy smile on his face. You find out later on that he sometimes helps out at the ramen cart um, operated by the Mm -hmm. old lady who gave him his first meal when he Mm -hmm. moved to the big city. And sometimes he Mm -hmm. goes and helps her all those years later. And he just seems like a really sweet guy. He's got a really kind of genuinely sweet, concerned uh, relationship with uh, Kamel. And Mm -hmm. he also, and again, his, his fighting style and Travis, I want to hear what you have to say about it here in a second um, is very elegant and dance, dance, like I almost said dancerly, and that's not a word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, he, he, just the way he, he moves his feet and his arms and the way his, his back uh, moves along with his shoulders mm-hmm. and the way his head turns. Uh, you can tell that he, and like the actual actor specifically, because there are moments when he does this out of the suit, uh, that's mm-hmm. not a stunt guy. He's actually doing it and he's, right. he's beautiful to watch. Uh, it's really quite mm. elegant. Um, I hadn't really I think elegant. That yeah, go ahead. I think elegant is a is a good way to put it, Danny. Um, but I mean, it wouldn't. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if they were if they were hinting that he was gay without actually coming out and saying he was gay, because you know that it does. It's just not as it's not as received. I would say as po- being gay is not as received as positively in Japan as it, as it has been over here in America. Still um, now, yeah. unfor- unfortunately, you know, all these years, yeah. Later, yeah, years unfortunately now, from the show yeah. and it, it, yeah, it's still a thing. Yeah. Well, it's still very, very taboo. Would he be, 
Yeah. Would he be gay or would he be, quote unquote, a metrosexual? I know that's a term that used to get thrown around a lot more about stylish. I don't, I don't think anyone's men. ever. I don't think any. I don't think anyone's used metrosexual in probably 15 years, Nathan. Yeah, uh, I know. That's just what I mean. I, I said that was a term that used to get thrown around for that. Yeah. But. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Cause, cause well, like I said, I, it, it was, it never came out and said, but there were some hints in it that were, that seemed like they were kind of hinting at it without coming out and saying it. Um, I think also the fact that he's one of the, he's, he's the only male character who doesn't really have uh, a lot of, um, romantic i will say romantic interactions with with female characters in the show um in any kind in any uh, sense also kind of lends to that so you know i i I don't know but on the other hand but on the other hand he has a grandson later true true but again like we said it is adopted we don't know yeah true yeah i mean it could Uh, that was just that was just something that i was wondering if it was just me picking up on a few of these little things or if there was something if you guys had seen a little bit of that because like i said there was just a little subtle things i i'd honestly i'd I'd say it's and it's it's an interpretation i'd say that if if uh, one chooses to 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 see that then there's nothing in the show necessarily that 100 percent negates it Right. I mean, you know, I was going right. through it's, and it's, trying it's like to look the, up stuff in the wiki to see if anyone else has thought of that. And I don't see anything that would necessarily preclude that. Well, it's, Travis, it's like, it it's like, it's like, <laughs> oh, um, oh, I have some, like, I have some like, notes on that wiki. <laughs> Believe me. Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. It's like the, it's like the two gentlemen from Godzilla versus Megalon. Like the implica- a lot of fans have implied that those two guys are gay, but it's never outright said that they're gay. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but also from the way, the way I was reading it, the way I was reading it is something I think you, Travis and I, you've talked about this on Kaiju. You and I've talked about this in Kaiju weekly before that, that uh, in Japanese culture, uh, more feminine men are seen as more attractive. Um, yeah. If that's, yeah, that doesn't feel like it's cause that's more of appearance wise, not necessarily um, mm. in, in their actions and the way they act. So mm. him being a hairdresser, him being very fashionable, him uh, being a good fighter, that all wouldn't have, wouldn't have played into that. It would have been more of his appearance and in appearance wise, he kind of fits the normal typical like nineties Japanese like hero mold. Like he's, he's kind of like an everyman looking guy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't say that plays into it because that definitely is, you see that more happening with like the boy bands where they really, really play up how young they look or make them look even younger and right. boyish. Whereas this wasn't really that. Mm-hmm. So right. Drunken Kung Fu. <laughs> Um, yeah, but well, before that, I just want to say, um, so he's known as Kazu of the Heavenly Time Star because his power is manipulating time. That is a power they do not utilize enough in the show. They <laughs> really help them a few times. But then again, yeah. but then again, Shoji can manipulate gravity, and I think they'd use that a little more too. <laughs> yeah, it just like like it shows up twice in the whole series. I'm like, why aren't you using your powers more often? <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh, well, he's kind of so, OP. <laughs> I know. Uh, so. <laughs> so drunken fist yeah drunken fist is a very uh um very widely known form of uh of kung fu it's a very popular Thank you, form Jackie of- Chan. 
Yes, because of Jackie Chan's, uh, one of Jackie Chan's early films, The Drunken Master and Drunken Master 2, which actually, I think Drunken Master 2 gets more recognition than the first one because it had a wider release here in the States than the first one did. So you might get is to that see the, the one second that was one. called? Is that the one that was called Legend of Drunken Master? Because that's the one I've seen. I, I think so. I think that was how it was put in. Yeah, but that was a newer one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, this, uh, this was in the seventies. Isn't, it, isn't it also called, isn't it also called drunken monkey? Like I'm being serious. Is it? Is so it, so is drunken, it so that was drunken monkey in high school. <laughs> so drunken monkey Sorry. is a form of drunken boxing. So there's an entire basically school of, of Kung Fu. That is all the, this drunken fighting style. Uh, drunken fist is the, is the most popular one. There's a few different styles within that kind of overarching genre of, of Kung Fu. So uh, they're all meant to imitate the movements of someone who's drunk, who's intoxicated. This is what's interesting about this. Whereas all these other fighting styles, you kind of get them you get hints of them in the character's personalities and you get hints of them in mm. some of the movements they make. But this fighting style for Kazu actually has a, a, I would say an impact on the story in at least one episode, because he fights against a monster who is all about drinking the drunken to- tofu uh, yes. monster. Tofu man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you really get like, like, it's not just a subtle thing. This is actually a a central part of the plot in one of the episodes is him being a master at this drunken style of fighting. So, yeah. And like I said, most people would recognize it from the Jackie Chan drunken master series of films that he did. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's that's pretty much a lot of video games, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's very recognizable. Mm hmm. And now we'll move on to the Ho-Oh Ranger. And no, I don't mean the Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ho-Oh Ranger, the Pink Ranger, Rin, who, first thing I want to say is interesting about Rin is that she's Chinese. Yes. You know, in the universe of the show. Now she's played by a Japanese woman, at least judging by the name. Yeah. Now, like I said, the, the actress is Japanese. Her name is Natsuki Takahashi. And yeah, so like I said, we start off with her basically immigrating from China to Japan to go to college. She's a college student. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she fits uh-huh. the Pink Ranger archetype very well. <laughs> she, she, she does. It pretty, she even gets, she even gets the "I'm famous now" or "I want to be famous" episode. Except uh, that was probably the most interesting Pink Ranger wants oh. to be famous episode I've seen in anything. It's because we have a monster. The monster of the week. We'll talk about him because I have him in my monsters of the week. Mm-hmm has a human form and the two of them genuinely fall in love with each other which makes the ending tragic and oh, it so actually sad. worked i'm like this is normally kind of silly and played for laughs but it there was some definite weight and emotion at the end of that episode oh yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> and she rent herself is it is an interesting character again she's she's from china right so there's kind yeah, of an just interesting like 
just like Haku, which so there's an interesting implied connection between what's happening in Japan and obviously the Chinese connection with all of the mythological the Chinese connection. <sighs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. For those who don't know, that's the title of a Bruce Lee movie. There it mm-hmm. is. There it is. I, I did not realize so, I was saying that. <laughs> that was so one of the things about Ren, so Ren was, and I think, I think it, this, this is a problem with a lot of Sentai uh, Japanese shows. Um, they, the female member of the team usually doesn't get as much recognition or as much love, but with Rin, so early on, Rin's not as interesting of a character until Ko comes along. Then when Ko mm-hmm. comes along, it's her relationship with Ko that kind of really adds so much extra. Like, like she's still a decent character. Like, there, there's nothing wrong with her, but it's just like, I, I, I even sent up a, to that point, she's bland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she's oh, the girl. Up to that point, she's pretty the team. Right, right. Um, but yeah. then, but then she becomes. Well, I don't know. Would you describe? I mean, we'll talk more about Co here in a moment. But would you describe her relationship with him as being more big sister or surrogate mother? Both, depending she's on the situation. Honestly, yeah, yeah. 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 And she's that's not to say she doesn't do anything interesting either. She, she's the, she's the one who ends up going on the spirit journey to get the lilai balls. So you know, that, so yeah. she ends up going on that journey. Mm-hmm. She's the one who does that very early in the series. That's episode. Mm-hmm. That's the arc in episodes five and six. It's worth sure. noting. And, and she, gets, like, uh, she gets to see the Zords hanging out in a cave. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting. Well, Psychic, I shouldn't say uh, Zords, the Mecca. Yeah. Get it right. Marchand. It's worth noting <laughs> it's kind of, as kind of a side note here that a lot of the episodes in the series are broken up into two or more arcs. So sometimes you'll get yes. the same monster in two back to back episodes, uh, which means there are actually fewer monsters of the week overall in this show because they reuse them. Uh, and sometimes they'll pull monsters from multiple episodes back, but most monsters in the show get at least two episodes. And there's a two episode arc episodes right. five and six where Rin is teleported to China uh, mm-hmm. to help find the lilai balls, these magical lilai balls, that, and each of them is associated with one of the key beasts. And, and mm-hmm. we learned that the only reason that Ryuseo, the dragon uh, key beast, is able to operate without the lilai balls because Kaku's been pouring all of his energy into it. That's the only right. reason that it could be summoned without the lilai ball. So Rin is the one who is summoned and she finds them. And then after that, he, she has a very interesting conversation with Master Kaku where uh, he says, one of these days you're going to end up like you are destined to be way stronger than me. One of these days, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're yeah. going to be almost unstoppable, but it's going to take a long journey to get there. And after that, she does, does kind of descend into a little bit of blandness for a while. But when Ko becomes her foil, uh, her character just kind of expands really, really wonderfully through the rest of the show. And mm-hmm. if it's not mm-hmm. obvious at this point, it will be when we get to Ko, but uh, Ko is the character with whom she has that same kind of journey along with all the other characters we mentioned before. They all have a character that helps them grow and mm-hmm. Ko is hers. Yeah. Right. And I think it's uh, talking about her powers. I think it's interesting to note that she is the only of the Rangers who can use her she or, or Ki or Chi uh, powers outside of Ranger form. The rest of them have to be yeah. transformed to be able to use their their key uh, their powers, but she 
routinely uses her wind power, uh, her straight, I think straight line tornado, uh, is her power mm-hmm. uh, and she uses that routinely outside of her ranger form. So yeah, she mm-hmm. is definitely, I, I think, I think that as far as Japanese shows, especially from the time period, she was a step forward in the way that they treated female characters, but she's not the huge leap forward that us coming into it from 2023 would probably expect or want in a female character, but, but for the time period, like the, the fact that they made her so in, so important to the team and important to other characters and powerful was a step forward. Because like I said, in a lot of Japanese media, the, the girl of the team or girls of the teams are usually not treated as kindly. I think Ren ends up with uh, she. She doesn't get the short end of the stick too bad in in this series, uh, which no. is really. Nice I would say see. she's. I, w- I would say she's treated as equal. I would say she's treated yeah. fairly equally amongst oh, this team. I wish I like, could more, say that more, Oh treated her correctly. Oh <laughs> more, boy! More. We'll get there. We'll get <laughs> we'll there. Get yeah. there uh, but, uh, anything else to say about Ren, or should we hear about one Ren one, one thing? So so Travis, you mentioned that. Uh, you know, she could use her, her powers outside of her ranger form. Does that count as too much pink energy? <laughs> okay. Uh, tell <laughs> us about her. T- tell us about her fighting style. Travis. Well, she is dangerous. <laughs> so. she is. I just wanted to, that was important. It had to be said. I mean, she does. She does have, she does have lady Lila balls. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway. How does she fight, Travis? Tell us. Tell us about that. So she uses uh, <laughs> Ying Shao Pai, uh, which I definitely mispronounced, but Ying Shao Pai, also known as Eagle Claw or Eagle Fist, is a Chinese mm. martial arts that's derived from Shaolin Kung Fu. Again, another Shaolin-inspired Kung Fu style. Um, it emphasizes grappling joint locks, takedowns, and pressure point combat. Uh, Hers, just like uh, Rio's um, from earlier, you can definitely tell when you look at her hands and the shape that her fists make when she's fighting that that is the iconic uh, eagle claw. Because, again, the reason why it's called eagle claw or eagle fist is because of the hand shape that they make. It looks like an eagle's claw. Now... I'm not 100% sure, so nobody take this as gospel or take it take it at, with a grain of salt. But just from my watching experience, I feel like the actress uh, playing Ren is the only one of the, the team who was not trained in fighting in this style prior to the show because... When she is not in ranger form, when she's doing, uh, when she is fighting and she uses the eagle claw, it does feel very sloppy. Whereas in mm. ranger form, she's very clean and neat and, and really on point. So I wonder if she is one that actually had to have a stunt double to play in ranger form who knew how to fight in that style. And then outside of Ranger form, she was trying to imitate what her stunt double does and just wasn't as good at it. I don't know. That's just me. That's just my, from what I was seeing, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it, I noticed I that mean, it's too. possible. I actually noticed that too, oddly enough, especially during the, uh, the, the final 
episodes where the you know they do their stance and they do their attack their not their attack mm-hmm. their introductory moves outside of their uniforms uh all like hers the form wasn't identical it wasn't quite as elegant um yeah still did it better than i could ever do it but um oh yeah oh yeah st- for you know, sure abs- but it definitely seemed like maybe somebody had taken her aside and said just do what this person does uh and you know so there was a little bit less overt training involved there uh still I, yeah, I, the, the uh, form was I, still there it just wasn't identical yeah yeah. yeah, I did just confirm that the suit actor was a woman. I had I wanted to make sure of that because sometimes with Sentai, they will use right. you know, skinny men and mm-hmm. pat out the costume to hide it. But no, in this case, right. it is a stunt woman. Yeah, yeah. But she just she was not able to really match perfectly the the style that her stunt double did so it so when she's not in ranger form her her form feels a little sloppy but again like danny said it's way better than what i could do but just looking at it but right when she's in ranger form it's on point because you have someone who likely has had years and years of training to be able to do those moves whereas the the actress who's playing ran outside of her ranger form has probably been given a few months at most uh kind of a a um a uh what do you call it? iron Gosh, fist an iron fist uh kind of thing here for anybody who knows marvel's oh, no, iron fist no, no, where no, they were no, given like two no. weeks to prepare <laughs> i was going to oh, no. say i Yikes. don't i don't under, i don't necessarily understand that maybe i'm not nerd enough to understand the reference uh, but, it's a marvel okay. reference to the yeah. new Netflix show. I know what I know Iron what I know what Iron Fist. No, I know what Iron Fist is. It was a Marvel show from a few years ago, but what I'm talking so, about So okay, so just for for, for Michael's benefit, Iron Fist in the comics is supposed to be the master is supposed to be a master of many forms of of martial arts. Um has been training in martial arts his entire life in a secret, you know, Tibetan monastery you know up in the himalayans uh uh, in the himalayas but the actor uh that they got to play iron fist had no experience in fighting uh using martial arts or anything like that he had no martial arts experience and instead of training him for like years and stuff uh, leading up to or a year or whatever like they did with with keanu reeves in matrix where they were spent like a year of just training him and how to fight they basically gave him two weeks to train and then said okay now we're going to film you and it it's definitely noticeable in the show. And especially when he goes up against like the stunt actors who are playing like some of the bad guys and they are using actual martial arts and they're way better than him, even though he's supposed to have spent his entire life training. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. But anyway, the fact that she uses Eagle claw makes sense because the ho-o is a bird. Yeah, okay which now we'll talk about a little bit more later we will talk about it a little bit later but that um yeah that is something that is that's the thing that i'm going to i i, I have issue with the ranger wiki uh article about uh, because they definitely misidentified the creature that is her inspiration right but now we have to talk about our sixth ranger, the one who actually made it into Power Rangers, the Kiba Ranger, who is white, Ko, played by Hisashi Sakai. 
what a I'm punk. not gonna sugarcoat it. He starts off as a <laughs> Sentai Kenny. He's yeah, in a really a bad pervy, Sentai Kenny. He is a he is a pervy little guy. Let me just say this. He <laughs> is like, how old is he supposed to actually be? I'm gonna no, look up his canonical he's, age. He's, he's nine, dude. Because they're nine? trying to save him before. He's oh, nine. Oh, good yeah, lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, That's yeah, right. His same birthday. Yes. So he's but nine for most of the grief. show. Now, I, th- this, I, I have a justification look- <laughs> for it. I have a justification. Well, not justification. I, I think right I word. understand why he's the way he is. Because oh, his storyline. I'm anxiously await. I'm anxiously awaiting. Uh, tra- uh, geez, sorry. I'm anxiously awaiting Nathan's uh, excuse for why boob. It's not an excuse. It's it's not it's not an excuse. <laughs> I this is how I'm reading the character because this is a Try bit of a trope. In, I'm trying to. This is a bit of a trope in Japanese media in anime and to, uh, to, to, uh, and more so in anime, I think, at least in my experience, you know, the pervy mm-hmm. little boy, because mm-hmm. he what? just let's not let's, there's no way around it. He flat out sexually harasses poor Rin. No, in it's not, it's not harassment. It's a, it's basically, it's assault, dude. It's, it's like, assault. We're it's not, assault. We're not, we're not, we have left harassment in the rear view window, my friend. Like, this is bad once stuff. You, once yeah. physical contact has been made, that is called assault, sir. Yes. Should we give some context for folks who right. might not have seen the show? First off, I think that that... I could be wrong on this, but the fact that it's getting presented as, as humorous shows a difference in cultural attitudes toward it. I think not that it's not that it is. Yeah. It's not that it's, you know, that it's, it's not frowned upon. It's just there. The Japanese culture is more willing to use it as a punchline. But anyway, that is not a, I mean, you mentioned it too. That is not unusual. This is definitely not the first series to do that. And it definitely isn't the last. Um, that is a very, very common thing within uh, shonen, uh, uh, shonen right. media. Shonen which is anime meant for, and manga. Yeah. It would, and, and, and even this is a shonen series because it's meant for boys. The stuff that's meant for boys, mm-hmm. you tend to have a lot of the perv what we would consider perviness of of what and and i and i don't want to say i don't want to justify it because it's not good it's not right in 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 our it's not good and i don't think and i don't think the show is presenting it positively either because rin is not enjoying herself it's frowned upon in the show but but if you go back if you go back it's not about justification it's about context Right. right. Yeah. Uh, hang and, on. And, hang on. And, let's. Let, we're all talking at once. Let's. Let Travis go ahead. Okay. Well. Well. I was gonna say. Uh, so if you go back in Japanese media, like this is an ongoing thing. Like this is not a, a like we're not breaking new ground by saying that you know oh the the young young kid right. in this show is pervy. Like no. I mean, if you have have any of y'all watched the original Dragon Ball series? <laughs> 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 as, as, I mean, although I mean, in goku's defense he doesn't understand something that does not justify uh master roshi <laughs> no it doesn't justify master roshi and, but I think about and all the other ones like that, that that show but but that is that is just a part of japanese culture for shonen 
things that are meant for boys, um, whether it's being right. manga, whether it be anime, whether it be live action tokusatsu, if it's meant for boys, there's always that underlying per- what we would call perviness, but I think culturally in Japan, it's more of trying to address the fact that boys are are curious and playful in a mm-hmm. sexual way because they're kind of discovering themselves right. and their own bodies and stuff at that time. And so it's kind of like mm-hmm. a way of joking about that. I have nothing against making jokes and comments and, 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 you know, and making, making jokes about the fact that boys are, are a little pervy when they're at that age, who of us wasn't a little bit pervy at that age, but Speak for yourself, sir. Oh, <laughs> but you're the most you're the most likely candidate for being that way in this call. Whoa, <laughs> who, who, me wow. or him? Way to throw me under the bus, oh, Michael. Oh, Michael, <laughs> way to throw me under the bus, dude. Come on, enjoy Jeez. that bus. But no, here's how I here's how I ended up reading Ko as a character because at first I mm. didn't much care for him. Yeah, but that's what the story wanted. But that's what the story wanted. It didn't want. Yeah, but that's yeah, but that was the point. That was the point. He was supposed to start off kind of unlikable because his big arc throughout the whole thing, his personal arc, is he's trying to find his mother. And Mm -hmm. as time went on, and they developed that storyline very effectively, I might add, I, I realized, okay, I think I see this now because he's trying to find his mother. His mother has been gone since he was about five. He had a very traumatic experience with his mother because his mother basically got a hot iron out and branded him with a tiger mm-hmm. and he was five. Okay. So that, and I, I know and they show that clip like 20 times throughout the entire show. If not long, but if not more. Yeah. It doesn't get any less awful. Uh, by yeah. The it, way. Do, it never does. <laughs> but brutal. yeah. So you had that. I get the impression. Well, no, we find out that, yeah, you know, he never knew his dad, and we know why because Star Wars. <laughs> so mm. he did. So he had. He's he. He's lost his mother. He had a traumatic experience with his mother. He's trying to find his mother. Never knew his father, so he never really had a real father figure to bring him up to tell him this is not how you behave with women, and he's desperate for female attention. So those things together turn into how he treats Rin at first. That's how yeah, I'm taking right. it. Well, I, I, I right. think I'm that's gonna, no-prizing just... it. I think that is no-prizing really? it. I, well, legitimately, I think that I, I think you can definitely read it that way, and you're absolutely right that that is, that is a good way of looking at it, but I legitimately think that he is just the the atypical young shonen character, which is like that. Because there's plenty of characters who do act like that, who have do not have that experience and that that lifestyle uh, or, or life experience. I mean, uh, so I don't think that that was the thought process that they did in creating Ko. I think that after the fact, we can go back and say, well, maybe that will explain some of it. But that is that is no prizing it, I think. Well, I was just going to say, I was just going to tack on and say, I don't know what camp this particular, this one, this particularly falls into, but like what happened, like what necessarily happens when little boys are left to their own devices? Little boys are not going to do good things when they're left alone. And mm-hmm. uh, like back to, to piggyback off of what little bit of what Nathan was saying, like what, what, 
none of us were innocent little boys, you know, growing up. And that, I'm not justifying it. I'm just kind of pointing that out. I don't, again, I don't want to, I don't want to just, I don't want to make was, an excuse. I was left alone quite a bit as a child, as a, as a young uh, 10 to 13 year old. And the only thing that I ever got from it was carpal tunnel in my right hand. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I need to hit the button or not. <laughs> it's like, I don't know whether to censor that or not. <laughs> Yeah, sad trombone. Sad trombone. Fun for the whole the family. The, the well, visual, because at first visual. I wasn't sure if that was an intentional joke or not. The, you know, the there's a re- Travis there. playing with his sad trombone is now forever. <laughs> My <laughs> dragon dagger. Thank you very much. Don't even. Don't even. Oh. Don't, even get me, don't get me started on his lilac balls either. <laughs> I wish I, I wish that could be the episode title, but it probably won't. Um, <laughs> I'm leaning towards. I still need to go through and find balls. a good out of context line. <laughs> oh no! Help. Anyway, anyway, so go ahead. Anyway. Go on, oh, you guys. <laughs> but anyway, that's so co. Co is actually going to come up for two reasons in the who did it better segment. Partly because, yes, Tommy becomes him in Power Rangers, Mm -hmm. but also because this concept gets in Power Rangers later for Justin. Justin, And I all know I had opinions about Justin. Funny enough, I don't mind it here with Co. At first, I thought I was going to mind it a lot, but I ended up not because I felt like Ko had a very meaningful journey as a character, and they did lean into the fact that he's a kid who basically gets shazammed into an adult body when he morphs. And and the Aku, Biako, Biako, the Sentai counterpart for Saba. Saba actually mentors this kid. is his mouthpiece is yeah. well, it's his, his mouthpiece mouth and, and he keeps him in line he mentors him right yeah he tells him hey i need you to do this hey you know you need to do this so he's instructing him because that's what this kid needs he needs instruction what i'm wondering that's why he gravitates here wondering i'm Rin and the rangers because they give him the structure he never had as a child mm-hmm. What I'm sitting here wondering, looking at the notes, is why you didn't have Biaku as a supporting cast member. Because well, because he, he's Biaku's not li- because he's not listed in the Ranger Wiki, and then I forgot to mention a thing of it. Oh, you and your slave is being a slave to the Ranger Wiki. Come on, man. Well, it's probably, uh, I, 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 I uh, I'm actually. A we all know that the Ranger. We all know that as a character and the- not as a weapon. We all know Nathan that pulling things from the Ranger Wiki and other sources is lazy. And unoriginal. Come on, man. And especially when they get uh, it wrong. Because he, he does all his research at four in the morning, the day before the you episode record the episode. <laughs> right, and they, it's, it's, it's they like got it, some and he always wrong in the wiki. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's then, he's li- he's in the entry for this show, but he's listed under weapons. <laughs> I wonder and, why. Hmm. I personally, th- <laughs> well, I personally think I. I personally think that Biako should be listed as a supporting cast member because you're right. So talk, so get, get, getting back on track and talking about Ko, he, he does mentor Ko, but 
it's it's a great it's it's kind of a gray area cast member to me because even though Byaku does have its own personality, it's still essentially just a weapon or just a mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. But he key. still does yeah. way more than Saba. That's this what I true. was going to say. Saba too. lost it. Saba lost its voice uh, about halfway through that season anyway, and it was just and they barely even they barely even did anything with it. Yeah, yeah. Saba gets more. Oh, like the white tiger sword power. And he definitely gets true. more. And he definitely gets more play in the audio drama. Shout out to Carl. Scratch that off of your bingo there card. You. No, <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say shout out to card. Roger. There we go. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> no one will get For some job. odd reason, uh, Carl Dutton no is named Roger and Travis's mind. <laughs> I keep calling him oh, Roger boy. by accident. Roger. I don't know. It's Roger and Sean who do the audio dramas. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Carl and Shane. <laughs> so so okay, so back on track. Back 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 on track. Did anyone else have trouble? Because I did. Did anyone else have trouble separating the Kibi Ranger and Co. from Tommy Oliver and the white for Ranger. a really long time. I did. No, I, I did. It's I like, struggled it's... really hard. Oh to man. Separate Just the two from the very beginning. The, uh, the way he acts is so different than how Tommy is in that suit that it's like, no, no I'm he talking the... about in suit. I'm talking about. In yeah. The suit. Yeah. Suit. About yes, in suit. He is so yeah, different. Yeah. He acts so different. Like he is the, the mannerisms are, a kid it is like a kid so yeah no i had no trouble with it he was he was his own character in my head yeah but the thing I think is, what ha- is that some of the childish mannerisms still made their way over into power rangers and they they did but i think really what helps hard to justify it i think i think they did but i think what helps that with that separation though nathan is the 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 new footage that Saban made for season two and season three. Right. Cause there was a lot of new footage in se- in both of those mm-hmm. seasons. Right. Right. But it did take me a while to make the mental adjustment more so I was- than I think anybody in Jew Ranger, weirdly enough. I was cool. Yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> Just because you haven't Brian. seen it yet. <laughs> I've seen it. Like, you're going you know to like. have the opposite problem when you watch Power Rangers. You're going to be like, why is Tommy acting like a child? Honestly, <laughs> I, and maybe I it's just because I, I don't watch Power Rangers nearly as much as what you guys do, but I have no problem like separating the, the two different versions uh, in my head. Like, you know, they're just they're just two different characters i think it's i think it's mainly because it's it's all starting to run together at this point travis if i'm yeah. being honest yeah. uh you know we you can we only blaze watch so through... many hundreds and hundreds of hours of ranger stuff before it all starts to turn into a weird potpourri in your brain oh it's a weird yeah. it's yeah it's just a weird blob Power of multicolored spandex Power potpourri. At this point. That might, it, it, yeah. I'd almost want to make that the title of this episode. Power potpourri. <laughs> Power potpourri. Anyway, are we ready to move on? Because I'm sure we're going to unpack some more stuff with Co a little later. Yeah, but there's really we no are. way yeah, we, we're, can't, we'll talk. we can't cycle back to Co because pretty much like a lot of the characters, especially the villains, uh, we're going to have to cycle back to Co a little bit when we talk about them. Right. So you, right. we'll be besides, talking about Co later. Yeah, but besides the next character we got to talk about is well, a really you, important one. Did you did you want to Oh, do... his uh, fighting style, that's right. Yeah. His so, fighting style, so yeah. 
I cannot, I, I cannot guarantee this 100% because I could not. So on the Ranger wiki, um, they do not list a fighting style for, uh, the Kiba Ranger, the Fang Ranger, Kiba being Fang, uh, the Fang Ranger, but they, uh, so, so I can't guarantee this, but from what I could see and just being a fan of, oh, and that, that's something I didn't mention. So, so the reason why I, the reason why I really love this is because I am a big fan of Kung Fu movies and, uh, and I'm also a big tokusatsu fan and the two do not cross over nearly enough. And so the fact that the, the, mm-hmm they're using kung fu in this series and i'm actually like bringing in some of my 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 kung fu movie fandom uh Mm -hmm. into my tokusatsu it's like yay the peanut butter and the in the chocolate are mixing um right uh travis (laughs) you you uh you should check out power rangers jungle fury for that reason oh i know i i I have uh, that is one of the ones I have not watched. Um, I dropped off before, and I really need to go back to it. Anyway, right. so so yeah, and just it's, from uh, and it's some of the best Power Rangers out there. I'm just saying, mm. nice. Right. So just from my personal experience and from what my personal research, it looks like he is using what's called Black Tiger Fist, or uh, what That's is what yeah, what is Hehukan uh, or Hehukan. Um, I may be mispronouncing that. I'm probably definitely mispronouncing that. Um, anyway, it is a Shaolin temple, uh, form of Chinese, uh, martial arts. It is one of the many famous animal forms of Kung Fu, you know, where you have Manta style, monkey style, you have black tiger style or, or tiger fist style. Um, it is right. known for its extensive footwork, its acrobatic kicks, and it's low wide stances, which is why I think that, which is why I kind of thought that was uh, what Ko was using in this, you know, as far as just watching him, because he definitely had, he definitely stayed right. low. If you ever see like them fighting yeah. or them even coming together as a team and like doing their poses, he's always down low. And he does a lot of very, very yeah, actually, I'm looking at the. Right, and uh-huh. I, I'm looking at the the promotional image of the whole team here on the Ranger Wiki, and the other five are standing straight, and he's in front of them, and he's crouched down low. Yeah, yeah. Um, the but the the hand shapes again are what makes are what what is the most identifiable, and it's hard to tell because he's always got not Saba um, in in one hand, so you you it's hard to see his hand shapes but whenever i would see his hands he would have that very noticeable curled fingers where the thumb is also curled um which is what makes the this one uh kind of identifiable because not the thumb is not always curled in some of the other uh fighting styles the the fingers are but not the thumb this one the whole hand is curled up like a tiger's claw uh and so that's why whenever i see saw him fighting and his hand shape that's what tells me this is the type that he's using um yeah that's that's really all i have to say all uh, other than one of the things that practitioners of black tiger fist and and this type of uh kung fu they uh, really emphasize learning all forms of weaponry. So 
this mm -hmm. is also where they have a lot of training with swords and poles, pole arms and stuff. So, mm -hmm. uh, so him using the, the not Saba blade kind of makes sense too. Right. Actually, Travis, I think you can safely say that he is using black tiger because what got branded on him. Yeah, true. I'm just always, like, I don't want to definitively say that that's it because I have no other sources other than my own watching and seeing my own, ex you know, experience of, of seeing it and knowing right, what right. the hand shape is and everything. Um, so I don't want right. to definitively say it because I might be wrong, but just that's what it looked right. like to me. Right. Anyway, we still got a lot of ground to cover. So we're going into the supporting cast. Starting with Master Kaku, or help me out with this name, <laughs> Chief Officer Joshu. Jazu? Joshu. Okay. Yeah. Jashu? Uh, X yeah. in Chinese yeah. always makes a sh sound. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Jashu. Played by Koji. Played by Koji Naka. I love this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I call him Obi Wan. I'm only, I, I realize I'm only a. A few, I'm like two shows into Super Sentai. I've watched a few episodes of Kaku Ranger already. This, Kaku feels like as traditional and strong a mentor as you can possibly get. Like he's as traditional a, a one as you can as you can get. And he's a martial arts master from China, mm -hmm. and he's the one who assembles this team. And he has a a wild backstory because we find out that he's descended from the Dai tribe that I mentioned in the epic plot synopsis. And he knows that the Gorma are coming back. So he puts this team together because, you know, that their mission is to stop the Gorma's ambitions of taking over the world. Of course, this, this dude is just, he's amazing. Like yeah. he actually dispenses worthwhile advice and mm -hmm. he's proactive. I, he is wonderful. He is Zordon if Zordon wasn't stuck in the tube. Like he is everything yeah. that Zordon would be if if Zordon was not stuck in the tube. He is such a great great mentor. I love a good mentor character. Those always tend to be some of my favorite characters and Obi-Wan Kaku is definitely up there as one of my favorite uh Power Ranger Sentai. I uh, I would say right. I wrote down a lot of lines from Kaku as you know for uh for awards because it's like i said he just had a lot of good things to say i'm looking through trying to find a few of them now uh uh oh we humans are merely part of nature as we cannot defy these laws mm -hmm. you know uh, i'm trying to see if i had some other ones like i said i had a few uh my, oh that my... one won the award he won the award for me this year i mean not so... this year for this show one of my favorite lines that he said, and I sent it to you guys when I was watching it, um, is when the when Rin, the the Pink Ranger, uh, is feeling useless, and she says, "I'm useless," and she runs out of of the of the uh, base. And then later on, when uh, Kaku meets up with her, he's like, "You're not useless." Dot 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 anymore, and it's like. Wow. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Uh, well, that's, you didn't have to put that in there. there. <laughs> thanks, Master Kaku. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> no, Master, Master uh, Kaku's pretty, 
pretty dang yeah. cool. Uh, he's yeah, he's pretty uh, dang cool. Yeah. Uh, here's another another one I wrote down. Either when you uh, either when you love someone or when you fight along your allies as a warrior, what matters most is trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which comes into play. And I did write down his and I did write down his his last words because spoiler warning. In true Obi Wan Kenobi fashion, he doesn't make it to the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he, he makes he it. Does he, not. He's close though. He he makes it close. He's like two he, two episodes in. Yeah, two episodes. I think about three. Shy. Episode episode. But one, do we really? But, but but do we count? But he technically, you know, we see him on the last episode, but as a ghost. oh, he force ghosts. Yeah, force, force ghosts. <laughs> or is he a chi ghost? Yeah. Is he a chi ghost? That's what. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what that's what it's he all would, he the same from a por- certain point of view. <laughs> yeah, of view, yes. which he pulls that too because he knows things that the that the kids don't know, that the rangers yeah, don't know. He doesn't tell them everything, and he doesn't he tell, does them. Not tell them. Oh, Rio, did you know your father was a traitor and now wears black samurai armor? And it's I that guy over there that. who's trying to murder you. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thanks. Teach. <laughs> Like you really, really came through. I probably should have told you that before he had a sword at your throat, but (laughs) yeah, probably. And we do actually find out that when, because Rio's father was absentee for evil Gorma reasons, uh, he like Kaku actually did watch over him from a distance as he was growing up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Star Wars parallels just Star Wars, Star Wars. So it's it's getting subtle. But there is one thing with Kaku's story. Where they diverge from Star Wars, although interestingly enough, this, and it's something I don't typically see, and the only other time I can name an instance where this happens is, interestingly enough, Batman Begins. The mentor betrays his students. Okay, but not really. Not really. Are you talking about the truce? No, not the truce. At the end, when he goes back to the Gorma, well, because of the truce, that's what right. that's what we're saying. It is like, because of the truce. So he's in, doing it. Yeah. He's doing yeah. it with good intentions, but it still requires that he has to fight his students, and, and he mops the floor with them. And he like, does, yes. yeah. Like, and he has badly. crazy cool armor when he does it. We also find out that his biggest secret is he's actually Gorma. Yes, yeah. and he, or he was, was a, a member, and not just a member. He was a he was a high ranking member. And when he left, uh, because he didn't want to fight that you later learned that there were people within the Gorma civilization that believed the same thing he did about not wanting to fight. And so him going Uh back is some kind of, you know, like he's thinking, well, maybe I can instigate some kind of like quiet revolution here. Well, people are people who don't want to fight might get more of a chance to speak up and make a difference. And we might be able to stop this because again, as we, as we learn at the end of the show, and we'll we'll get into this. Um, the idea that this battle won't end uh, unless something changes, right? right? So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a can of worms we'll open later. But yeah, Master Master Kaku, uh, it, it is really interesting because the show really does push you to the brink of really wondering whether or not you can trust the dude at the end, right? Uh, we have mm-hmm. all these episodes worth of really coming to respect this guy as this wise man who spends most of his time underground you know with his eyes closed you know uh, thinking about things and meditating and being you know trying to get more powerful and trying to find answers and dispensing wisdom uh at just the right time or maybe just a little too late but it still helps anyway and then 
you're confronted with the idea that this guy might have, like, he might legitimately be a traitor, right? He might legitimately not have been the man that the Die Rangers believed he was. And they always kind of knew there was something mysterious about him, right? They always kind of knew that, but they went along with his intrigue and his mystery and his vague backstory because they trusted him. That's mm-hmm. one of the core, the core themes of the show is trust. I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that runs. Oh, yeah, like show. I said, Kaku well, gave out advice and, about trust. Yeah. Tr- well, trust yeah. and trust and, and mist and, and mystery, trust and mystery is the two things. And Travis, I think you pointed that out to me the other night when we were talking about this is revelation. Of, yeah. Uh, I, revelation. There we go. Revelation. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, he's it, a Kaku, fascinating character. I I I like that, and I wish this is something. And I know I know we get some of it in Power Rangers later on, but it is something I wish that they did directly adapt for a Power Rangers series. Is the idea that the master may not be the person that we thought he was, and right. that earth shattering realization is so just done so well in this series that I just, I want that to be directly one for one adapted into a power Ranger series. Yeah. I would have been amazing. I'm trying to think Michael, help me out here. I don't know if we have anything quite like that in the show. Uh, If we're talking mentor characters, (sighs) we have other characters who had big revelations but right. I mean, we've yeah. had, yeah, we've had a ton of revelations, but no one, but no, but nowhere near the rank of someone like a Zordon that, uh, kind of straddled that line between, is he, is he really on our side? Um, and I, I think that might also be a cultural thing too, because in the U S at a certain point in the U S and, and so early on in the power Rangers, uh, series, but even later, in Power Rangers, right. in American kids shows, you're not really supposed to portray uh, authority figures in a negative light because you're supposed to. The kids right. have to know that they can trust authority figures. You don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. teach right. them they can't trust authority figures. Um, whereas you don't have those kinds of regulations and rules in Japan, uh, so they can kind of play with that. And and ultimately, Kaku. I mean, and, and I guess we're going to talk about. It as we go on, but Kaku does earn their trust back. Or, I mean, it's not like that. Well, and, and the thing is they should have trusted him all along. You know, it's like he's earned their trust. They should have trusted right. him, but at the same time, they, they just couldn't right. bring themselves to trust once the revelation was there. But it's like, but you should have trusted me all along. Nothing, you know, like you should have known how long have we known each other? You should have known. So I don't know. I, mm. I, it, to me, they were the ones who betrayed his trust more than he betrayed their trust because they should have trusted him. Right. But I do wonder if going back to the Gorma was the smartest or even the best decision that he could have made in order. Cause he does. He had no choice. He has no choice. Like that was part of the, yeah, that was part of the deal. That was the deal. The deal was, for them for for them to have a truce they had to disband the the die rangers and he right. had to return to the gorma right 
it gets it, it eliminates the problem of there being continual fighting that's going to get Mr. Dragon God to come down and do his thing. It it eliminates the the ongoing war. It gives him a chance to affect positive change from inside the enemy camp. It's where he mm-hmm. feels he can do the most good. Right. And yeah, so right. he asks the Rangers to trust him no matter what. And it is pushed about as far as you can go to the point where Kaku was literally standing over them in his cool armor. And they're all laying there smoking and bleeding because he's beating mm-hmm. the tar out of them. And you're at that point, continuing to trust the guy is impossible for most rational human beings, but right. That he's still saying, trust me, don't get in my way. And they keep saying, nah, it'll be fine. We're going to get in your way anyway. And he keeps right. wiping the floor with them. And, you know, it's a good thing they snap out of it when they do in, toward the end of the show, because he would have fallen even right. faster in that that final fight he yeah. has. Um, well, and Shana. also, I mean, and to be to be fair, he could have communicated with him a little bit better. He's not a great communicator. Oh, <laughs> like, no, he's no, no, no. Not. The, the man is the man is not. A, no, he's not a great communicator. He could he could have yeah. probably. Until he's actually of, dispensing advice and teaching them things, then he yeah, and then he's but, and then he's awesome. Right. But the rest of the time, he sits there and he's like, "I know why it's they do that." Two reasons: one, he's trying to get the Rangers to figure it out for themselves and personal growth, yada yada. He's also doing it because it creates greater tension in your fictional TV show. Like I get it, mm-hmm. I get it. But yeah. like maybe if he'd been up front with them a little bit, but could he have? What they what, like, who knows? You know, a it destroys the could tension you have of the just show. Left so you a can't have him <laughs> just left a sticky note on the door hey, by the way uh, BT Dubs by the way I'm going to go back to the Gorma I'm rejoining Gorma doing it. <laughs> dear die rangers left to join Gorma explain later trust me ham and fridge Kaku um, <laughs> yes I need, I uh, need that meme now please yeah. let the dog yeah. out uh, <laughs> while I'm gone <laughs> By dog, oh, we mean co. Please feed Fido. <laughs> <laughs> please take Co out to make poopies in the backyard. Uh, please, please scoop Co's clumps while I'm away. <laughs> take him, oh. take him to the vet. He's a cat, not a dog. That's why I said scoop his clumps. Oh, it's a little yeah, scoop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, whatever. so one more thing uh, before you move on to any other uh, characters, Master Kaku is the last uh, character I'm going to have uh, a little bit of a note on his fighting style. So, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. he does fight, uh, actually fight, fight, not just put his hands up and do a little chi blast, but when he actually does do some <laughs> right. fighting, uh, it looks like. Again, this one's not confirmed by any other sources, so this is just me, so take it with a grain Mm -hmm. of salt, but it looks like he is using Tai Chi moves, which makes sense because of Mm -hmm. him being, because Tai Chi is more about centering yourself, it's a more internal form of Kung Fu, you know, anybody who knows anything about Kung Fu, there's internal and external styles of kung fu and, and tai chi is more about focusing your chi focusing your energies and using your movements to keep that energy flowing which kind of fits into the mm-hmm. way that master master kaku is with using his chi and moving the chi around and manipulating it um and balance tai chi is all about balance and him being a very a balance between both the yo and the chi uh 
kind of fit. So so to me, it looks like Tai Chi and it fits with this character. So that's what I think he's using. But again, take it with a grain of salt because there's no other place online where I could find what his actual fighting style was. Right. 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 So cool. I thanks should for, mention... Thanks for sharing all that with us, Travis. That was yeah, really that fascinating. Was <laughs> yeah. I should... I should mention that even though Power Rangers didn't adapt this, again, I'm going to plug Carl. He did adapt the Die Rangers and Master Kaku in season two of the audio drama, and it was done pretty well, too. It was. Nice. So if you wanted, to, if you ever want to see what Die Ranger could have been like in Power Rangers, if they was if they were properly adapted, that's a good place to go look. But anyway, now, I, I noticed so, you have a character missing from the supporting cast roster. Uh, who? And that is Master uh, Master Gohan. Master Gohan. Yeah, the old yeah. the old crazy inventor guy. Where is where is he? The oh, old crazy come on, I, guys. I, I don't. I, he was only in a handful of episodes, so I didn't include him. Well, okay. Lame. And and Cameo wasn't. You got Cameo on here. He was yeah. in like four episodes. <laughs> Well, Kameo was in a lot more than that, sir. The guy, the guy <laughs> built all of their gizmos for them, and he, you know, he he's married Rin's a woman grandfather. Like, he, gave them, yeah, like, he gave them, he gave them the bazooka. He, yeah, he made it for them and then gave it to them. And his neck is really weird and makes strange noises. We got to talk about him. Come on, he was in five episodes. Oh yeah, well, so, so okay, so here's uh, the thing. That, actually, no, I think it was more like four. We talked, about, we talked about we talked about Rio's dad, and he was in like two or three. Come on, yeah. <laughs> what kind of bazooka so, did that guy invent? Yeah, come on. I I love so. There's two things. There's two, and and that's why I wanted to bring it up because there's two types of of traditional mentors in Japanese media. You have your very stoic, mm-hmm. very serious, your Mister Miyagi style. Uh, mentors which is what master uh kaku was and then you have this trope of the uh elderly buffoon who turns out to be a master you know the one who's yeah the extra the eccentric old man who turns out to be a great master and that is there you go (laughs) takeshi kuwabara Kuwabara. now the thing is is that he's He's actually Rin's great uh, great grand uncle. Yes. She calls him grandpa. Yeah, she calls him grandpa because he oh, kind of raised her. But but yeah, and yeah. he's, and the he's one who married in- to a woman who is his granddaughter's age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. But but hey, yep. but wait. You didn't mention the best you didn't mention the best part. She was trapped inside of a a, a giant kabuki man. Power Rangers. And oh, they completely Kabuki. changed the character. Kabuki yes. Kozo's on my list. I'll, we'll talk about him later, but I just had to I mention him so that much. this guy, who's like a yeah, he's an inventor and one of the main characters, you know, fa- family members, and he invents bazookas, and he has a very young girlfriend, eventually wife, who was eaten by a Kazuki, a, a, a Kabuki boy. I just wanted to mention all of those now, things. Now, if you have like the show is nuts. You realize that how insane that sentence sounds. That's right? why I said it, Marchand. <laughs> there's a certain he's, point. There's a certain point in the show, and we'll. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it, it fits here. Um, as I was rewatching it for this this episode, it's from a later. It's from a later episode where the the Rangers and Kujaku are all together fighting 
the kaleidoscope guy on a beach. Uh-huh. And it at was, that point, it was I in was, Power Rangers. It, yeah. And I was sitting there watching this. Re- and it, it occurred to me at that point, episode like late 30s, early 40s, toward the end, that if anybody walked into the room while I was watching the show at that point, they would think I was like, they would probably have to call the nice people to haul me away. Uh, <laughs> put me in a straight jacket. This guy has lost his mind. What in the world is he watching? There's a peacock lady and a bunch of multicolored spandex people fighting a kaleidoscope. It's man not spandex. There it is. I, I, tr- I triggered it. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It scratched that off the bingo card. I, I hit the, I, I hit the wrong button there, but yeah. Any, anyway, like this is one of the, this is one of those moments where anything involving this crazy old guy and the weird Kabuki guy and him with his weird neck. I just had, it's, I had to stop and think to myself, this, this it just dawned on me how kind of weird this movie is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got that reference. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I got thank it. You. Thank you. That's what it is. Like, but this guy, I, I love this guy. I love this guy. I'm glad we, we, uh, Travis. I'm glad you mentioned him. He's funny. Yeah. Well, well, also because we, one of the other supporting cast members was built and created by this guy. So we have to talk about them because you can't talk about Biako, the, the not Saba without talking about master Gohan because master Creative. Gohan built yeah. the, the, the white uh, tiger sword and does a, a full on Merlin and plunges the sword into a stone and yep. says it will be there until yep. the right. got to be Excalibur for a minute. Yeah. Literally, almost like pretty, pretty much literally. Yeah. 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 So, are we going to talk about Biako too? Biako, who yeah, had to be added to the list, even though he's a sword, voiced by yeah, Rataru I mean, Abe. <laughs> I mean, there's not, I will not much stand to for talk Biako about. slander. I mean, there isn't that funny. much. But he's he's a wise, he's a wise cracking talking sword slash mentor slash parental figure yes. for a per, a pervy who, little uh, who uh, actually speaks. Or Co, because Co still sounds like a kid in Ranger form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an incredibly inventive use of that character. So, for anyone out there who has not seen Die Ranger and might be wondering if Co, a nine year old, is shazamming into this adult sized Power Ranger and he still sounds like a kid, but he's also hiding his identity. We didn't mention that before. He's hiding his identity right, right. from the bad guys, although they figured it out. And the fast. Rangers. And the well, Rangers. Yeah, he hides it from the Rangers. Later. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. It's, he hides it from everyone. You. Kaku's the only one who knew because he and Biako were kind of in on it. Like he knew that another ranger was coming, but it, how do you disguise the voice? It still sounds like a nine-year-old kid. Well, he will like the, the in ranger form. Ko will gesticulate and do his moves, but the the sword Biako is talking for him in a very deep kind of superhero-y type voice that sounds like it might come out of a ranger, and it's it, it matches, and so they're kind of they're kind of working the character together almost ko is the body and biako's the voice and together they are the kiba ranger and mm-hmm. they maintain the illusion and that is, i always thought that was really and crazy. that is where i think and that is where i think and we'll get into this later but that is where i think this show did it better than even power rangers did it mm-hmm. <gasps> he admits it and i th- no i legitimately think i think biako is one of the one of the highlights of this show that is done so much better in the sentai mm-hmm. than in the power rangers because saba like we said saba right. is underused uh-huh. in power rangers and right. he is such a an important 
part of the team. He, you know, and, and, and so many times they'll have him stuffed inside one of them's jacket, whether it be, uh, uh, or whether it be Rios or whatever, and he'll know. just poke I, his little head out and start talking to him. <laughs> I, I, okay, I think Ko has a vest of holding because there's no way that huge sword should disappear into that vest yeah. as well as it does. And, and oh, and well, then well, 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 I, 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 this is one of those. It changes sizes, Marchand. It, it goes from it goes if it gets too cold, it shrinks, and if it if when it's in battle, it gets it extends. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, it's basic sword of biology, man. Come on. Anyway, I uh, one of these days I need to pick Carl's brain and ask him if Biako influenced how he wrote Saba in the audio drama, because his I Saba's closer he's, to I Biako. He, I don't know. Did he? Did he ever say he? What, forget it. We we don't have to go down this rabbit hole. I'll we don't have to. Never, but anyway, we have. We have the peacock princess to talk about. Yes, Princess yes. Peacock. Kujaku. Yeah. Kujaku. Yeah. Played by. I find it interesting. Oh, good. Anyway, Lord. played by Masako Morishita. Uh, Morishita. Uh -huh. There. Yes. We did it. Uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> We nailed it. <laughs> nailed it, everyone. Professional podcasting. Yes. Um, no, so, now, Kujaku, we got to talk about the, the her. Th the th I want to start by saying, I actually looked this up because they were calling her the, the, the Peacock Buddha. And I looked up, that is actually a real thing. And yeah, there's a lot a more thing. to go in. And her, and her name is Kujaku. 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 And, gotcha. Anyway, Peacock Princess. So, so pronounce so, it correctly, Marchand. So, Kujaku is not the but, it, no, no that Marchand. <laughs> uh, Kujaku is not the Peacock Buddha. She was the avatar for the Peacock right. Buddha. She was a separate being. She was born a human, well, a die, uh, from from the the tribe, and she chose to be the vessel right. that the peacock Buddha used to help fight the Gorma. Right. 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 I'm just saying in, you know, in the real world, in actual, I think uh, it is uh, in Buddhism, there is a figure like this. So yes. Yeah. In, in one of the, in one of the, so there's three forms of Buddhism in one of uh, if I'm if I'm remembering right, I'm not a Buddhist myself, but I just I, I do know a little bit about it. But there's three form, main forms of Buddhism. One form of Buddhism does not recognize other Buddhas. Uh, there is just one Buddha, um, whereas mm -hmm. the the more which I think is the one that's more pop are uh, more practiced in India, um, whereas in Southeast Asia, Japan, China, things like that, the form of Buddhism that's practiced there, they recognize other Buddhas. So this peacock Buddha is specifically mm -hmm. a more Eastern Asian uh, influence in it, and Chinese right. specifically because right. everything in this is influenced by Chinese mythology. Right. Now, right. what I find... that. I wasn't sure what to make of the character at first. I also didn't know she was going to be a recurring uh, be a recurring character, and I love her design. Like, mm -hmm. oh, she's she, she. It's it's it's, it's a beautiful. A, I, I, look. Love the, I love <laughs> the fact that she has the big peacock tail and she can pull the feathers out and use them as kunai. Yeah, <laughs> and she will take 
no crap. She'll take zero craps from everybody. <laughs> well, no, what's, she's, what's she's, so, she's tough. She's tough. What's so great about her character is, and again, I think it plays into this idea that the show builds of, you know, the, the, the heroes that you know may not all be heroic and the villains that you know may not all be villainous. And I think that the, that, theme that kind of back and forth is first really explored well it was really explored with rio's father but but then you get it explored even more with kujaku because she's supposed to be the embodiment of peace love and goodness Mm -hmm. that's what Mm -hmm. she's supposed to be but because she was trapped and tormented for 6,000 years, she becomes vengeful. So she's supposed to be on the hero side and, and is in a way on the hero side, but because of her, her just anger and, and seeking vengeance, she actually leans more towards a villainous side. And I, I just love the way that they add depth to so much of the characters that, you know, so many of the heroes are not as heroic as you think. And the, so many of the, villains are not as villainous as you think and i love that they keep doing that right which does bring me to a small issue i have with her story and maybe it was just because i had the wrong expectations i don't know but one of the things that i found really interesting is they established with her is that the feathers on her back are falling off and turning into brown metal pieces and it's supposed to be that Mm. as she's slowly dying and every time she loses one of those, she's inching a little bit closer to death. And I thought, okay, that's really interesting. But then we find out that the reason that's happening is because of it's a it's an environmentalism moment. Yeah, yeah. Because it's of Captain all Planet. of the yeah, yeah. It's, it becomes Captain Planet for a second, and it's because of all the pollution that's been accumulating in the six thousand years that she's been imprisoned. Her body is not used to such a toxic environment anymore. I was disappointed with that because I was hoping that they were connecting that not to something physiological, but to her moral corruption because she's supposed to be the embodiment of peace and goodness. The fact that she has become corrupted by all the torture and is seeking vengeance. She's going against completely against her nature that is slowly killing her. But but, but then you wouldn't get the redemption because or, or or at least you wouldn't get the tragedy that you get at the end where right. and, and I know this is jumping ahead to and spoilers for anybody who doesn't who hasn't seen this. But if that was the case, when she returned back to or, or gave up the vengefulness, then she would have healed and she would have been fine. But. By it being the the pollution and that sh- there's nothing she can do to change that she she's going to die no matter what. Like they, they basically that's what they say. Like there is a way to help her. But if you yeah. if you help her, then you're dooming yeah, the, the rest of humanity. Cares. Yeah. If you yeah. if you you doom the rest of humanity by saving her and instead of dooming the rest of humanity, she decides to die. And that redemption that full acceptance and giving up the vengefulness is such a great moment but it's also a tragic moment for our favorite character which is daigo because daigo Daigo wants so bad to save her he wants and he's like please just let me save her and she tells him no she can't do it she cannot be saved right 
Yeah, because she mm. she dies, but she also ascends as the yes. peacock Buddha at the end. So it's not entire. It's very bittersweet. And I don't know. I, there was a part of me that when I got to that point, I'm like, okay, I see why they did that. But I wonder if maybe the my idea and what they did could have been merged a little bit. Maybe her, maybe there was some degradation, some spiritual degradation to her because of her vengeance, and because of that, she becomes affected I still by think the you environment can read it like to that. the point where it's irreversible. Unless I still think you tears. can read it like that, though. Probably in a more metaphorical sense. No, I think I mean I think that it is. It was a weird environmental message that just came out of nowhere. But at the same time, I think mm -hmm. that it it's a it was a good way of doing it because then then her death is outside of her control at that point. Like like it is. Right. There's nothing she can do to change it, and that's what makes it so tragic. Oh, is true. that. There's literally nothing they can do. She is going to die. There's they can't stop her death. The only thing they can do is change her internally before she dies, and right. that's what it, she does. It becomes a yeah, exactly. It be, it becomes a race against time at that point because mm -hmm. her death is an immovable object because her mm -hmm. redeeming herself and ab abandoning the resentment that she's had over her imprisonment for six thousand years. Uh, is something that she has control over, but the the you know the screwed up environment of planet Earth. There's nothing that can be done about that. And even when you find out that there is, you find out that it's it it, it brings with it way too many problems. Uh, fixing yeah. that one problem will cause so many problems that it could eventually destroy everything on the planet. And it's just not at that point. It's just not worth it. So for all intents and purposes, her death is yeah. an immovable thing. And it becomes a, you know, it, it's treated as a race to try to find the cure. Mm -hmm. But when, but it, what it really is, is a race to spiritual redemption for this character. Right. And it's also a race for Daigo because we, we should mention that Daigo, obviously they have a very close connection. It's because their key is aligned. Their chi is, is aligned and it's the alignment of their energies that allows Daigo to save her in the episode where she's introduced. Turns out she's been trapped in this monster Monster Mirror Makeup. What a great name. Uh, who's basically <laughs> a big walking mirror um, that she was tricked into during a weak moment of uh, brief vanity. Right. Where she sees her. Uh, she, she has she a backstory has a, with one of the villains. She has a backstory. We'll, we'll get to that. But she uh, she has a, a very brief, completely innocent, really, uh, Narcissus moment where she sees her reflection <laughs> and is uh, captured in a monster that it's sole purpose, the sole purpose of this monster, because the monsters in Die Ranger are very specific to like the one thing they do. And this mirror monster absorbs people who look at themselves in mirrors and think, wow, I look beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I she, look handsome. It, 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 it's a vanity trap. It's a vanity. <laughs> it's literally a vanity. <laughs> it's literally yeah. a vanity. And it's a vanity vanity. And she gets stuck inside of this thing for 6,000 years. And the only way she gets out is because Daigo senses her presence and because their 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 chi their key is aligned, and she gets out. And after from that point on, it's I'm gonna find the person that tricked me into doing this, uh, and I'm gonna make them pay. And it's very unaligned with not just the peacock Buddha aspect of her being, the fact that she's an avatar, but also mm -hmm. the fact that the person she's trying to track down is the person for whom she wanted to work with and learn from the peacock Buddha in the first place to try to help mm -hmm. her again. We'll get there, 
but it makes her character so fascinating. And yeah. you really kind of want, I mean, you, you kind of know that she and Daigo, a mere mortal, it's not going to work out, but um, that's the only time during the show, really, that you see Daigo get particularly emotional is he will drop anything to go and help her. If he thinks she's mm-hmm. anywhere nearby or he gets a feeling that yeah. she's in trouble, he's off. He will, Anytime he will a mortal falls in love with a god, it's typically it, not going to end well. It doesn't right. usually work out well. And it doesn't work out well here, um, unfortunately. Yeah. But it works out in the only way it could have and in the best way possible because we do eventually see that she has ascended and uh, peace has been made. Um, and we'll define what that piece is later, but yeah, yeah, but, but I, I think she, her, she's great. Seeing her as like, you know, like we said, she's supposed to be the embodiment of good and peace. And then when she, because she's so vengeful, you see her like using children as, as um, bait to draw out the yeah. villain that she's going after. It's like, you know, it's like, Oh man. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like there's so much in this series where they play with your expectation, your expectations of, you know, what um, a hero is supposed to act like versus what a villain is supposed to act like. And, and that, that just is one of the, that's one of those times that it did that where it's like, no, you're supposed to be the good guy. And here you are not acting like the good guy. And it's, it's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, for our supporting cast, and I put an asterisk next to him because he's also technically a Zord. It <laughs> 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 well, threw me off a little bit when I watched it, but Kameo, played by, and this just tells you how terrible I am. I did not realize they recast this character, but he was first played by Sukisaku Iwa, uh, Imagawa in episodes 22 to 28, and then by Tomihisa Naruse in episodes 29 to 50. We oh, get you're it. right, because the, the guy the guy in the light, the, the, the actor playing him in the later episodes looks older, in my opinion. He does, mm-hmm. yeah. He looks but, a little older. But yeah, his name becomes very obvious very quickly. Yeah. Because, yes, his name comes from the Japanese word for turtle. Yeah, Kame. Which is which is a running joke in this show because Kujak or Kujaku is peacock in Japanese. So you'll mm-hmm. you'll see actually check the check the check this out. Did you know that the name Die Ranger is also a pun? Mm-hmm. Really? It is actually it is actually a pun. You know where I'm going with this, Travis? I think so. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this because a it doesn't really fit here, but just because All it's right. kind of I, my, I have my finger at on the soundboard ready for this pun. <laughs> it's well, it's not going to read as a, as a pun completely, but in Japanese, it makes sense. So die in Japanese is big or great. great. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Ren Ren is to join or connect. So die Ren is great convergence. Mm-hmm. And then you have the word Ja, which is uh, so in, in Japanese mono, which is another way of saying a person or a singular person, uh, when said in its suffix form is pronounced as ja, J-A, that gives diren ja. So when you put it all together, it's those who converge together. So mm-hmm. diren ja, those who converge together, mm-hmm. is the phonetic die ranger. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There so you the go. title that of the show is a pun. That it wasn't funny, it was clever. Ranger. 
Yeah, that was not room no. shot worthy. That was just. I think, was just I, I just found. I like think me and Nathan. Yeah. Me and Nathan talk about this on Henshin Men whenever we, you know, whenever we talk about Common Writer is that uh, a lot of Japanese uh, names for for characters and stuff, especially in kids shows, are puns. They love they love to do portmanteaus. Mm-hmm. They love to do puns. They love to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you get that a lot in these kids shows mm-hmm. where they're they're just puns or or portmanteaus of other things but yeah cameo is a right. very mm-hmm. obvious one because he is basically turtle oh <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know so turtle, turtle king kind of and you know and just so everyone knows the same word is also the source for the name gamera sure is yeah. like I Com-era. do. in fact uh, there the reason i try to remember help me out here danny was it this because there was confusion when Gamera was brought over by the original distributors because they thought it might look like camera. The, the English <laughs> word cameras. Is that why they, so is that why it changed to a G or was that the double M? I forget. It was, it was why uh, Gamera, the invincible was given the extra M. It's one of the same right. reasons. Mm-hmm. It's one of the same reasons that uh, AIP added, they, they changed the O in Dogora, the Toho film Dogora mm-hmm. to an mm-hmm. A. So it was, it looked like Dagora, but it was still said the same way because they thought people would think it was a giant dog. <laughs> Right. right dog aura mm-hmm. so it's yeah. the same thing they added an extra m in there to kind of shake it up a, le- a little bit so that people wouldn't pronounce it as camera right. or gamera so right but anyway all that to say he's a bit of a comic relief character he's not in his early episodes he's not in it a whole lot you could almost completely dismiss him which i did i thought it was like okay he's a one-off com- comedic character he looks like an overweight nerd and so it's like okay, i resemble that a- remark yeah mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I do too. Shame yeah. on you. Yeah, because he's got the glasses and he's he's you know he's doesn't have very good social skills. He's a bit of a coward, but then yes, yes, true, you're describing a hero story. This is all of my dating profile. True, <laughs> are you are it's, uh, 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 Travis? 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 Are you telling me that you are secret? I have no idea. Travis, are you are you telling me that you are secretly a giant turtle? Look, okay, okay. He's overweight, he wears glasses, and he's turtle obsessed. This is me. This is this is my character. I because look, my phone case, it has turtles on it, and my screensaver on my phone, my or my uh background is a turtle. So I, I love I, I freaking love turtles so this is me so, they have inserted me so into a super sentai series and i am here for it yes <laughs> this is this is so all ladies Zord is your spirit animal <laughs> ladies this is all a part of travis's uh bumble profile so just check him out on bumble <laughs> um everything will be there i am in fact a turtle <laughs> him in like fact turtles. a giant yes. a giant armored mechanical turtle i look okay i knew it, I knew it travis who, i knew it who who talks who talks and you sound- might want to slow down here because this might happen on the film vault now <laughs> <laughs> he who talks talks he's the only cheapy and sounds like angurus He's the only chi beast who yep. does speak human language. Uh, the rest of them do not. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And when he roars, he is, he sounds like Anguirus from Godzilla. He does. 
That's that as Michael had said, he is he is it's a little bit slowed down, but it is literally the Anguirus roar. It is. Yes, uh, when he's in his di- his Daimugan form. Right. Yeah. Now I don't know if they do something like this elsewhere in Sentai, but I this was the first time I'd seen something like this. So it threw me off a little bit. So we have a human character who turns out later to be one of the mecha. And it's because he I try to remember. Did he take a human that, form to hide, or was it because yes. he was cursed or something? Like well, he, no, he no, took no. a human form to hide. He 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 was he was a pacifist. He didn't want to fight. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. He he yeah. got tired of the war that was going on between the Dai and the and the Gorma, and so he decided to become human so that he could get escape the constant yeah. fighting. And then he forgot. And then yeah. he forgot. And, and it's just the over fact the that centuries. he's a turtle. Yeah, and the fact that he's a turtle and he's a pacifist actually makes sense because what's he doing? He's turtling. Mm-hmm. You know, he's hiding in the shell and saying, all of you stop, please. And and there <laughs> is a great gag with Cameo where, you know, because he gets he has the he has his own Lili ball, heavenly Lili ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it but it, it doesn't always help him transform into his Daimugan form. It sometimes will just transform him into a tiny little turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Which does. is the cutest thing because then he's like, oh no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And before that, he didn't remember that he was, the, that he was, I can't remember the, uh, the Mecca's name, but he didn't remember that he was Yeah, he didn't remember he was Daimugan. So he's just freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know what's happening, please. And and just and the fact that the little tiny turtle version of him, whenever he gets turned into the little tiny, and then Kazu will just stick him in his pocket and carry him with him. It's just so I love Kameo so much. <laughs> yeah, he's a great character. He's I wasn't like I said, guy. I, I didn't think could've... I didn't I didn't think anything of him at first, but then he actually grew to become very important. Right, especially so, yeah. Yeah, like his importance, his importance increased, especially when we get to um, when we when we start talking about uh, uh, Daijin, Daijin Ryu. Daijin Ryu. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So but now, unless anybody has anything more to add to Kameo, we can move on to the bad guys, the villains, the Gorma tribe, or the, as uh, I like BDSM to call them villains. Yeah, I was going to say, or as I like to call them, leather daddy, leather mama and leather uncle. Okay, now no, okay, but to be fair, to be fair, they show the 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 Gorma Senate. Now they all are wearing eccentric outfits, but only those three are wearing leather. Which I know it's so it's like I I get what they're going for. It's like every member of Gorma has like a weird outfit that they like to wear, but for some reason these three just settled on leather and metal studs. Yeah, the funny they, thing is, there is a one. Uh, I'm not it, there. It's he was only a one-off character, and I'm surprised, and yet not that that was the case in Doctor Who that predated this show by about a decade. I forget what his name is, but maybe you can help me out here, Travis. He was in the final story for Peter Davison. Oh, have you uh, seen that one? Yeah, it's been a long time though. And he was. Uh. He was. Yeah, he was freaky too, but he looked eerily similar to these characters. Yeah, but, I have to look that up because um, I can't remember. Yeah, but anyway, so first, I, do we want to talk about the? I guess we there's enough to talk about them individually. So we'll start with Lieutenant Colonel Shaddam, who in the last couple of episodes, spoiler warning, becomes 
uh, Emperor Gorma the 16th, and he is played mm. by Rentaro Nishi. Mm. He's essentially our main villain. Essentially, in, at yeah. least in terms of where he's his placement is in the show, in the actual he, Gorma hierarchy, he's to, not to to um well to to contextualize it for Ranger fans out there. He is essentially the Diabolico to uh, Queen Banchira because Queen because ba- when we first meet uh, when we first get into Lightspeed Rescue, Diabolico is set up as the leader of this, uh, of the villains. Right. And then you have Queen Banshira, who is truly r- the high ranking member of, of our villain crew. Right. But it's it, right. To, 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 if, for anyone who's not seen the Die Ranger, that gives you some context of what we're talking right. about. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's um, three that we see primarily. There's a character in there that's. Oh, Scorpius? Um, yeah, Scorpius, who looks like he fits right in with these guys. He does. He does. I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah he was the main was villain like, for much of the show. Yeah. I wonder if someone from Jim Henson, the Jim Henson company, who did all the like the costumes and are in the in the puppets and stuff for that, maybe was a little bit inspired by some Super Sentai. <laughs> You never know. You never know. I still think a lot of stuff from Super Sentai that they didn't use in Power Rangers, they used them later, like the Magic Tears and the Kid Ranger. But anyway, so Shaddam, I have no way of confirming this, but I kind of wonder if, especially early on when I was hearing the name being spoken in Japanese, I kind of wondered if maybe his name was inspired by Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah. I have no way of confirming mm. that. It's probably a, too much of a stretch to say it, but it would make sense. The main thing to know about Shaddam is that he's the most ambitious of our primary three villains here. Because by the end of the show, he replaces the Gorma Emperor. Yeah. And you find out that was and his whole plan from the beginning. That was his whole plan the whole time. It turns out he was the actual mastermind. The uh, Emperor Gorma the Fifteenth thought he was masterminding everything. It was actually Shaddam, which feels a little bit out of left field. But because I, when I thought back on, it, I was like, really, this whole thing was his plan. I don't know if that exactly works, but okay. But the main thing to know about him is he's Ko's father. Ko and dun, dun, dun. another character who we will talk about soon too right right but that's the big thing and i kind of called that because i'm like it's gonna like because they don't talk about ko's dad they talk about his mother a lot and then i'm like his dad's gonna end up being one of the bad guys isn't he (laughs) yeah and i was right yeah so which is fine i mean it's a good revelation to have and it makes sense so he, if I remember correctly, because his because Ko's mother is human, died. right? Because she's died. The fact that he took, she's died. So it's kind of a star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet sort of a thing. So Ko doesn't fit in either way because he's half die, half Gorma, and Shaddam. Okay. Once he knows this, is trying to get the Gorma site to actualize, which will happen on his tenth birthday. I have to ask a question and it's going to spoil kind of what happens later at the end of the, at the end of the entire show. So if anybody is planning on watching this and you have not turned off yet and We've, you do not want to be spoiled this, for the very end of the show. This episode is full of spoilers. So 
please, if you plan on watching this show at all, turn off now or fast forward because this big spoiler here is a pretty big deal. And I think it's I think it's really great if you go into it not knowing it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shaddam turns out to be a clay puppet as well. A mud puppet. Mud puppet. And yeah. it's implied which we'll that talk about had, with the ending. Right. It's implied that he had been a mud puppet since probably back when the first war between the Dai and the Gorma start, you know, had, had happened. So does that mean that the Co is part clay and not part Gorma? That can just cl- makes my feelings about the puppets- ending that much worse. <laughs> Do clay puppets have sperm? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> oh, <it's- laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to Super Sentai Life Science class, everyone. <laughs> because I'm like, okay, the idea the idea that 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 uh Ko's mother, who does not, by the way, is never named. Never named in the entire no, show. She is weird. Only oh, wow. referred to as Ko's mother. <laughs> the entire thing. We'll just it's, we'll just for the sake of the podcast, we'll just call her Carol. All right. Her Carol. Carol. <laughs> uh, so the fact that she and him know. fell in love because it's because it's also implied because because like Ko is not like someone who is six thousand years old. So so that means that Colonel Shaddam fell in love with this woman. And they had children just 10 years prior to the show come, you know, like the show's beginning. So, but he doesn't personality wise, he doesn't feel like he would have, you know, within that 10 years may, I thought it was like early, but then that would make co 6,000 years old. And that's not, that's not the case either. No, but then it also means that, that, it was at a point when Shaddam was already replaced by a clay figure and not the real Shaddam anyway. Now, now for some reason I have the image of Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze in my head from the movie. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> but she's just shaping it into the clay, the actual person. Yeah. Shaddam. <laughs> shaping co or other oh, yeah. things. Moving on. Uh, well, I mean, look, look okay, Wonder so Woman was made out of clay originally, so yes. you know. But here's, but here's what I'll say: who, who's to say, who's to say that he? Okay, because it's an implied. It's we we obviously see that he was clay the whole time, but we don't. It's safe to assume that it probably happened thousands of years earlier when the others were turned to clay, but we don't know that. Maybe uh-huh. the clay thing happened like seven or eight years before the show started. But how did that happen? It's never answered in general. Yeah. It's never answered at all. Maybe it's... his mom did it to him. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, look, I have, okay, I have <laughs> that love. was so good. He turned into mud. <laughs> Whoa. That's not where I was. That's going not that where we were going. I mean, <laughs> I don't, there's a fanfic that should never exist. Uh, anyway, go ahead, um, Travis. So I no, mean, I, have, I am, I have a I am putty and Julie's about the ending for sure. Whoa, what was that there, Michael? <laughs> you want to say that a little louder for the people in the back? <laughs> that won't make it to the, the show. Class? I'm just being funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh dear. Oh, oh and I am dirty in Julie's arms. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Travis. Finish your thought. But then I, mean, I just I have a lot of theories about like the ending and and like you know the re- big reveal at the end. But the one big reveal of of Shadam being Clay it does open up a lot of questions when you actually start trying to poke, you know, it does, it falls apart just like a clay puppet. Uh, when you start poking at it oh. and you start asking those questions, Maybe that's why like, they did it. Is, is co is co clay. That means he's not Gorma, but the whole, there's a whole plot line about him, them trying to you know, suppress his Gorma side. But then I, 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 uh. <laughs> I know, I know, but he's, but obviously, but obviously, Co. I know what you're saying. Obviously, Co. is not an empty shell. Like he's he's right. he's right. not artificial. So right, and that's and that's the whole premise behind this. Show. If like if we're talking Does about the clay she, puppet, the theme of the show centers around. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, parents, parents, you might want to make some should decisions I, right now about should I use that as the episode title? I don't know. No. <laughs> No. no, I no. think a better question is when did it happen and how did it happen and why didn't he know about it? Because as far as we know, okay. he made clay it happens puppets when, um, of when the a mommy rest and a daddy villains. love each other very much. Oh, oh, you mean the other? Th- oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about clay pigeons and clay bees? Is that how this works? <laughs> Why lie balls, everyone? Get them, get them anyway, I had more questions about that because suddenly the mastermind is revealed to be no different than his masterminded minions. I was very confused and I didn't know what to think of it. So I'm like, who made you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like if it would have been something like, like Kaku did it or something, and there's like some cockamamie reason why it was Kaku <laughs> the whole time. Kaku maybe. Kaku maybe. I'm like, someone's going to point it out. <laughs> yep. I am yep. vibrating right now. It has nothing to do with the, the clay pigeons. <laughs> wow. And the but, but it's just because I so want to like dive into and, and like really just go into my insane theories about that ending. But I know that we're not supposed to be doing it right now. We're supposed to be saving it for later. So I'm trying to hold back, but man, I so want right. to talk about it. In which case, um, sure. uh, so Travis just general is, thoughts on Shaddam as a villain, and then we'll move on to the next one. My, my Gorma balls are vibrating. Right <laughs> his, his Gorma. No, his Gorma balls are blue right now with anticipation. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, I'm sorry. The Gorma, (laughs) they use a lot of balls to transport. Anybody who knows me, anybody who knows me is Maybe the episode title should just be Gorma Balls. No, the, ep- the episode. Lily balls. We'll just call it Lily balls. Just get me a, a get me a hilarious Lily balls line that sounds dirty out of context, and that'll be the episode. <laughs> Sweaty Lily balls. That's the title. Sweaty Lily Lig- balls. Can, can, we, can we use the word ligma? Can we use the word ligma? <laughs> <laughs> Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> Ligma Lily Balls. That's the name of the episode. 
Dear Jesus, if you're listening, oh. um, I, <laughs> uh, I, I can explain, or I'm sorry. I Your don't think fate this... will be determined by which of those you choose. I don't know how much of this is getting kept. Hopefully none. But... Yeah, probably not any of it. All right. So yeah. yeah. Lieutenant Colonel Gara, played by Akiko Amatsuri, or Leather Mama. <laughs> now, going, going for that PG-13 rating, I see. Yes. But anyway, the 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 thing that's most interesting about her is she has connections to Peacock Princess. I yes. so this is this is again what I think is interesting how and I said it earlier on uh which feels like a week ago now at this point. Um <laughs> but the the show <laughs> the show plays with uh, how much it reveals to the audience versus how much the characters know. And sometimes the characters know more than the audience. Sometimes mm-hmm. the audience knows more than the characters. Right. And, and right. this was, this was one of those moments because when Kujaku ex- explains like the backstory, she only t- tells like one small part of it of why she's so angry, why she was trapped and everything. And you don't get the full reveal of what happened until later. And then that's you know revealed later. And I think that's really interesting because you're only given a small piece of the backstory and then it's expanded and you find out, no, that backstory wasn't, you know, from a certain point of view, wasn't exactly true. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Now, how do you guys feel about that? backstory in this I asked because I wasn't 100% sure how to take it because it felt legitimate but it also felt like it was a bit melodramatic for the response that we got which I get it is par for the course in this sort of media but you can't like for for something like this especially with like like shonen style and again, this is for kids, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I get, I, for sure, like it, like you said, it, it fits in with something that is within this genre and targeted to this audience. Mm-hmm. But of all right. the subplot, listen, Sentai tends to get a little melodramatic. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of a thing with Sentai things that might not seem like something you'd halt a moment for to just kind of expand on in Sentai you get people yelling and screaming and crying and very dramatic rock music in the background that makes that, <laughs> that makes you cry uh, and, and people holding, holding their dying friends on beaches at sunsets. I mean, it, that's, that's mm-hmm. Sentai and that's just what it does. So this very kind of interesting story about uh, Kujaku and, um, and Gara being friends way back in the day. And then Gara, mm. And again, this is spoiler territory. This entire episode spoiler territory. Yeah, we, but if you haven't seen it yet, it's been par for the course. It's been par for the course. Well, but again, like for, like for real, this is spoiler territory. But it, Gara protects Kujaku from something that fall. Like what is it? Something falls on her. It's a rock or something mm-hmm. like that. And she protects her and gets a scratch. Gets a scratch on her cheek, and mm. she kind of Gara gets very self conscious about the scratch on her cheek. Well, it's and an actual full on scar. Like it's a, it's a deep, it is, deep it is a gash. full, it, it is a deep gash. It's something you can't miss. And it doesn't matter how old you are, that that's going to be something that's going to weigh on you. So it makes sense. So Kujaku goes on this quest to find something out in the world to heal her friend. 
So that's why she becomes the avatar of the Peacock Buddha, so that she can learn to to make her friend well and happy and, you know, quote unquote, beautiful again to fix this mm-hmm. thing that makes her feel like she isn't beautiful. The problem is Gara doesn't know that's where she went and what she's doing. So she thinks her friend abandoned her and she jo- joins the Gorma and eventually ascends the ranks and becomes a lieutenant. And then yeah. that leads into the moment where Kujaku is I- imprisoned in the mirror monster where uh, basically Gara is faking being injured and Kujaku arrives and tries to help her uh, and then goes to get her some water. And mm-hmm. Gara says something along the lines of you. I've always thought you were so much more beautiful than me. Mm-hmm. And she has a moment. Uh, Kujaku has a moment of weakness looking at her reflection and smiles where she says, yeah, I am. I am kind of beautiful, aren't I? And that's when the monster gets her and Gara right. is faking it the whole time. So that's what causes the beef. So it's just misunderstanding on top of trickery, on top of nonsense, right. on top of melodrama. So it's, there are a lot of layers to it. And yeah. you only get layer. You only get like the like the seventh layer in the salad at the beginning of the show. And by the time you get to Kujaku's death and then even farther than that, you're down to the bottom layer. So you just keep going farther and farther and farther and farther back in time right. and piece it together. I think it worked. No, yeah, I, I think ultimately it does work. And I like the idea of this very emotional story, this very emotional connection that they have between a villain and a hero. And especially when you look at how everything just keeps piling on where mm-hmm. Kuchaku leaves to do something. Well, the first thing she did was she saved Gara's life, but that left a scar, a literal scar. And then she goes off to find a way to fix that. Cause she feels responsible. No, no, Gara but, tried. Gara saved Kujaku and oh, that's in the right. process Gara of saving Kujaku got the scar. Right. So then it, and, uh, to repay her, she goes off to find a way to fix that but didn't tell her she was doing that. So she felt abandoned because she felt abandoned and she was ridiculed. I'm guessing Uh, probably because considering how idyllic this ancient civilization is presented, maybe they saw even that one imperfection as grounds to reject her. And so then she goes off and joins the Gorma and turns to the dark side because of this whole thing. Yeah. You know, so again, just a sticky note. Come on. Just, just sticky notes. <laughs> a lot could have been solved if sticky notes had been invented just back then. Gone to be, could have ch- gone, have ch- gone to become Peacock Buddha. Be back soon. You know, <laughs> we'll Hammond fix her face <laughs> when I get back. I will fi- I'm literally doing this for you. Please don't do anything crazy like join a bunch of megalomaniacal leather villains. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, um, just. So, so uh, this, this story arc was to me and, and I, and Nathan, maybe you'll, you'll agree with me, maybe not, but this story arc felt the most, uh, Shakespearean because one of the things that Shakespeare Shakespeare really likes Mm. to do with his, both with his tragedies and with his comedies, he likes to play with the misunderstandings between characters it's like mm-hmm. you know a character doesn't always understand what another character is doing you know romeo and juliet you know the audience knows that oh, yeah juliet's not killing herself she's just uh pretending Thank to be you. dead romeo doesn't know that and that's where the tragedy comes from you get the same thing with a lot of his comedies or just because characters don't understand you know, they they don't get the full story or whatever and the, so to me that's kind of what this felt like it was just like it was just a misunderstanding that because of that misunderstanding the two characters went off on their own independent 
journeys that led them to the on these paths that they had that led them to where they're at now and it just led to this you know huge animosity between them and so you know that's Mm -hmm. why i think it's just like to me it felt very shakespearean in that way i can see that and yeah that makes sense to me i like that you just yeah. made me like Die Ranger even more, and I already liked it a lot. So. <laughs> and there is there is another layer to this story I want to briefly touch on before we move on uh, to, to the next character, and that's the fact that uh, there, there, I mean, there could be an argument made. I do not agree with this, and I will explain why. That we we find out that Gara the entire time has also been a puppet. She's been a mm-hmm. clay puppet, and. Kujaku has been, you know, yucking it up in in uh, Buddha heaven with the real Gara, and they're all best friends and stuff. So you could argue that she spent that entire time trying to, he- and that at the end she sacrifices her Kujaku uh, sacrifices her chance to get well again, at least for a while, uh, with the the MacGuffin that she has to go find, the peacock tear. Uh, to heal Gara's wound. She actually does in the show. She does. She gets this thing. And instead of using it to heal herself, she heals Gara's scratch permanently. And then she dies. Uh, and Gara is unmoved by this. And you later find out that she doesn't care because that's not really Gara. The real Gara died. She's a, it's, it's just a shell. It's just mm. a shell. So Kujaku healed a shell and then dies. And there isn't like you could make the argument that that makes that invalidates her sacrifice but i don't agree with that at all because she's still she she because her heart was the still in the right place exactly right. yeah. she yeah. fulfilled her, her she fulfilled her, her promise right. yeah she didn't yeah. know she didn't know garo was, was dead that whole time she fulfilled her purpose she fulfilled her promise she kept it and that's why she ascends that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons right and by she, all intents and yeah. purposes as far as she was concerned that was gara Mm-hmm. Yeah, the intention is what matters here. The intent, yeah. exactly. Right. So, and I, Which I mean, I've never seen. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not involved enough with like the, 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 the uh, Sentai fandom to know if there are people that like have a problem with this out there in the world. And frankly, I think I'm better off not knowing. But we're gonna if get there letters, were Danny, pe- if, either way, it's fine. I know. But if there were people out there that were to say that, I would politely disagree and say that the intent is what is important in this situation. And it is nice to know at the end, because we do see in the, uh, is it the, either the penultimate episode of the, it's the last episode. Uh, Kujaku is able to appear before the Rangers, specifically Daigo. Uh, they all see her, but mm-hmm. one last time. And Gara appears there right. too. And they hold hands and you see that they're, 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 they, everything's been settled. It's all cool. Um, and yeah. they, they get to be friends again. And then the, the fake Gara crumbles into ch- chunky, gross pottery with a face. Uh, yeah. in front of them and but it's it's so, it really wraps up that whole thing really really beautifully and it's a nice happy ending and to, mm-hmm. to, to one of the more i think interesting melodramatic but done right melodramatic well, I, I, right. people Something have else this idea about... that melodrama is always bad that's not the case you can oh, do yeah. melodrama well No. Um, So one thing that is running through this show, and it's pretty obvious in some other parts, but but not so obvious in others, is the themes of Taoism and Buddhism Um, of obviously, you know, you have Buddhism because of of the the peacock buddha um taoism a lot of it because of yin and yang the you have the yo and the and the chi um but one of the core things of buddhism is karma and there is there is this understanding 
at least in certain certain sects, I would say, of Buddha, of Buddhism, that karma is not you're you're awarded karma based on your intent more than the result of what you do. And I think that that is something right. that is implied or at least brought into this story with uh, Gara and Kujaku because Kujaku's intent kind of put her karma back in the positive side, which, you know, is what allowed her to ascend because otherwise her karma would have been too bad. She would not have been able to ascend because of all of the vengefulness that she was holding on to, but because she was able to do that. And it was the intent that mattered more than that. And that, that is right. a, out, you know, it's out of the, abu- uh-huh. it's, it's out of the abundance of the heart. You know, it's, it's right. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's but I just thought that was interesting because that, that is, idea. yeah, it is a teaching in Buddhism that the intent uh, mm-hmm. matters more when it comes to karma than the result and her being an embodiment of the peacock Buddha. It's, it's just an interesting theme. I thought I wanted to touch on. Right. No, that's right. no, I think you're spot on because like, like Danny and I were just talking about, like, like he, she did not know that Gara was just a clay shell of, of who she thought she was. Uh, so her heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So All next right. up of our villainous trio, we have major Zydos played by Maroshi Tamura He's the one of the three that did make it into Power Rangers. Mm. Yeah. He became Mondo, Mondo the Magician. The, Mondo the Magician, yeah. In the storybook episode that, of season two. In that, I was, was like, a in monster that really weird storybook episode. Yeah. He was a monster of the week, and it was his... And he only did it once, which I thought was a little odd, because he's the one who gets giant a couple of times mm-hmm. using right. bombs which the Zed got. Shadam <laughs> uh, does become big. Oh, that's right. That Shadam does, does grow but, giant. Yeah, vol- vol- did we not that's forget right. about Volcano Head at the end? Come on, guys. But that's Zydos. Well, that's Zydos. Yeah, that's Zydos. That's Zydos. But he had another form where he had a silver face. I think all of them did. Yeah, they all did at one point. point. But they only, yeah. yeah, they only did yeah. it once. That became Mondo the Magician, a Monster of the Week, and Power Rangers. But Zydos honestly, is... uh huh. I was just gonna say the thing. Uh, Zydos is the muscle in this group. Yeah, he's the muscle. He's he's probably the least interesting as far as like character development, but he mm-hmm. is absolutely the most he's fun certainly to watch. the most deranged. He is yeah, the, most the most fun to watch. The, the the face. Oh my! And that and that apply. This applies to everybody in this show, but the face acting in this show is just chef's kiss so good and and zydos <laughs> was was the was the best <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah th- mr tamura is definitely eating all the scenery <laughs> yeah. this dude th- th- he he strikes me as like the the most unpredictable one of the bunch he looks like he's 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 ready for a good time and his definition of good time is beating the crap out of people um, <laughs> i'm an agent of chaos <laughs> yeah he's and he he has this deranged smile that's just really really good and um he he honestly i mean he didn't he doesn't have as much to do he, he has no subplots whatsoever really except 
if you squint and turn your head sideways, he is responsible for Jean uh, and the entire right. thing that happens with him. But it's not to the extent of Gara and Kujaku, and it's not to the extent of all the nonsense that Shaddam is up to. Right. It, he, he's still a fun character. He's a fun character to watch, like you said. Like he's just, Although he's when fun. he did that, I was wondering if maybe that was his plan. If he was going to turn Jin into a minion for his own ambitions. Oh, I'm sure that's what he was doing. He was manipulating him so he could get another henchman because all three of the, it's worth noting that all three of these people have their own ambitions and you don't really, but they're, they all work together, but you also get the sense that they, they're as loyal to each other or not loyal to each other as whatever else is happening at the same time. Gara is very upset when Zydos toward the end of the series uh, dies when he's actually defeated. Mm -hmm. She's, she's not, she's she's unsettled but it's you get the sense that it's more it's less about the fact that zydos is dead and more about the fact that he crumbled into a clay puppet right because that's when we start getting the first hints that of the mud puppets not Mm -hmm. always as it seems but you get the sense that you know obviously shaddam doesn't give a crap about gara or or zydos he's doing his own thing he just wants to rule uh gara is very single-minded in her whole kajaku thing and then Zydos, he's the one who, like, you get the sense that when he goes after Jin and tries to transform him, he's doing it so that he can get some clout. Like, hey, look what I did. Also, I have a tough guy who will destroy you in one hit. Don't mess with me. He he, he saw a powerful person and wanted to exploit that person for his own gain. Or he was uh, just a huge fan of Fist of the North Star. He could have been both. <laughs> why not both Nate? I'm not saying saying that would be possible. Why not both? All right. Yeah. Are we done with Zydos? There's not a lot more to him. Let's keep it it moving. Yeah. Now we need to talk about the demon child because we have another one. Akko Maru played by Shohei Shibata. Is this a thing in Sentai? Yes. Little demon children, Mm -hmm. because we had, yes, Oh, yeah. We had Bandora's son, Haku who thought he was a Dragon Ball Z cosplayer, a Vegeta cosplayer. Haku Ranger and- will have a demon child, too. I okay. think every, every other, every, yeah, demon yeah. children are a thing in Sentai. Okay, so well, here in, we have Akumaru. Oh, that's yeah. a big yeah. thing in Japanese. That's horror. true. But yeah. here, yeah, Akumaru, I find that interesting. I wonder if the if his name is derived at least slightly off of Akuma, which is the Japanese word for devil. Uh, it would I, be would not, I mean, he, he <laughs> I would not put it. I mean, he him. does get literally fished from he, he he literally just does get fished from the underworld. So sure. I, it would that. Yeah, because he dies. Oh, and here's the big thing. He's Ko's brother. Yep. And <laughs> Ko is a walking son. soap opera. <laughs> oh, it's he's got so the father everywhere. <laughs> So yeah, it's, I, it's, it's all, it's, I really like Oka, uh, Akamaru, um, because he's, he's this little kid who outranks his own father has so much power and authority within. So it's that reversal of, you know, like the appearance doesn't match the, the, like, uh, the strength of the character, you know, and, and I right. love, I love that in Shonen when you have a, a character who looks, you know, small and weak, but is actually very powerful. Um, yes, it's definitely a, a trope in Japanese and, and even in American, uh, media of using children to, to 
play villains because it's that right. corruption of innocence type thing. Mm. Right. Subversion yeah. of a bit of a subversion as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but he's, I, he's spooky. Like he is, he's, he's a spooky character. He is so, yeah, yeah, he is. And old Sentai Kenny jokes aside, Mr. Shibata here is oh, actually a pretty excellent actor. Oh yeah. He's a good he's little great. actor. He He's outstanding. He can he is cool and collected most of the time, but you get the sense he's he could snap. When he gets angry, he gets real angry. When he mm-hmm. gets conflicted, you can sense it. When he's sad, which is very not often. I mean, like, but literally there are scenes where because it's also worth noting that Shaddam being his father just despises him, doesn't consider mm-hmm. him his own kid, beats him, literally slaps him, beats mm-hmm. him up a few times. That's that's always which is a little watch. disturbing, <laughs> a little. Uh, huh? I would say that's I yep. kids getting hit in movies. I'm not a fan. Um, but this little kid at, in a in very difficult acting situations where a grown man is standing over you. And you have to pretend this is your dad. And he's saying, I never loved you. And I, I don't consider you my child. Right. And then the fact that this little kid can look back up at this grown man and say, I'm going to kill you. And I don't love you either. Right. And you're awful. And you believe it. Like it's like you completely believe it. Right. Um, and then there, there's the subtle, like there's that's overt, but then you have subtle moments because he he's transported around in and out of fog banks in a rickshaw being pulled yeah. by one of the Capatros villains. Yeah. And he has, he has a little party favor. Yeah, that that's, his, that's his little uh-huh. quirk. His I love it. That he blows. It. That, he, and then it turns out that it's actually not just a party favor. It could. It's a weapon too. It's a it's weapon. A and so when you hear this, you can hear it and know he's coming before you ever see him. It just in the distance, you'll just hear, and off he comes. Right. It's and, like it's uh-huh. a it's a little kind of childish thing that becomes really foreboding just of how closely mm-hmm. tied it gets to his character. Japanese horror, especially when it comes to like the children stuff, is really good at remixing seemingly innocent things and then kind of making it without covering it in blood and gore or anything like that. Just they took a party favor and made it uh, imposing and, and, and yeah, right. just unsettling. And that's, yeah, that they take it very unsettling. It is unsettling. A little yeah, unsettling, yeah. and yeah, and he f- serves as a foil for Ko, which is why it's appropriate that we find out that mm-hmm. they're brothers. They're twin, bro- they're fraternal exactly. twin brothers. Yeah. So, so my- Michael, you have a you have a deep seated fear of children. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about <laughs> tell us a little bit about your feelings on Akamaru. I-, I don't have a deep seated fear of children. I just don't want any. Uh, I, I literally just I literally just made that up on the spot to to uh, get your reaction to the character. I'm no, I, I said it. I said it while we, I sent it to you guys a text. I was like, I was like, okay, kids aren't creepy enough. You also had to bring one back from the from the dead and give him the fire breath. Hell, yeah. And it's like I I am never having kids. <laughs> <laughs> You, you can have kids. I mean, just don't, I like just don't go fishing, you know, like, <laughs> I like other people's kit. I like, well, no, that's out of context. That's, that sounds terrible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> maybe uh, I'm maybe not even would... hitting the button for that. <laughs> I, I have a lot of friends who have kids and their kids are a lot of fun. I just don't want kids because I don't want them to be demon children. Yeah. You don't want to raise an aquamonger. <laughs> Well, all that, uh, 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 Michael. There's an easy solution to this. Just be a good parent. <laughs> oh, oh no, that's too much oh, work. Is that, that I wouldn't is be that... a good parent, Nathan. Is that what you're? Is that what you're trying to say? Huh? What? 
No, is I'm that, just saying, saying? I, I w- that was actually me giving you a vote of confidence. I have I have no zero doubt that your children will turn out totally fine. I don't know if he I means sense, it. I, I just I sense a hint yeah, of sarcasm very, in your voice. Yeah, it no. sounds very sarcastic. I don't know. You're you're hearing sarcasm where there isn't any. Anyway, Akamaru. So so Akamaru's uh, journey that he goes on is him discovering his mother who his mother is because like he Ko. yeah well well co knew his mother his mother just you know left um yeah it's Ko actually didn't... kind of the it's kind of the yeah it's it really is the the mirrored opposite so because mm-hmm. akamaru knows who his father is but not his mother and co knows who his mother is but not his father right and, and so akamaru learning right. who his mother is and that co and and it really and, and like the revelation that Ko was his brother wasn't as impactful on Akamaru's character as learning that that was his mother. And you get more of that in spoiler alert in the final moments, because when in the final moments, it's not Ko who he goes to and has that, that you know, reun- reunion with it's, it's his mother. It's a, the final mm-hmm. moments when they're both being crushed in the cave and they reach out and they touch and she just says, you know, it's nice to meet you finally. And it was just like, right. I, legitimately, I started crying in that moment. Mm-hmm. I started crying because it it's was such, oh man, yeah. it was so touching. It was so touching. Just the, the, that, those words that she said, it's nice to finally meet you right before they get buried and die. It was just yeah, because so she never she knew Ko. Yeah, she knew Ko, but she didn't know Akamaru. She, yeah, she, I think Shaddam took Akamaru away. Yeah. Well, yeah, there there was this Gorma. There was this Gorma tradition that if you if you have twins, the younger of the twins would be killed, and so she didn't want right. that to That's happen. Right. So yeah. she took, she took uh, Ko, away. Ko away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and it is also worth yeah because that oh that final moment is so uh it's it's touching and tragic and and sweet and sad and this show killed the same kid twice yes I this, know, show, right? this show didn't, didn't just didn't just kill a child it killed the same child two times <laughs> once both by rocks by the way yeah <laughs> uh, akamaru Ak- akamaru should be scared of rocks <laughs> akamaru, more like rakumaru am i right <laughs> uh, uh, oh god Jesus. you know what i'm gonna look up i'm gonna look up the phobia for rocks because <laughs> this kid should have it i i just, think it's I, I think i think the phobia for rocks is called Oh, yeah. it is! It is petrophobia. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. It's the fear of being turned into a rock. That's just—that's the fear of Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Easiest joke I'll make all day. Easiest, least funny nonsense. Okay. Anyway, we yeah. let's get let's. We need to get to the next guy. Oh my gosh, oh, Gorma! Yeah, Gorma the fifteen. The Gorma and yeah, Gorma the fifteenth. Yeah, played by uh, help me out with this. Mune Maru Koda. Mune Maru. Mune Maru Koda. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The Gorma Emperor. So he's the Mune one who's Maru really Koda. quote unquote in charge. <laughs> we find out he's also a mud puppet. This might be the most Japanese character. In this entire show, because I oh, feel like man. this is a, a Japanese thing. show. So 
Well, yeah, well, but I just sure. feel like this is a this is such a thing in Japanese media. So they yeah, this, they this don't dude. broadcast it out. Um, but this character is especially if you know a lot about um, Kabuki. This character is very, very Kabuki style. Um, it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because because a, a lot of Kabuki is the the way that they speak and the way that they move is meant to be off putting. Like it, it it's like literally meant to be off putting, um, because it's meant to be heightened and outside of reality. And and yeah, the way he speaks that that it's not just the high pitchness, but the inflections that he uses that make him so much like a kabuki theater character and and yeah i again we talk about villains who are very understated and they're not what they subvert your expectations this gorma emperor absolutely just subverts your expectations you expect this big bad guy lord zed you know cackling evil guy mm-hmm. and here he is almost like a child just playing games and i was gonna say very soft Chinese voice checkers, and yeah. just like that yeah yeah and it's he, just, yeah, yeah he he almost an, feel he almost seems like a child at points which i think is a yeah. way to kind of trick his enemies into not take maybe not taking him entirely seriously because i'm not sure everybody does and one of the things i thought was interesting is well real quick uh, everyone, uh nathan in order quick, to be in the his gym, presence huh? real quick nathan the gym the the earth shattering crystal gym thing is uh that mm-hmm. does corrupt your mind the longer you have it so mm-hmm. that's one of the so that things that sense. that's what makes him at, at be right. the way he is anyway go ahead Right. Well, I was just going to say, one of the things I found really interesting is that in order to be in his presence, because he is the emperor, after all, you have to wear yeah, a mask. mask. Mm-hmm. And and to dare, and there are points where, cause, and they don't tell you that you have to do that, they just show it. So then when we get to moments where a character either just comes to see him without a mask, or they take the mask off while in his presence, it's this huge dramatic moment in an mm-hmm. understated makes, sort of a which, way. Well, which makes when uh when uh i almost called him <laughs> captain chaku jesus um <laughs> when master when master kaku goes to him with a mask on but immediately takes it off like that that mm-hmm. moment is huge that moment is a really big deal mm-hmm. and th- Wait, the fact that shadam doesn't wear one at all near him is an indication of who's really pulling the strings right mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Although I think there are scenes where he does wear well, he it. He does, but yeah, like, the scene where you first. really start to get a sense that that something yeah. kooky is going on is when he goes to him and they have a, a res- they have a, a conflict where uh he, the, where Shaddam asks the emperor for something and the emperor says, No way, Jose. And then Shaddam says, Oh, I think you'll agree. And then the emperor turns around and goes, What do you mean? And then it cuts to it somewhere cuts. else and you never right. get a resolution. Yeah. And of course at the end of the series you find out it's because right. puppets. I'm yep. wondering, uh, there's a part of me that actually ca- that really latched onto that concept, and I was trying to understand why is it that you have to wear a mask to be in the presence of the emperor? Is it because supposed is it the idea that the the emperor is so radiant because he is the emperor after all that you have to wear the mask as protection for you? Is it because the emperor has deemed other people? you know, beneath, so beneath him that they must wear a mask because he isn't going to bother to look at their face because they're unworthy. 
I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. It's a because I, I, I haven't really seen a concept like this before. If you look at a lot of his of of the emperor's um like his inspiration, he definitely has a lot of um imperial J- J- uh, Japan aesthetic to yes, him. For sure. The long flowing robes, the way sure. he's always sitting, he you you never see him stand up. He is always carried sitting uh and so mm-hmm. And in Imperial Japan, there was this thing where the emperor would wear sometimes uh, uh, like veils or things that would block his uh, his face yeah. from being able to be seen by yeah. other people. So that could be part of it. It could be that. But then it also could be just playing into the eccentricity of the character, you know. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I, for me, I read it as kind of like there is this this inspiration of of imperial Japan and how the emperor wasn't was wasn't meant to be seen with with human eyes, you know, type type thing. Mm-hmm. I trended towards saying that you have to wear the mask for you know because you are not worthy to be in the emperor's presence, you know, yeah. I, you know, so you have to veil yourself well, a, for- a little bit. It's a form of it's a form of submission. Yeah, Mm -hmm. basically, you know, my face can be uncovered because I'm the emperor, but you yours cannot. Right. It's like it's like when you it's like if you think about like lowering your gaze when you're in the presence of of someone in high authority, Mm -hmm. like hiding your face, lowering your gaze. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it and then it turns out that the person in authority is uh, basically Miss Piggy. Yeah. Uh, you can't you'll never be able to unhear that now you're welcome <laughs> i was actually thinking no i was actually thinking uh mr bill but that's just a, <laughs> oh, no. that actually Which makes be sense better. because he's made of clay that, <laughs> there you go actually that's that might be a better that might be better than miss piggy because it just sounds it sounds oh, better no do, do we I have a third eye. Oh, I'm going to get squished. <laughs> oh, no. So, so I have a question for you, Nathan. Um, oh, do no. we, I'm not doing that again. Do we know, and this is, I, I'm assuming you don't know the answer to this, but it could be something, a quick Google search, not now, but later when we're not trying to get through stuff might be able to, re- to, to reveal. Do we know if Munemaru Koda is a Kabuki actor He's not. in real life? He's not. I looked He's it up. Not. Oh, we do. Oh, you oh, don't. Travis oh. beat us to. Yeah, I'm, I was gonna yeah. say Travis probably knows this, but okay. Well done, Travis. Yeah, okay, there you I go. I looked it up last I, night. I He's not. Um, I because I thought the same thing. Okay. Uh, because I was like, oh wow, he is really like this is definitely. He's good. And, yeah, he's so good, yeah. and it, and it feels so Kabuki esque that I looked it up. But no, he has played in. Uh, he's a TV actor. He's done a lot of TV. He's never done uh, any Kabuki acting though. Huh, he it wouldn't he's surprise good. me if he got some kabuki training, or at least he studied a bit of kabuki for this. Probably role. had somebody somebody come in and uh, g- give him the rundown on mannerisms. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he definitely had yeah, some I, some of that. But yeah, just sure. again, the great. facial work, the facial work in this in acting in this show is so good. And he again, just because his face is painted all white, it's so hard to read some of his facial expressions. But then when he really emotes with it, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. very Anything, when he exagger when he exaggerates those facial expressions, it really starts to come out. Which mm-hmm. I was thinking about when I was th- watching through Die Ranger the first and second time. 
Um, Die Ranger stands out because in, in a lot of Sentai seasons, the villains are usually, you know, guy in suit. Um, whereas with Die Ranger, it's a little bit different. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot more, I feel like this, I feel like this season of Sentai has a lot more face actors than mm-hmm. what would come a little bit later. Right. Which I, I well, I wouldn't say that they, that means they wouldn't have been adapted because they just dubbed Bandora and she became Rita, but I don't True. know if they necessarily, because of the designs of these characters, if they would have necessarily well, wanted to use them. But, you know, then again, did they did use Zydos, but... And well, Master, yeah, Master Orc. I'm talking about the three main. I'm talking about the three main. Oh, ones. yeah, the three main the, ones. You know, the leather. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Well... The triumvirate I mean, is what is they're called. A badass looking... The triumvirate, yes. yeah. 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 But, but yeah, Zed is... Uh, Zed's pretty nutty, too. Yeah, they mm-hmm. Yeah, but... They actually, actually, they probably would have fit in pretty We're not downplaying your precious Lord Zed, Michael. Don't get defensive. <laughs> yeah, calm down, Michael. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't say anything. You're getting a little too worked up, Michael. <laughs> we all need to take some deep breaths, Hamilton, and just kind of, you know, break it down, bring it down a little bit. It's a little, a little Nathan? Hmm? Nathan? Hit the button. No, I'm kidding. Don't hit the button. <laughs> what? Oh, Ratmaster? No, oh, no, what? no, no, no. Don't hit the button. Don't hit the button. We got to get to the foot soldiers next. Yeah, uh, yes, the Katpotros, yes. which they were not in Power Rangers, obviously. They, they are very like, unsettling. They are, oh, yeah. and they look like butlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do. They look They look like butlers. They, they have... They're all very lean. They have a completely black and white aesthetic, except for their bright red lips, no eyes. Um, oh, didn't they have little black? T- didn't, no, didn't they have red ties? Yeah, well, they had red, red ties tie. and red lips. Yeah, and but other than that, they were they had a. They, you know what they almost reminded me of? They had a feel. They they felt like they might they could have come out of an old um, Fleischer style uh, animated short, like uh, like like a Betty Boop cartoon or something. Maybe. They almost felt like old animation. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. See that, Nathan? Maybe what was just the a, um, what was the season of Power Rangers where we talked about Japanese vampires? Oh, the hopping, Vamp- Fury. The, the hopping vampires, the hopping vampires. Yeah. The hopping vampires. Yeah. The Jungle hopping Fury. vampires. Yeah. 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 Jungle Fury. Okay. They, they almost, they give me kind of a hopping vampire vibe. Yeah. Except they aren't hopping vampires. Right. Well, they're they, not, but I'm just saying. Astute they give observation, me Nate. Thank you. Right. Yeah. I get what you mean. And <laughs> there is a variant of the personality the last episode that wear red. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Imperial, Imperial. More Star Wars Imperial connections. Ones. They're the Imperial uh-huh. Guard. Basically. And they wear red. You know, actually, they're because they have they're not that loud either. Like they don't have a lot of very identifiable. Like they do no. make sounds because they all make like all the, the, the all the foot soldiers do some kind of sound. But could you imagine how unsettling it would have been if they actually took the putty sound yeah. and put it with those guys? I think that would have right. been terrifying. Yeah, like they their skew was freaky enough with the putty slash golems anyway. But like if you put it with these guys with well, their weird red lips and. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they look like they're actually wearing recognizable clothing because the, uh-huh. yeah. the thing that makes the putty scary and the golems is that they're just human enough, but they're also inhuman enough that because they're that weird combination of the two that they're kind of unsettling. These look more human, arguably, with the clothing. Yeah. I yeah. think if if uh, oh. Kata Amemia had foot had foot soldiers, oh good lord, what they look like. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, a, that actually was what I was going to say. Much, yeah. um, there's there's uh, for me they remind me a little bit of 
um, and because nobody else here has watched this far into Common Rider, they remind me of the the foot soldiers in Common Rider W or uh, in Common Rider Double, okay. um, because the foot soldiers in the, if I remember right, the foot soldiers in that were kind of more like inspired by Yakuza type, you know bad guys so they always wore just like black and white suits and they had the they had masks on so they you know still had them like mask but they just wore regular black and white suits and it was because they were kind of like heavily inspired by you know yakuza type you know your mob mob guys uh and so that's what these guys kind of reminded me of because they they are wearing these suits that do give off that you know black tie you know kind of suit look to Mm -hmm. them but they're but they're so the face the face being blank is so crazy and these guys have more personality than a lot of foot soldiers uh from sentai and power rangers yet they they have they're the ones that have no face (laughs) so it's funny Mm -hmm. well and then they play baseball (laughs) yes (laughs) and soccer and so did the putties the putties play baseball too (laughs) yeah they did we'll get to that in a a a little bit it's <laughs> true. It happened yeah, because of the because of the Monkey King staffs that they that all the right. Rangers have. It's it's one of those things of like if I had a nickel every time it happened, I would have three nickels. But it's still weird that I, it happened that many times. <laughs> <laughs> it's st- still more than no nickels, <laughs> right? You would have fifteen cents in total balls. It's just—it's just weird Purple that it kept it happened a few times. That, because that's an—I think that is an actual technique with staff fighting. Okay. I mean, listen—it's—it's it's kind of an off switch if you really think about it. It, so, it yeah. is, but, it's a, uh, it's a, it's but anyway, we do have one sort of related but not related villain to talk about. He. Re- Showed up several times. Demon Fistmaster, Jin Matoba, or the uh, the Hungry Wolf Demon, because he was a monster of the week, technically, for an episode. Mr. Fist of the North Star himself, played by Yutaka Hirose. You're already dead. <laughs> That's the only bit of Fist of the North Star I know is the hero's catchphrase. You're already dead. <laughs> Basically, if you've Later seen this style, <laughs> if you've seen this dude do his thing, you kind of have a good sense of what Fist of the North Star is the, about. The, the, mm-hmm. the design is almost, it's almost down to, what is that guy's name? Like Kenshi or something like the uh, Ken in Fist of the North Star, the main character. It's almost exactly the same thing, which I think makes sense because I think Toei made that anime. So they're just Makes ripping sense. themselves off. There, there were, there was also, and this is a rabbit hole way too crazy to get down into here, but there was a, uh, a, a kind of a epidemic, if you want to say it like that, of fist of the North star inspirations and or knockoffs going on mm-hmm. across Asia at the time. Yeah. Um, late in, you know, the, the early nineties, there were just, everyone was trying to do fist of the North star. Uh, South Korea did a lot of unauthorized fist of the North mm-hmm. star stuff. Uh, it was insane. Again, too much to get into here, but right. seeing a character that's inspired by that world and that property in something made in 1993 makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, Out of curiosity, Travis, did you look up his fighting style? No, no, I didn't. Um, So I his fighting style is one punch. Yeah, yeah, basically one punch. This guy, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. This guy is introduced as an unrelated villain, a rival for Rio, who is this murderous mm-hmm. martial artist, and I do mean murderous. I, yeah. He was just going around just killing martial arts masters just to prove that he was better. Every time, every time he and Rio interact in battle, it's always really good. I think. Yeah, so they're, and they're great. Good lord, it's, there's so much testosterone on screen when they have to <laughs> fight. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, so Rio is ripping his off and showing off that he's like Bruce Lee buff and fifty you percent know, testosterone. <laughs> 40% sweat and 10% spit. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So it's, it's a, a it's a very tried and true, I know, kind of martial arts movie trope where it's this, you know, this young martial artist who thinks that who is just so exceptionally skilled and powerful that he goes around and finds masters and mm-hmm. just starts killing them to prove that he's better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Because of revenge. Yes. <laughs> it... it I, I, when I was and watching this, I'm like, honor. I feel like I feel like somebody played Tekken because actually I think this was before <laughs> Tekken because this reminded me of Tekken, where his master, he was training with his master at the top of a cliff, and then he fell off the cliff, and his master does reach down to try to help him, but then says, "No, I'm going to let you go because you need to learn how to be strong." <laughs> so you could say that we're Tekken some inspiration from. Yeah. Him. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You so, yeah, so initially he comes by. Oh, guys, and we no, his uh, his master literally cuts his hand off lets and him lets fall. him fall. Hey, because mm-hmm. he has a metal fall. hand. Don't you hate it when I just uh, bad guys cut cut people's hands off, Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I I just I just call that Tekken Kara business. Taking care of business. Yeah. So initially, Um, he's actually not supposed to be a superhuman character, but he's a villain for Rio. And then Zydos gives him a power up. Yep. (laughs) He becomes, it gives him Fist of the North Star mode. And then he comes back a couple more times. One time he did turn into a werewolf, basically. And that werewolf monster did get on Power Rangers. Skelarina or Skela? Yeah, because he was yeah. a, it was a skeletal, it was a skeletal wolf, and so so he has this rivalry with Rio every time he shows up because Rio feels responsible for him. There's a really interesting episode where Rio basically tries to kill him with kindness, which I thought was a, mm. was kind of fascinating because the it whole time he's just of, trying to be nice to him, trying to help works him out. Too mm-hmm. kind of works. Mm-hmm. You guys want to know a secret? Anyway, Travis, you were going to say something. What was it? You guys want to know a secret? Um, What? So because I was trying to cram uh, all of these episodes into two days, uh, I skipped over these episodes uh, and the episodes with the the next characters we're going to talk about. (laughs) So um, I'm only going off of my memory of when I saw it on Tokushatsu and not a a not recent memory. So yeah, (laughs) that's fine. I had to look, look, I I was okay. When I thought about watching this show, I was like, okay, I'm going to rewatch this show to, to, for the podcast. And I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'll skip over the filler episodes. Then you start watching and it's like, where's the filler episodes? (laughs) (laughs) I kept waiting for a filler episode. There's not a whole lot of fat on this series. There is no filler in the show. show. 
<laughs> yeah, there's not a so lot of So I had to skip show, anyway, something somewhere. So, so I skipped on... Jin and I skipped the three Gorma Stooges. <laughs> right, right. But anyway, so you. thoughts on so thoughts on Fist of the North Star. <laughs> no, he's pretty, cool. he's, pretty, uh, he's pretty cool. I like his coin that he flips. Nice redemption story. Monsters <laughs> of the week time. J- J- Travis, you'll appreciate this. When I saw his coin, I think I wrote in my notes. I was like, what is that? Is that a shocker coin? Because it had a skull on it. It did. It, it looked skull like it. it should belong to shocker. I thought it was a pirate like thing. Like, uh, was it, was it like taken off of the, um, the black pearl or something? The black pearl. Yeah, no, it possible. was taken off the black pearl, Travis. It was. Taken yes. Off. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, just like- a fun fact: the actor here has actually been in a lot of Super Sentai. Most of it was pre-Power Rangers Super Sentai, but this was the his last role in Super Sentai. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. what a way to go out! Yeah, yeah. Monsters of the Week, you guys. Let's do it. I hope. Uh, okay, so hope as never, usual I, I with never Super Sentai, I try to. Granted. What Tekken for granted? There you go. <laughs> anyway, so as usual with Monsters of the Week, I try to zero in on ones personally that were not in Power Rangers because there are a handful of them. Now that we, I couldn't do there that in Zoo Ranger because all of the Zoo Ranger monsters made it to Power. Right? Rangers. Yeah, there are a few, and and honestly, your, your list is your list is a good list to go off of. So we'll just kind of go through these together. Right. I, but I think one. Danny. I think I, Danny has a few who are not. I have a, I have a couple Did I picked you, uh, that aren't. Okay. I'll I'll go through them very quickly. Yeah, There's not the, a lot to say. The, They're just what's interesting is Die Ranger was a little fond in a couple of cases of having trios of monsters mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Yeah. would bother our Rangers a little bit. Except and in one case, one of them made it to Power Rangers. Huh? Except for the four heavenly Gorma Kings. <laughs> that was the four Gorma monsters. King. No, four, no. Well, the individual ones did, but their combined form got to Power Rangers. Yes. Yes, it did. Right. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Yeah. His, his name was Forehead. We yeah. get it. Monster. Yeah. Yeah. We get it, guys. So anyway, the first one I wanted to highlight are one of them made it into power rangers one of them the, the three gorma stones. stooges yeah. is what you're talking about so the you know the three they just call them the three stooges which are these translations are different than what the subtitles give in mm-hmm. on the on Tubi and shout factory which is company president gravestone who's the one who made it to power rangers in a completely made different it to context. the halloween episode yeah 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 completely different context then we had teacher telephone or i think in the Shell Factory subtitles, she was, I think, uh, Telephone Sensei. Telephone Sensei. Telephone Sensei. And yeah. then they uh, here he's called Boss Kamikaze, which I think was translated, like I said, a little bit different. In in the Shout Factory version, it's uh, General Kamikaze. Gen- General, General Kamikaze. General Kamikaze. Yeah. Baby! Baby! Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, I love it's Elijah. Three. He had a little more energy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I love these three characters um, yeah, so much. They're, they're they're completely ridiculous. The Gorma Stooges, which is again translated different. If you listen, there's calling them Sanbaka. So it could you could also translate it as the three idiots, the three fools. But Stooges works just fine. Right. Oh look, right. there's that word again, Baka. Wow, that sounds. Yeah, we familiar, keep, <laughs> keep hearing that pop up, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, anyway, so 
<laughs> so these they show up in a handful of episodes. They have a uh, they have a subplot with Kazu. Is it Kazu? Yep. Or is it Shoji? Shoji. No, Shoji. No. Have, yeah. Shoji. They, Shoji. And it's always sports themed. So I think they're, su- they're supposed to be Gorma monsters, but they're like Gorma monsters nobody likes. <laughs> they're the, they're, they're, the out- they're the outcasts. They're completely yeah. outcasts. They're, they're outcasts. They're complete lunatics. They're not good at their job. They're basically the monsters that uh, get sent out because I guess they're they're trying to... They're, they're, they haven't cooked up any more monsters recently. So they're like, well, let's just send these three absolute buffoons out to try to defeat the rangers and what's the only thing that we can exploit that these three lunatics know what to do oh we'll have them play soccer oh we'll have them play tennis uh well not tennis we'll have them play baseball, baseball. tennis would, tennis would have been funny baseball and soccer are the only ones and then they had a race a motorcycle and then they had a, race they had a because, motorcycle uh, because comic because general kamikaze like uh rides a motorcycle right. yes because he kind of is a motorcycle yeah, that is true. Which is, which is kind of funny. He's literally because yeah, it is. It's worth it's worth noting that most of the monsters in this show are the thing they are, and then arms and legs. Well, the thing is, is I'm looking at this, and I, General a President Gravestone is the obviously is the easiest one to adapt. I would say out of the three of them, I'm a little surprised they didn't use Telephone Sensei. And I, I, I think I know why they didn't use General Kamikaze because he is very obviously Japanese because he's got the old Japanese flag. <laughs> he is a oh, motorcycle, the, the sunrise with, flag, with the imperial flag on him. Yeah, yeah it's, it, and then uh, I mean, lit- like uh, literally, the telephone sensei is kind of a cute little robot girl, and she lifts. Like her head is a telephone that she lifts up she, off her neck. She's an old. Into. She's actually an old. Uh, what do they call those? Uh, the dial she's a phone. she's a rotary phone. Oh, she's yeah, an old she's, rotary yeah. phone. Yeah. Rotary phone. yeah. Are well, we going to oh, general back. and then the gravestone dude? Oh, I was going to say, okay. are we going to ignore the fact that these monsters uh, are supposedly six thousand years old, yet are all modeled after modern inventions <laughs> like you know, pachinko no, machines I, and I, telephones well, and. <laughs> That's, that's not that's not what i was go- that's not what i was gonna point to but that is a good point to where i was gonna piggyback off of uh um uh, travis did you have we have we noticed that this whole season centers around life force and the gorma are giving life to inanimate objects basically artificial life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mm-hmm. That's a very Japanese thing too. That's uh, that is. ties into uh, Tsukamagami yokai culture. Well, Shintoism, and, 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 and but Shintoism. also but uh, uh, Tsukamagami's Tsukamagami's, yeah, which is a whole but what, you'll, you'll, you'll but probably end up talking so, about so, in the next episode. So, so in theory, <laughs> in theory, Travis, they their spirits could be six thousand years old, but the things that they're but the things that they're inhabiting are not. Right. True. Possibly. True. Right. But anyway. So they're played for laughs and, and they are very genuinely funny. Like that's they the are, thing. they are pretty they are, funny. Yeah. And the running enjoyed, joke is that they're all, the, they don't the fight the Rangers. Want. Yeah. The, the running joke is they don't fight the Rangers. They play sports with the Rangers and then it looks like they die at the end, but they don't really, but they and can they never limp, go home. They limp off into the sunset on crutches every time. Yeah. And, and then even in their last episode, when I thought they were really just going to like, they were dead, dead. And that, Nope, they're not. And I'm like, Oh, come on guys. Yeah. Commit. And, <laughs> yeah, their, their beef with Shoji, I think is actually really interesting because again, all of the characters, the rate, the die Rangers have 
someone that they are kind of tied to that helps them grow or like just it's something like that. We've gone through them all, but it's worth mentioning here that in the first episode with the Gorma Three Stooges, there's no indication that they're even going to really, I mean, you kind of hope they come back because they limp off into the sunset, but it's the second episode that's the most interesting. The, um, the, the baseball episode where they come, these three, the three, the three Stooges come to Shoji and Rin, but mostly to Shoji, and they say, we don't want to be Gorma anymore, but in order for us to get out of our contract with them, basically, in order for them to let us go, we have to win a baseball game against you so that they won't kill us, and then after that, we're going to split town and make, you know, be good good people, basically. We're going to reform. Right. And it's so, it seems like it's a very obvious trap. They want the Die Rangers to throw the baseball game and lose on purpose, right? And Shoji wants to give them the benefit of the doubt. So he goes up to specifically Kamikaze and he says, man to man, I'm going to choose to trust you. I am going to choose to trust you on this, man. And they shake hands and they formulate a plan uh, to throw the game very strategically and right up until the last moment, Shoji, who's just tortured over this because he just wants to believe them so much. And you think that the episode is going to teach him that having faith in the goodness of, of these characters is the moral lesson. But it turns out it was all a trick and they really were lying <laughs> the whole time. Right. Um, and that ticks Shoji off because he feels like his trust has been completely betrayed which it has and so that fuels this this vendetta for the rest well most of the rest of the show where he what he's like i will never forgive them for taking advantage of a man-to-man agreement they destroyed my trust they broke the honesty and that leads into the third episode where they have a race just him and kamikaze and at the bitter end kamikaze makes the decision to sacrifice himself and win the race. There's a bomb at the end of the, of the track. So he gets blown up and Shoji is allowed to live. And so redeems himself and the other two stooges for the bad decision that they made to trick him in the previous episode. And that teaches Shoji lessons about trust and redemption. And um, it turns out that the stooges don't die at the end and you don't see them again, unless, unless you count like the little psychic flashes that motivate the Rangers later. But that's that's the that's in, that's interesting that's an interesting tie between the monsters of the week or in this case like four or five weeks and um and one of the rangers you don't really get that often at least from what i've seen um having that much motivation and that much back and forth between one character and these three recurring goofballs which is one of the reasons that they're so they're so memorable right yeah yeah it's like if if a squat and Babu were like central to Billy's development as a character. You know, it's yeah. You just don't get it that often. Yeah. You don't no. get that. No. 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 And then the next trio I wanted to highlight were the three ladies. These were Akumaru's personal bodyguards. They're three lady monsters who are all themed around jewelry. So we have Lady Ring, Lady Necklace, and Lady Earring. Lady Ring made it into Power Rangers as Nimrod the Scarlet Sentinel. Well, they all three made it into Power Rangers. Yeah, but, the, well, yeah, but the other two were 
only in it this briefly. Is... Lady Ring as Nimrod was the primary. Mm, I mean, they were in that last episode with with the Tiger Zord. Like they they had a pretty significant role in that final battle. I wouldn't just say, in I wouldn't the fight. Just in the fight. The, right, the story revolved around Nimrod. Nim- yeah, the the statue because it was a statue because yeah. it was some kind of peace day whatever the hell statue that they right. used to <laughs> make the monster. Right. So I guess all three of them kind of made it, but it took me kinda, longer than I hate to admit to realize that their monster forms were like her her upper body is a hand with the, her mm-hmm. face being the ring on the finger and lady necklace ring, is yeah. a is a giant neck and she like stretches her neck out and has a necklace around it and you know of course the lady earring is the most obvious because she has the big earlobes and stuff but it's just like i it was like that is really interesting design work mm-hmm it took me longer. It took it took me longer to make the connection with Lady Ring than it did with the other two, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I said, they were Akamaru's personal bodyguards. They would give the Rangers trouble. They didn't. I don't think they ever actually fought the Rangers as a trio. They always did it one at a time, which seemed like a flaw in their plan. But no, all, well, all three of them oh, well. fought the 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 rangers but they mecca they never fought the mecca as a trio because uh um kiba ranger uh ko killed lady earring while he was still in you know still as a ranger when they were when she was still small and then the other two Mm. sought revenge and then lady necklace ended up Mm. dying and so then it ended up being just lady ring who was left and they're and and they are sisters Mm. they're not just yeah. Three monsters. They are sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, next up is uh, for me on my list is another monster. This was another one that did not make it to Power Rangers. Birdcage Vagrant. <laughs> He's on my list too. <laughs> so He's- Birdcage Vagrant. <laughs> <laughs> He is the a he's literally guys like for anyone who hasn't seen this we cannot emphasize enough the fact that this is literally a bird cage with two arms one leg a peg leg and he calls people amigo because he and also he has a, a sombrero. sombrero it is a bird cage wearing a sombrero uh, <laughs> that, if that's not the most magical thing you've ever heard in your life I don't know what to tell you if that's too wacky for you then Sentai might not be for you. Um, because that's, it's so, I reckon like it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Birdcage vagrant. Um, I would love also, to know why they skipped this one. <laughs> I mean, probably because they watched it and they're like, well, no mere mortal could explain this to anyone and sound sober. Right. It's a, <laughs> I mean, they it's already a had, they, they are, they technically already had one sombrero monster and that was the cactus. So that's right. a card you can only play once, apparently. Right. Now, although the funny thing is, his, they didn't use the monster, but they used his cape. Oh. In Scissorator. That's funny. Oh, also, yeah. That's interesting. So I also yeah. wanted to point out the uh, the bird the bird that he summons out of his cage, the bird puppet, which is actually kind of creepy. Um, the, the way that they did that, that puppet bird, whatever the heck it was supposed to be. And Michael, you'll appreciate this. 
uh, the scenes with the cage being uh, carried by the bird and they're following him. Very Clash of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Very, very much, Clash yeah. of the Titans with the vulture, uh, which is a, mm. I adore that film. But yes, and he also, it should also be mentioned that Birdcage Vagrant drives a broken down old van. And that's just, <laughs> that's how he gets around. <laughs> And he was thrown out of the Gorbachev. And he looks like a hobo. He looks like a hobo in in human form, and frankly, in his monster form too. But he got thrown (laughs) out of the he got thrown out of the Gorma tribe for being a drunk. Uh, He was so drunk one night that the thing that made him unbeatable his 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 kicking his golden metal kicking leg was cut off. (laughs) His vagrant kick. His vagrant (laughs) kick, and so they they they. So they they threw him out for being a drunken a hole, and they sealed his they sealed his leg away in a pot. Uh, this is what it's just you can't. You, there's no way to describe this and not sound like you're on something. Well, and also should be noted that his power is that he has a pocket dimension inside of himself. He That's has why he is yes. cage. His cage, the cage that is him. He is a cage. The cage that is he is a functional cage that he can suck people into. <laughs> Um, into a pocket dimension <laughs> into a pocket dimension inside of himself uh which is also where he stores the bird which <laughs> which is interesting uh this is just this is if this sounds insane two things one it is and two this is what sentai does this is sentai this is right. this is in the dna of sentai and it's just uh this this guy is one like one of the reasons that Sentai works for me so much is it's just so wacky. Who would think to do this? Hobo, vagrant, bus driving, sombrero wearing, sentient birdcage with Megleg. <laughs> and it is one of my favorite things that the especially early Tokusatsu or, or even like early Heisei Tokusatsu uh, does, which is the these villains with extremely crazy costumes just driving around in normal vehicles uh and, <laughs> yes. and the, the the leather the leather bunch also does that to a, a few episodes and i just i just leather, love it it's something well bunch, it, i mean the bunch, van, van is the van is a little bit eccentric i mean come on it looks like a hippie van True, but but I just I, it's something that we've talked about. Me and Nathan have talked about in uh, Henshin Men uh, with Common Rider. You know, back in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, probably all the way until the two thousands. Uh, they they really they just had this the wackiest looking costumes on these monsters and these characters, but just driving around the most normal sedans, <laughs> just going around. It's so charming. <laughs> It's it great. Is. I it love is. it. Charming. Yeah. It's so great. All right. The next monster I want to highlight is not in Power Rangers, but it almost was. There was an unmade episode in season two, and he was supposed to be the monster of the week, but it didn't happen. And that's Pot Taoist. Pot Taoist. Pot Taoist, who's literally a party pot. crasher monster. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were going to have an episode centered around Aisha that was called Party Crasher. And he was going to be the monster of the week in that. It would have centered around Aisha and her mother. But hmm. it didn't happen. Interesting. Interesting. So that's why I put an asterisk next to him because he almost was in Power Rangers. So close. Yeah. So close I'm guessing he would have so been called Party Crasher. I don't know. Potty just, Crasher? I, I don't know. <laughs> that's what happens when you have too much but Taco that actually <laughs> I want that to be his official name now 
<laughs> but he, the, the people be like, but he's not a toilet. <laughs> but he's going to say that, that's a very slippery slope of a name. Uh, that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Porcelain throne. Danny, but, yeah. For the sake of time, did you have any more on your list? I just wanted to throw, I, I just wanted to throw in ever so briefly, just two more. Uh, one of which is lipstick songstress. <laughs> For a couple of reasons. One, the name. Which I think was Lip Sinker in Power Rangers. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a giant stick of lipstick with other lipstick sticking out of the lipstick. It's amazing. Uh, so shout out to Lipstick Songstress. And finally, my boy, possibly my favorite monster in the entire show. Kabuki Kozo! Yes! <laughs> yes! His giant he... kabuki head. What his was ability... his name in Power Rangers, Michael? Uh, that was... It was, um... it was still kabuki-themed. I just can't remember. Was it kabuki? No, it, it was kabuki. No, it was... Oh, crap. It was the um, it was the little alien guy that... They, yeah, because yeah, com- it the... was a completely... They completely um, recontextualized that character. Oh, they he did. was not a despicable uh, little Bukla, punk. Bukla, Bukla, Bukla. Yeah, because he wasn't a, a despicable a, a little punk. He was supposed to be a, 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 like a very confused alien child. So you, yes. you felt sorry yeah. for him. It was one of the first right. monsters the Rangers didn't kill. Kabo- no, is it Kabukla? I think it's Kabukla. So they were trying to they make tried. a play on words with Kabuki. Yeah. They tried that's funny <laughs> but yeah so the be, only so the only other down. one the last one that i wanted to highlight was that just one that only because it made the hat only because it had the the hat trick and because it, it was in sentai it was in power rangers and it was in vr troopers um and that was the chief of staff Cock- bukala yeah bukala he bukala. said bukala nathan well no then yeah. he said kabukala so Whatever. Whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> it was Bukala, and and the by the way, the robot form, the robot form did appear too as Weldo in uh, Mighty Morphin's Power Rangers too. Weldo, yeah, 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 yeah. Medium. Well, now we know where, where's Weldo? Where's Weldo? <laughs> so now we need to talk about the Mecha, the mythical key or chi, whichever you prefer, beasts. These are the Thunder Zords. Yes. And yes. like with and like with Zhu Ranger, we're told that they're alive. They are they are living beings. They're not just robots, but they don't lean into that a whole lot after the first probably right. four or five episodes. Right. But you know, I don't know how sentient they are, but they are alive. So in terms of design, we've talked about the Thunder Zords already. But Travis, you were going to educate us a little bit about them. So I haven't listened to your uh, your episode where you talked about the the Meg- Thunder Zord, so I don't know how much of this I'm going to uh, go back over and repeat what you guys have already talked about. But um, so Riosio, shame on you, uh, Travis. I know. Well, when you're putting out four and five hour long episodes, my goodness, I can only keep up with so much. <laughs> There's only so much marching I can handle. Shows how much you really care, <laughs> Travis. There's only so much Michael I can handle. So, so uh, no Ryuseo, so Ryuseo, uh, the the Azure Dragon. He's the uh, Avalon Dragon. So he's one of the four main Chinese uh, mythological creatures in Chinese mythology. He's associated with East and Spring. It's very common in Asian culture. I don't think anybody's shocked by the you know or or 
doesn't know what a uh, a Chinese dragon or an Asian dragon is. Um, uh, yeah. The one thing I did want to talk about with Ryuseo uh, is Ryuseo has has his warrior mode and his warrior mode is modeled a little bit after uh the monkey king uh so yeah yes so goku uh journey to the west West, yes so uh he that's why he has the staff that he uses to fight um and there's a few like uh the 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 like square-ish spirals that they i forget what how what they're called but the square spiral designs that they have that he has in his um around his headband and other things is also part of that so yeah so he so the the fight mode the warrior mode is modeled after uh the the monkey king whereas the uh beast mode (laughs) is modeled after the avalon dragon or the azula dragon so right so that's that's real. No, I don't know how uh, many you want me to cover. Well, you know, we have Juan Tiger, who's another one, another one of those mythical beasts. I've talked about that on the film vault. Yeah. So Juan uh, Tiger is yeah. a is a uh, white tiger. That's part of the four main Chinese uh, mythological mm-hmm. creatures. Uh, he is the king of all animals in Chinese culture and is often depicted with the yep. character for king written on his forehead. And uh, in mm-hmm. Japanese, the white tiger is called Byako, which if you've been listening mm-hmm. for this now nearly five hour episode, uh, <laughs> you would recognize Byako as the name of the sword. So he's literally just white mm-hmm. tiger sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daimugen is a turtle and that's another one of the guardian beasts. Mm-hmm. If you've watched yep. Gamera 3, you know all about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. he's the... Which one is he? I'm trying to remember which cardinal direction is he? Oh, he I don't is remember. Is he... South? South? South, he? yeah. Okay. Pretty sure, yeah, I think it's south. Yeah, because the dragon is dragon is east, uh, tiger is west, and I'm pretty sure the the, the turtle is south, and then there's the, the right. uh, phoenix that is... Uh, or the bird that is uh, the ho yes, yeah, yeah, or is no, or is the ho different? No, so, so, okay, so th- this is what I wanted to talk about earlier, or what I mentioned when right. I said that the Ranger Wiki has it wrong. So, the Ranger Wiki, if you look at the Ranger Wiki, it says that Rin's motif and her Zord is after the uh, Vermilion bird. Now, the vermilion bird is a Mm. Chinese mythological creature. It is a bird that looks kind of like a pheasant and has flames. So it's very it's associated a lot with the phoenix uh, in Western culture. You know, we kind of like, you know, mirror it in Western culture with the phoenix. But the vermilion bird in Japanese is not called the ho-oh. The ho-oh is actually what is called fengkuang. In uh, Chinese, I know I'm mispronouncing that. That is the phoenix that is the king of all birds. And so the way I explained it to Nathan uh, was it's kind of like the difference between saying the an angel and saying Michael the archangel. Like Michael the archangel, you right. know, it, it's a it's a higher it's a higher up in the line of mythological creatures than the vermilion bird so 
that's something that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. If, if whoever's out there wants to cha- make an edit on the Ranger Wiki, that needs to be done. But we know, I know it's the Ho-O or the Fang Huang, uh, not the Vermilion Bird, because she is literally called the Ho-O Ranger. Right. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. also Ho-O being the uh, Pokemon. So, you know, we got that. Yes. Too. Yeah. Uh, there is a Pokemon with that. Who are you the calling funny a thing. <laughs> anyway, the interesting thing about this is that the Power Ranger names that they're given to these Zords are not too far off from their original ones. Uh, the the Kieran is a little is off. Kieran is the, in yeah. The in the yeah. uh, in the show it's it's the Griffin, but it's in in mm-hmm. this it's the Kieran the a Kieran and a and a Griffin. The Kieran dragon is is different than the uh, than right. the Griffin. It's a different type yeah. of right. animal. Yeah. So um, uh, a Kieran is a dragon like hoofed animal with antlers. So it look it kind of mm-hmm. if you look at pictures of it, it kind of has like the head of a dragon, the antlers of a deer, but the body of a horse. And anybody mm-hmm. who has yeah. seen Princess Mononoke would know mm-hmm. that the Kirin is the inspiration for the the fear uh, the forest spirit in Princess Mononoke. Right. right. So, what are the Shishi and the Tenma? So, the Shishi is is related to the the um, Shiza. Uh, anybody who knows uh, Godzilla would know King Caesar or Shiza, oh, King Shiza. So. The Shisa lion, so that's a the, so that's an Okinawan thing specifically, but they uh, were so based, the guardian lion. Yes, yep. so they're based on the Shishi, which is the Chinese guardian lion that is, that protects like temples and things like that. That is mm-hmm. what a Shishi is. Now a a Tenma, a Tenma is a winged horse uh, in Chinese folklore and Chinese mythology. It's in huh. appearance. It's reminiscent to a Pegasus, but Pegasus. in mm. actual mythology, it's not because the Pegasus has a lot of mythology behind it that, you know, uh, it was born from Medusa. It has a brother, all this kind of stuff like mm-hmm. that. Whereas the, the Tenma, Tienma, uh, is not like that. It's, it is an actual creature. It's an actual animal. Um, mm. And the Tianma actually appears in Shang-Chi along with, uh, if you have seen the, huh. the Shang-Chi movie, it also appears alongside other ones like the Vermilion Bird, the, right. the Shishi, and is also... That the, um, the is that the white horse when they first come to the valley? Is that the white horse that they're seeing? Yes. Is that the Tenma? Uh, yes, I think so. Okay, right. I th- I, it's been a while since I've seen right. Shang-Chi, but that, I think that's when where it is. Right. And the well, in, in power form. in in Power Rangers, it's it's referred to as the unicorn, but it's more so reminiscent. It it's more closely related to a Pegasus. Is that what I heard you say? Mm, but it's yes, not yeah. even the same thing as a Pegasus. And I think there's sometimes they did call it Pegasus. I was a little confused on that one. Yeah, in, uh, Pegasus I've sometimes. heard. Go ahead. In, in the translations, in the in the translations. Uh, and in the 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 captions, they did say Pegasus. They referred to it as Pegasus, mm-hmm. but I don't know about the. I can't remember the Thunderzord what it was called. I, I think, think it was they, I, like I said, I unicorn. think sometimes it was Unicorn, sometimes it was Pegasus. But the other thing I want to mention is the Gosei Gatai Dairen O, which is the combined form, the 
Thunder Megazord, as mm-hmm. they call them, Power Rangers, is modeled after Chinese armor. Yes. So that's something else. So yeah. the Chinese influence is all over this thing. Oh, for yeah. sure. And I know there's something, uh, Michael, you were looking up something about the name, Dairen O. You want to tell us about uh, that? Is it Great King? Um, uh, I can't, what does Ren stand uh, for? Oh great, oh, great, beautiful king. Great, beautiful king. Uh, well, or Ren great can also... King. Ren, yeah, it's like a... Ren, it, it, Ren, Ren can also mean... Like a coming together like of multiple parts Mm -hmm. so is in this context it's like a combined great king Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about daijin ryu the sentai serpentera who is very different (laughs) well it's it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's the difference between a Zord that runs on, on double A batteries versus a gigantic <laughs> dragon God who restores balance by destroying everything. So yeah, there's a little yep. bit of a difference there. He's a very interesting wild card third party in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just kind of comes seemingly out of nowhere. It starts to make a little bit more sense once the show's central theme of good versus evil being a a recurrent thing across history kind of becomes nailed down. Basically, I don't know what he would, you would say maybe he shows up like two thirds of the way through the show or something like that. Uh, round episode. It's like, his first episode is episode 37. I had to go back and look. Oh, so okay. It's 37. okay. So it's a little bit later in the show, but basically it gets to the point where anytime the die and the Gorma are, are fighting, this giant thing shows up and just starts destroying cities. Yep. And con- mind controlling people to suicide. <laughs> um, it's incredibly <laughs> dark. Leap to your doom. <laughs> it's incredibly dark. Um, but yeah, the, the, I mean, there's a lot that could be said that you guys already covered when you talked yeah, about. I mean, he even made some people jump and Kaku had to save them. Yes. Also, uh, yeah. just to save time, can we all just agree that this is mutually our also ultra SFX robot award? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had something else just to have something different, but good yeah. grief. I mean, this, I mean, the, the tokusatsu this my, on this thing is crazy. Oh, it's gorgeous. They, out, was, they outdid themselves with effect, this. This was my effect award for when we talked about season two. It is, it still stands. Uh, I tried to pick some stuff that was not in Power Rangers, but the Daijin Ryu suit the 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 tokusatsu mm-hmm. with that thing is the just model. so impressive that i can't. yeah it, it's a, it's a, it's so good it's so good i i it is. i kind of cheated and had it a, and had a runner up but no this is the winner this is the yeah. winner yeah, it, I, it is incredible tokusatsu. i like the the again we're coming back to some of um the the buddhism and taoism or taoism uh influence on this season in the series uh that you get this character who is kind of like a representation of balance between the, the Mm. yin and the yang or the, or the yo and the chi. And the Mm. fact that he just does not care, like he has no interest in preserving life. He has no interest in preserving humanity or the world. He, his entire being is about balance. And when it is out of balance and, and uh-huh. You have malevolence and benevolence. What is the center called? 
Is there a word for the center? I, I or it's just literally know. you don't you don't care. Like it's like you're you're. It's like not you're, apathy. You're, Maybe ambivalence. I was going to say ambivalence, but ambivalence and apathy are. Well, ambivalence is dangerously close to a, a synonym for apathy. Right. Uh, well, except ambivalence quite, is more like though. ambivalence is more like there's a mix of feelings. That's that's fair enough. That's fair. Apathy enough. is you feel nothing. Ambivalence is there's there's a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's the it's the middle of the teeter totter. It's the yeah. middle of the it's it's the balance. It's the, well, it's I, I what I what I called him when I was talking to you guys, uh, or Michael, um, in text or uh, in Nathan was he's the Bindu. Anybody who's watched mm-hmm. um, oh. pow, um, watched uh, Star Wars Rebels, I was going to say Power Rangers Rebels. That is a totally different show, um, which I am creating. <laughs> Nobody steal. That's, um, that's uh that's rpm rebel thunder that's rpm <laughs> rebel yeah. thunder rebel, no, rebel, uh, rebel force I rebel but, yeah i get it yeah um, if anybody who hasn't watched that rebel force. But any, <laughs> if anybody hasn't watched um star wars rebels if uh but you know something about uh, about star wars the basics of star wars you have the light side of the force and the dark side of the force you know the jedi use the light side of the force the sith uh, the bad guys use the dark side of the force but the bindu represents the middle uh he was neither light nor dark he just is and it mm-hmm. is a very interesting couple of episodes that you get in rebels um very great voice acting between kanan um the um freddie prince jr and tom baker doctor who's tom baker voice yes, yes. the bindu uh so that's but that's what i thought of when i thought of of uh uh the one that we're talking about why am i blanking Daijin Ryu. That's Daijin it. Daijin, Daijin, Ryu. Daijin Ryu. Yeah. Yeah. The that's that's who I thought of, and I kind of outnerded myself by that reference, I'm sure. Um, but also <laughs> Gamera in the Gamera trilogy from the Heisei trilogy uh is sort of kind of like this, where he's like, I'm more about protecting the mm-hmm. world and not necessarily protecting humanity. <laughs> and it kind of like I got a little bit I of that. It comes in this. through the most in Iris. It becomes it comes mm, through the, the, yeah. virus, uh, sure. the yeah. guardian, the guardian monsters in GMK or Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah giant monsters all out attack there. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like that. Uh, and you could potentially make the argument that monster vs. Godzilla is like that. You could, you absolutely uh, could kind of, a, you could because, yeah. because the monster vs. Godzilla is very gamma is very Heisei gamma in its presentation. For sure. Right. Right. Anyway, we got a little toku topic that I need to breeze through. Thankfully for all of you, I went through and highlighted the important notes, so this is going to be abridged. <laughs> but given all the talk of chi or ki in this, because it's brought up all the time, it's kind of treated like the force in this, which is why there was one article I looked at that just kind of cracked me up. It's opening line. I was sharing this with danny last night yeah we talked about this yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it said it starts off by saying key prana life force key anima chi ra inner wind numa and then if you're if for all of the christians listening to this holy spirit and i and i suddenly found myself thinking i now need a power ranger parody where their morphing call <laughs> is holy spirit activate 
Because <laughs> that I mean, would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? But anyway, so the key chi specifically is a loan word now in English, but we misspell it, which is why I think the sh- I was a little thrown off uh, when I was watching the Shout Factory subtitles. They actually spell it correctly. You're supposed to use an apostrophe. Yep. Between yep. H and I, but we don't do that <laughs> in English technically. So kudos to you, Shout, for technically doing it right. So to put it succinctly, in Chinese, particularly traditional Chinese culture and East Asian culture, qi, Q-I, because it's spelled several different ways. It's either Q-I, K-I, or C-H-I. It's believed to be the vital force that uh, forming in part, of, uh, in part of any living entity. And it literally means, and now there's a whole, th- there was like a whole section that I looked at. It was just on the etymology of this word, but it, you literally means either vapor, air, or breath, which I think is interesting right there when you start right. digging into what the concept actually means. But it's usually translated as like QI. That spelling is usually translated as either vital energy, vital force, or material energy, or just energy. So it's you know, it's like the force. It is, it's an, what, how did Obi-Wan put it? It's an energy field generated by all living things. It, it surrounds us, 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 it binds us. us. Yeah, it penetrates it, us, binds it, us. It binds the galaxy together, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it is a central underlying principle of traditional Chinese medicine, which apparently is officially abbreviated TCM. That threw me off the first time I saw it because when you say TCM to me, I think Turner Classic, Turner classic, classic movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so in in uh, traditional Chinese medicine and a lot of Chinese, you know, just in history and mythology and everything like that, the idea that uh, the energy that flows through your body and th- flows through the universe can be blocked or can be disrupted by certain things and so by using things like uh acupuncture or acupressure or right. uh martial arts or or med- certain medicines and stuff can actually help with the flow of chi uh chi is also part of feng shui which is you know the yep, idea i'm gonna get into that actually oh, okay i didn't know mm-hmm. no that's fine well, hurry up Nathan. It up here now i'm working on it so people who believe in key call it a vital force but it's not but it's pseudoscientific there used to be a vital energy scientific notion but that's since been abandoned so you know but there are people i found articles from people who really bought into this as like oh, yeah. being a scientifically accurate thing which is kind of interesting it's still it's still a foundational so, you know, the funny thing in chinese whole... medicine and and uh a lot of people i mean it, it is a foundation in buddhism and a lot of religions too and taoism and things like yeah. that so mm-hmm. it's not it goes a back, uh, uh, goes back. Well, there's, a, there's a whole there's also a whole industry dedicated to like realigning your chakra or wherever the devil oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that chakra is prana which is the which is indian yeah it's hindu you know, but it's very similar to chi so it's a very yeah, similar yeah. thing but right, but the concept is still there. There's an entire industry dedicated to healing the the inner self or the inner mm-hmm. spirit, and the belief is if you heal mm-hmm. the inner self, the inner spirit, the rest of the body will follow. 
Right, right. And the this has been d- discussed in Chinese mythology in my source, mm-hmm. going all the way back to the 5th century BC. And there is a Western notion that's similar to this, which is humors. Have you guys heard about humors? Yeah, the yeah. four humors. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, Travis, can you remind everybody what, or just either of you guys, remind, uh, remind us all what humors are? Go for it, Travis. So the four humors were four uh, fluids that were in the body that if they became imbalanced could lead to sickness or illness. And so they were the three foundational things. Uh, I'm trying to remember it was the it was blood was one. Uh, there was the yellow bile. I think there's black bile, and then there's another one, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the four, what they what the four are. But they were they were three liquids that the fluids that kept your body and your spirit alive. And if they ever became out of balance, that's what made you sick. So a lot of medicine from back in that time period was built around keeping the the four humors in balance, which is why bloodletting was a thing because it was like you had too much blood right. in you. We had to g- get it out. Right, right. So we and we talked about its, its importance. Um, in, hmm? it, it, it's it's the four humors are blood, col, uh, collar, which is um, uh, yellow bile. It's mm-hmm. phlegm uh, or phleg flail phlegm, at p h l e g m. I believe that's phlegm. Yeah, phlegm. phlegm. That would be phlegm. phlegm. And then. And then black bile, and then black bile is the four yeah. humors. So Flynn was right. the one I forgot because I knew yellow bile and I knew right. uh, yeah. black bile. Right. So you know we talked about its importance with medicine and the disruption of it and how that can lead to illness. It's been like I said, it's been discussed by Chinese philosophers for a long time. Confucius, Mozi, Zhuangzi, they've all talked about it. The most interesting one I found was a guy named Mencius said that it could be a described as being an individual's vital energies and you could control it with well-integrated willpower. And when properly nurtured, you could extend it out from the human body into the universe. If you've played street fighter, those video mm-hmm. games, you know exactly what that is. Hadouken. 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 And, if you, and if you watch, uh, if you ever watched, uh, Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, the Kamehameha yep. is a key blast. So, yep, they use and they, they call use that out. They actually that. call it key blast. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Because and if you the, remember our discussion on Jungle Fury, we talked about that, that was also yeah. a key blast. Yeah, we talked about that. Right, right. So we talked about how you know uh, you know it could lead to illness with being disruption, and the traditional Chinese medicine actually has names for some of those things. You know, it could talk calls the meridians or, mm-hmm. uh, Zhang Fu organs. And, uh, they use a lot of techniques with herbology, food therapy, physical training to, uh, to combat those and put them back into balance. And when we're talking about meridians, the meridian network in the body, there's two categories of them. It's the Jing Ma and the, I am probably horribly butchering these names, but the, the Liu Mai, which travel throughout the body at, and they create quote unquote unique points called acupoints, which is what acupuncture is, you know, mm-hmm. is centered around. And there's 400 of them, they according mm-hmm. to the uh, traditional Chinese medicine in the body. And they're located along and 20 if I'm not mistaken, major pathways. If I'm not mistaken, the majority of them are in your face and neck. Right. 
Right. And there are 12 principal meridians that correspond to organs that are divided into yin and yang groups because yin and yang factors heavily into this as well. Mm -hmm. And there are four types of key. Here you go. So there's four types of these things. You have parental key, which is key that you inherit from your parents at conception. And then after conception, it's stored in your kidneys. There is pectoral key or zong key, which is produced through breathing and it's stored in your chest. Hence pectoral key. There's nutritional key or ying key that you get from eating food and it's responsible for circulation. And then there's defensive key or way key that is for protecting the body from illness. It is the yang of nutritional key, meaning that it's derived from eating food, but it serves a different purpose. So, so I guess that's defensive key is your immune system, as we would understand it from a scientific point of view, possibly. But is there a but is there a sexual key ling? <laughs> I did find Sexual. a I did find a subheading that dealt with that, but we're not going into that because we're trying to be PG thirteen and failing. Man, th- I'm really glad I didn't say it stored in the kidney because that wouldn't have been funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there oh, are five cardinal functions of key. Here you go. You have actuation. So that is responsible for maintaining the vital life energy of the body. And that includes all the different functions with the meridians and the Zhang Fu organs and the blood. And if there's a key deficiency, then the, the these substances are negatively impacted and that causes illness. There's warming. So key helps produce heat to regulate body temperature. And... The it says a deficiency can lead to lowered body temperature, cold limbs, and a disposition into hot drinks. Hmm. And then there's defending, so the it defends the body against pathogens and external elements, so basically your immune system. And then containment. Key is responsible for ensuring that the body's organs and fluids are in prop are in their proper places. So it's regulating all of that. Man, and then he if does a lot. Yeah, and he if there's like a the deficiency, best. and then if there's a key deficiency, they can result in symptoms that have to do with body fluids and organ problems. And then there's also tra- transformation. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, but not how you're thinking. <laughs> now, key is responsible for transforming nutrition and air into different subsets of key like your blood. But I guess we could tie it to the show if we wanted to. Now, there are different practices. Pretty, mm-hmm. That's pretty blood key interesting, if you ask me. Yeah, that was terrible. Is it possible that we've been recording too long, gentlemen? We might have. Mm-hmm. Now, really qu- now, really quickly, there are several practices, because you could do an entire podcast on this whole concept. So I'm just giving you a brief primer on this to you know, make sense of what we're seeing in this show. This, you know, because this is a very much a fantastical interpretation of these concepts. There are several practices that do involve key or chi. 
One is feng shui, as you mentioned, Travis. It is a, and I was not from, I was familiar with this practice, but I was not familiar with this term for it. And that is geomancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, now that's a word I haven't heard in a hot minute. Right. Yeah. So it's a Chinese art and it's about the placement and arrangement of space. Yeah. The big joke with it is that people will talk about how they want to redo the feng shui by moving all their furniture around because that's an, you know, that's an, an idea, but you're moving objects around to help with the circulation of energy. Right. You know, the, the five elements, the yin and yang and all that sort of stuff. There is a, there is a Japanese practice called Reiki, which yes. is a form of, alter, which is an alternative medicine that's called energy healing. And they think that the, the practitioners think uh, that they can do palm healing with hands-on healing through a universal energy that could be transferred through the palm. And yeah, that came up and at then one point when we were doing a podcast. That's I forget which podcast we were talking we or which which movie we were reviewing, but that came up at one point in something. Ah, uh, Kaiju Weekly. Uh, yeah, I think on Kaiju Weekly. Yeah, mm. it was. It was something. What a, was it? Maybe when we were doing Shang Chi, that it came up. It but... might have been. Might have been. Mm-hmm. It might have been. Right. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And and then there's Qigong, which is the actual practice of cultivating and balancing your chi, and you can you do that through breathing and movement and quote unquote awareness. It has roots uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, philosophy, and martial arts. And Qigong, they also have the, the and, and I know it's going to sound bad, but they have the Qigong balls, which are the two ones that you <laughs> roll around in your hand. That's, yeah, that go is, on. Oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I've, I've actually, oh, really? I just watched, uh, I just rewatched Tron Legacy, and there's a scene where Clue has a couple of those, and he just plays with them in his hand. Yeah, they're, they but they're actually I mean, a part I'd... of, like, um, of this idea of kind of exercising your hands and your body and keeping things in balance and keeping oh, things moving. Oh, I'm sure they are. <laughs> anyway. Helps your prostate, too, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway but it's something that but something relevant to qigong that goes with die ranger is qigong practitioners say that they can see key energy in auras what's what do what are the morphers called in this they're called aura changers aura changers yeah aura changers so basically these qigong masters have basically a quote unquote natural x-ray because they, you know, because they claim that they can actually not only see people's auras, but they can actually detect illnesses and see problems with internal organs and they can figure out if you're pregnant. Wow. That's a pretty private thing between me and my aura. Like I don't want people seeing my auras. Like it just seems like a violation. Apparently you just can't help it. It just seems like, like a violation of my aura privacy or something. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, the, you have to send away for the 3D glasses in order to see it, though. So it's fine. Right. Or you have, you <laughs> have to get the right box of cereal. Right. Now, there is a... Uh, here's something for... Remember, this was the name of one of our villains. There is a key-focused internal force called Jin in martial arts. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And a lot of so, them are Jim, Chinese martial arts. I have a whole list that I'm not going to go into all of them, but, you know, Tai Chi, Southern Praying Mantis, Snake Kung Fu, Southern Dragon Kung Fu, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Aikido, Kendo, you know, there's yeah, a lot so of stuff there's, related to that. And I, I kind of hinted at when we were talking about it earlier, but in in Chinese martial arts, there's two types of martial arts that 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 are uh, there are two schools of thought when it comes to martial arts. There's the external and the internal. The there's the martial arts that is meant to help you uh, in defense, in fighting, in in kind of like all of the outward kind of benefits from it. Whereas you have your your tai chi and other forms that are internal, which are meant to help you kind of with your energy and and chi or ki and keep the energy flowing. And so they're in more internal. And some of them are both. And and Southern Dragon style is one that is both. Mm-hmm. Now, demonstrations of key or yeah, of key are popular with martial arts and have included such feats as the unraisable body, the unbendable arm, and feats of power. But a lot of these have been explained away by people as just being biomechanics and physics. Makes well, there sense. You go. And then Acupuncture is another one that uses it, but a, a lesser known one that I didn't know about until I looked this up, but moxibustion, moxibustion. That is a real word. <laughs> is it like ghostbustion? Uh, you would think so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is a treatment that involves burning mugwort on or near skin at an acupuncture point. Dude, you yep. can't say mugwort on this podcast. Watch your mouth. <laughs> Wow, you mugwort! Warn me before you start dropping, uh, so, dropping words so, like that. So, so, hang on. So there is a lot of stuff that goes into this key thing, this this key mm-hmm. chi, whatever you say, which is really interesting, and it's very it's tied to deep cultural roots, mm-hmm. which makes the discussion on who did it better a lot harder because yeah. they're just so incredibly different. Right. I do have yeah. one more thing to mention. Just one There's more. There's always quick list. one more thing, Nathan. There's just Always. one more. I know. I know. <laughs> He's but the Columbus this one, but it's just funny. It's just funny. You guys want to become die rangers? I got a recipe for you. Ooh, now I'm interested. Okay. What? All right, here you okay, go. Now I'm actually here are six yeah. ways to improve your key. So you too can be a die ranger. Tell me more. Get enough sleep. Work on your breathing. Try Tai Chi or Qigong. Give acupuncture a go. Balance your diet and take care of your mental health. Well, that's me out then. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? I had I, have I, to, was, I was with well, you up until and take have care of good your mental, mental health. health. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Isn't this just all stuff you should be doing normally anyway? Maybe not acupuncture. Yeah, that's why when I read Maybe that article, I'm like, I'm a little bit scared of needles. So, but I hear acupuncture, you can't really feel it. So, because no, it's the not needles painful. they use are so are so small. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I have, I have, I take issue with this because some of these characters who are, who are die rangers, they are, they do not have good mental health. (laughs) You tell me Shoji is mentally stable. I don't buy it. Ko Ko is mentally stable. (laughs) There's a lot of non-brain issues. Co is a deranged brat. What are you talking about? <laughs> there, there is, he is yeah. mommy and daddy issues rolled up into just a horny 10 year old. 
<laughs> like most of the show is about his mommy and daddy issues. <laughs> yes. So yes, many issues is. they literally made anyway, a 50 episode series about it. Anyway, who did it better? Like I Side said Ranger. at the beginning of the show. Yeah. This is hard to this is the hardest one out of all of them. No, it's not. It's Die Ranger. Die Ranger. It's Die Ranger. Well, no, I mean but, well, come on, dude. Let's, let's right. We know, I know, it's Die Ranger, but it's just it's just the, the adaptation is so weird in this. <laughs> Because it's adapted and yet it's not. That's what I'm getting at. Well, yeah. it's also, okay, so it, it, it makes it hard because they, because Power Rangers took, ba- like, the bare, I feel like what was the bare minimum from this show and recontextualized it because they were sort of, because Power Rangers was constrained and, um, beholden to the suits for one thing like the dot the the kiba ranger is the only one they brought over and mm-hmm. they kept the rest of the mighty morphin suits aside from some of the monster stuff and the zord footage there really wasn't a ton they brought over because i just don't un- i just don't understand i don't see how they actually could have because like i said this show has such deep cultural roots i think it mm-hmm. would have been lost on a lot of american audiences Right. I would yeah. agree with that. I just wish they had used the costumes, though, because the costumes. Oh, are yeah. So I they're wish they're so good. But I just. I, I wish would, they would have. Yeah. I would have paid money to be in the room when Haim Saban got his first look at Die Ranger. And he's oh, like, oh, 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 we made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I we paid for this. <laughs> But, uh, I think, but I think there are a mistake. few. Spe- yeah, <laughs> we made the mistake that this is how types of on talks. Yeah, but yeah, but anyway, Thank I you, do. Long there long are long. a couple of specifics I do want to highlight for this talk. Co versus White Ranger Tommy and Justin because they um, copied the concept. So so okay, so here's the thing. We talked the about White-, White Ranger Tommy already, but. I yeah. will always side more with with White Ranger Tommy because I love Tommy as the White Ranger way more than I did as the Green Ranger. Mm. He that White Ranger is my favorite version of Tommy. Mm. But within the context of the show, Co like his journey from, you know, being a little kid to becoming a hero to finding out about his his heritage to, you know, the the tragedy of what happens with his mom and his brother and his dad. And it's just like it's such a a central part of the overall story that they are telling that it's it's so well integrated whereas the white ranger tommy thing is is really well done and yes i you know they it's it's kind of fun how they how they wrote into the the concept of tommy having to shift from being the green ranger to the white ranger him losing his powers and stuff but man they just they there's there's just something about how well integrated Ko's story is. And obviously because they wrote it that way, right. whereas the Power Rangers, they were right. kind of working with what they had. Right. 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 Which take all of that versus Justin. Co wins. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Fight me. Fight me, Michael. I'm going to crap on turbo again because I gotta. Co is know. better than Justin. I know because Nathan, you're a basic but anyway, oh, uh, well, I think we talked about it. Like, coming Co- from the guy whose favorite villain is Lord Zed. 
Yeah, basic. Um, I like like Ultraman. I don't know. Uh, I am the only one who's not basic here, apparently. (laughs) You're a hipster. Anyway, so uh, so we can move on from that. But now kind of a weird one. Gorma the 15th versus Master Orc. They, I, used the costume. they did use Dorm the costumes of the 15th because yeah well they both had these really great reveals in their series because you know master or being revealed that he's right. been human all along and the monsters mm-hmm. turn against him like his fellow monsters his fellow villains turn against him because it's like uh right. you've been pretending to be a, a mutant and you're not you're just a human yeah. yeah so it's like i i i like them both i do really like them both but yeah there's some because gorma the 15th is so inspired by uh kabuki like we said the the actual off-puttingness of him how off-putting mm-hmm. his voice and his mannerisms are is just so good for a villain because it's just like i don't i don't like watching him but at the same time he's so captivating <laughs> Yeah, you can't t- you can't take your eyes off the guy, and yeah. it really does highlight how kind of unfair it is to put these two shows up against each other in a lot well, of ways. Yeah, I mean it's... that's the thing, and that's why I said it was the hardest because MMPR season two and Die Ranger are just so different; it's almost unfair to compare them. Mm-hmm. It is unfair, I would say. It's it's basically um, like it's basically like trying to compare Jew Ranger to Die Ranger, or trying to compare like it, it's two different it's two different things, two different shows. It's like mm-hmm. trying to compare, you know, it's, it, it, it is, and it is, this is firmly in apples and oranges territory for me personally. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like saying, saying that, like trying to pick, pick one of the, over the other based on this, the similar, the, the same criteria that you're going to be using for future seasons. How did this show adapt this show? It's, it's fair there. It certainly was fair when you did MMPR versus Jew Ranger, but for this this is this is this is apples in scuba gear. Almost, you know, it's almost. not even fruit anymore. Right, Which and Kaku something... Ranger is only going to be marginally better. Right, yeah. yeah. There's something though, and, and I absolutely understand why they felt like they could not adapt this more directly uh, in Power Rangers. Absolutely, that like we have talked about, this show is nuts. There is no way they could have adapted this into anything Power Rangers related. But now that we are removed from like years, years down the line and, and stuff, I really would love to see an American version of this. That's more faithful to the actual, you know, story of die ranger and see what some American creators could do with it. I think you could do it. I, I think you could take the the concepts here and not I won't say westernize them because now with the cult with with pop culture being the way it is, I think you could do a very close adaptation to this. And mm-hmm. I think American audiences audiences would latch onto it. Like look at all the if you look at all like the the foreign shows and the foreign films now on netflix and other services mm-hmm. and p and uh, what's the what's the one that was out like last year about the uh squid games squid games people mm-hmm. went squid nuts game, in yeah. the west over over squid games i think you could do i think you could do something like die ranger and then put it on a streaming service like netflix or hulu or whatever and i think american people would would watch it because it is such an interesting premise mm-hmm 
And there have been some animated series that borrowed a lot from the same source material that mm-hmm. Cock- that Cocker Ranger, that Die Ranger's pulling from. So I think it's possible now. Yeah. But, but I mean more know, than just like I, the inspiration. Like like not just like well, yeah, Chinese mythology is used a lot in in mm-hmm other other series and other and you know chinese mythology is a big influence on a lot of things i mean we talked about uh, avatar the last airbender is draws heavily from chinese mythology but i'm talking about like the the characters like the character dynamics the this journey that ko goes on like i said between his his mother his brother uh his father uh kaku master master kaku being you know, a bad guy, quote unquote, you know, secretly, but actually isn't, you know, all of those things that you just, you don't get a lot of that in children's shows. Um, the, 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 just the depth and the density that you get in this. My and I really density. want more. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm Love great it. at words. Uh, <laughs> density. But are you good at awards? All right, so f- these are fun little awards we give out to uh, you know, some standout uh, elements of the shows that we're covering. And yes, we stole it from Monsters vs. Men and Henshin. Then the shtick is complete. We're moving on. So first up, we have the Power Range of Motion. Because this is the one with the title that was so good we couldn't change it. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah, for the yeah, I talked to Michael. He agreed with me. No, but, I agree. I'm just yeah, yeah, for the best stunt or fight scene as the guests. You guys can go first. Uh, I'll kick things off by saying Kaku versus the Die Rangers in episode uh, 46. Yep. I mean mm-hmm. that, and we mentioned it before, so I won't I won't go into it here. But the trust issues and the the fact that this guy has been their leader for so long. And he literally, by the time he walks away and says, don't mess with me anymore, stay out of my way. All the Rangers are literally laying there covered in blood, unable to stand up. Some of them are unconscious. I think all of them go unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Because yeah. then he steals their transformation devices and their Lili balls after they, they are knocked out. So it is, a great fight. It has a lot of good choreography, a lot of interesting camera angles. There are a lot of visual effects with them kind of running around. Uh, it's it's very emotional. It's well shot. Excellent fight scene. Right. Travis, what do you have? Uh, this one was hard for me because I'm such a fan of, uh, and, you know, I mean, you could tell by the my explanation of all the different um uh, martial arts that they were using the different kung fu's that they were using that i'm such a fan of this show in general just because of the fights the fighting is so good and the stunt work is so good so picking just one was really hard for me but yeah i i gotta agree with danny that that fight scene because of the yeah. the the emotional and dramatic weight behind it. That one is so good. And, and the way that Kaku is able to just wipe the floor with them, because up to this point, we've seen him do a few things, but never really get into the, into the mix, the way that he did in that. And so seeing him just go all out on his own team was just great. Mm -hmm. Right. I had a runner up, which, because uh, it just goes back to stuff that we do on Henshin Men, where we try to highlight actual stunt work. 
And there is a scene in episode 46 where the unmorphed die rangers get tossed by an explosion. And I am almost 100% certain those are the real actors and not stunt performers because you could see their faces for all of that. And that's impressive. <laughs> Just wanted to highlight that. But my winner also goes to Kaku, but it's a different fight. I did think about that one, though. But it's Kaku versus Shaddam. So Kaku, basically Kaku's last fight. Kaku mm -hmm. had the chance to kill Shaddam, but he shows him mercy and instead tries to challenge him to a fist fight and then uses his yo and chi fusion power. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, he's trying to avoid killing Shaddam, I think, if I remember correctly. And then Shaddam basically takes advantage of that, and that eventually leads to Kaku's death. It's a Shaddam shame, for sure. <laughs> Michael, what did you have? <laughs> Punching <laughs> us? No. <laughs> Shaddam crying shame, that is. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. Anytime, well, anytime Ryu Shaddam and you and get, oh, get it over with. <laughs> Shaddam it. Give me a minute and I'll do it. You're messing Shaddam it, Nathan. It's Shaddam, it's Shaddam it, Nathan. There you go. Shadam it, Nathan. <laughs> Don't fung my shwake, man. Come on, come on. Um, <laughs> you really put anytime, 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 Ryu and Jin are on screen together, it's gold. It's chemistry. I like it. Okay. You're already dead. Anyway, so. Ultra SFX Robo Award for the best special effect. I are we gonna stick with these names because you gotta listen. It's the Ultra SFX Robo Award. Yeah, Ultra Robo SFX Award. Robo, Robo Award. Yeah. No Robo Award, just one word. Robo Award. Robo Award. Yeah, there you go. It's and bad. Changing it officially now. <laughs> yeah, Robo Award. I've left anyway, my mark. Danny, your winner. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen. It's got to go to Dai Ryujin. It has to. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what Michael had to. So Dai Jin or you. I mean, that's it's. Yeah, I will be. I will shake things up and do and and mention my runner up briefly. I mentioned it at the top of the show, but the fact that they this isn't even really a visual effect. It's just a neat trick. The fact that they used uh, Suchia's actual twin brother in the clone episode. It's a mm -hmm. subtle effect. It's not a visual effect or a special effect, but it's a neat right. trick. And it's convincing because whenever there are twins in a movie, you always look for the, the the double for the back of the head. You look for the split screen. You look for the matting. And I didn't see that in this. And I thought, oh my gosh, there has to, there have to be two of them there. So it's a great trick. And oh, I, I thought two of them. Two of them. Like, like <laughs> I thought it. I thought it deserved mention. But right. listen, it, <laughs> big old dragon god is the winner. Let's be right. honest. Travis, do you also have Daijin Ryu? Yeah, Daijin Ryu. Uh, it's, uh, just yeah. I mean, perfect, perfect, right. it's perfect. It's okay, perfection. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one weirdo here. We know. <laughs> I because because I didn't want to pick that because that was all we did that for the power for uh for Power Rangers. Don't season be a two. hipster, Nathan. Just pick Daijin yeah, Ryu so we can move on. No, Norma the Fifteenth Throne Room. That was they had okay, several scenes yeah, of that. Okay, that actually and really I love that okay. because the visuals of it are so surreal and weird, and it gave mm -hmm. me Hellraiser vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, really, the, the Gorma Palace platforms and everything. So Gorma Palace is really good in general. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing is great. Yeah. 
All right, and then the next one that I think we still want to workshop this name. Michael, <laughs> you didn't Sentai really talk that much about Daijin Ryu, so I mean, did you, did you want to have anything add to it? No, I just think it's a in. I think it's just an impressive effect. I do, sure. and it's a little bit of a cop out because I love the Serpentera. Tok- I love that little bit of Tokusatsu, and what I enjoyed about Daijin Ryu in this is you get footage that did not get shown off in Power Rangers for obvious mm-hmm. reasons because they wanted to they wanted to highlight the fact that it could it only had a limited power supply uh but i liked that we got to see more from that uh from that suit in this right. and yeah. it's just an it's just an the scale the, the scaling on it like the sense of scale they give it in this show is phenomenal is really really phenomenal i will say though that is one thing when talking about what we think or who who did it better uh i think that I, I, as much as Daijin Ryu is, is a good character or like good, or at least a good uh, plot point in the show, I do think I lean towards liking Serpentera better. Like the idea that, that, uh, that Lord Zed has his own Zord and it's massive and powerful like that is just so much to me thematically better than what they did with Daijin Ryu. Not sure I agree yeah, with that, but, but just okay. like this, this, this massive dragon God that just doesn't give an F I and mean, that's pretty appealing too. <laughs> it, it is, so, it is there, but I, I would, but I would just put the Serpentera thing a little bit. Cause like the, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of me, me as a five-year-old watching power Rangers and realizing that the Lord Zed has his own Zord. It, right, like that yeah. blew my mind. I mean, I get so. it. And, and, Right. Yeah, and if this had been me a year ago, I would have probably 1,000% agreed with you. But now that I've watched both, it kind of changes the math for me a little bit. Right. Mm, okay. Right. Now, now, as I was saying, the one award whose name we might still workshop, but Sentai Small Talk for the best line. Danny, Travis, what do you got? Uh, first of all, I called this my key, be- my key beast quote. So feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to that only works once, though. Um, yeah. I I'm I almost went with the one that you guys picked and I'm, I won't say what it is. I'll let you get there. But I decided to go silly uh, <laughs> with mine. Um, it's is from this the, episode title worthy. <laughs> I certainly hope so. The Three Stooges soccer episode. Yeah. <laughs> There's really no elegant way to say this. I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to be I'm trying to be mature, but it's the moment where they are staring down our Rangers at the plate, and General Kamikaze very loudly yells, "Can you dodge our balls?" <laughs> That's the episode title. Can you Can you dodge our uh, uh, Lele balls? Shoot, our Lele, balls. Can you dodge our Lele balls? That's the episode title. Our Lele balls. Can you, dodge our, can you dodge our Lily balls? There it is. You're welcome. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't know why. Listen, I know it's a, a little immature. <laughs> Something about this. It, listen, it's a motorcycle, a talking, walking, talking motorcycle, playing baseball, yelling about dodging like dodgeball. And it's something about it just tickled, tickled me t- yeah. to my core. And I laughed more than I should have. So there it is. Travis, can you compete with that? 
No, no, not really. I mean, I I went silly too because I, there's so many good lines <laughs> from so many characters, like all the villainous lines from Shadam and and so many great lines from Kaku and and you know and Daigo. Yeah, you of mentioned course, one to me. Um, mm-hmm. but the the one that just a silly one that I thought was great, and it always it makes me think the the people who are doing the translations and doing the the subtitles for these shout factory releases they have to be sneaking in little references on purpose because there's a moment where ko is when when um akomaru uh is revealed to be alive and and back from the dead and uh Ko is like, I thought you were dead. And Akamaru says something along the lines of, well, I got better. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just, it's just, I like, noticed that. I got better. It has little, to be. little things like that, that they throw in there. It's like, okay, you have to be doing this on purpose. That, there's no way that is literally what he said. You have to be doing this on purpose. No. <laughs> I, got, I got better. Yeah. I got, like, I got better. It, it's, it yeah, it has to be. <laughs> it has to be. Now, Michael, you and I have the same one. It's a two-part line. So yes, you want to, you want to, you want to take the first one because that was the villain's half, and I'll do the second. I will. I will. I will gladly take it. All right. <clears throat> you you mean start now? Yes. Oh, okay. Wherever there is light, there is always going to be shadow. But without light, there is no shadow. <laughs> you are both a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> Kermit and Arnold together at last. Just <laughs> the crossover that we never <laughs> thought we needed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, this is... Wherever there is light, there always will be shadow. But without fight, there is no shadow. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, this is Choyu and Kaku. I just thought it was such a great exchange. It's a, it's strangely philosophical, which I, you you don't. I should expect that in in Sentai, but despite it being a kid show, but I just thought it was such an interesting retort, where you know talking about light and darkness and shadow, and saying that yeah, but if you know, but there you can't have a shadow without light. Mm-hmm. A shadow because uh, you know it's the difference between a shadow and darkness. Because they were having this discussion about chi versus yo power, mm-hmm. and how Choryu was saying yo power was yeah. greater. You know, well, yo power may be good, but my power's better. <laughs> I was trying to think if there was a yo mama joke in there, but. <laughs> <laughs> yo power mama <laughs> yo mama yo, yo may is definitely or no r- shoot uh god ren, it's ren is definitely a uh whatever gara would be the yo mama <laughs> yeah gara is, gara is my shug shug Nope. Don't even try. Abort joke. Abort joke. Just spare yourself the sad trombone. Don't say it because we got to do the Sentai. I I, I can't believe that happened. Or for the craziest moment, Danny, Travis, we got. I'm okay. I do. I have. I did not pick the obvious. I have a feeling we all might have probably settled on the same thing. 
I picked I picked something different. Do we want to talk about what I'm assuming is on your guys' list, which is the ending? The ending, yeah, that's what Let's I do have. That. I'll get to is mine in a second. Well, mine was more so a question: Is the ending hopeful or nihilistic? I can't I, make heads or tails of it. It's it's okay, neither. So, because it's more of a statement of the 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 way the universe works. There is always going to be a the yo the the gorma, and there's always going to be yo, the. Or, what'd I say? <laughs> no, you said it right. I was just oh. being stupid. You said it right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yo gorma. I thought I said it wrong. Yo gorma. Like, okay. Well, I I think that the the ending is is neither it's neither hopeful or nihilistic i think that it's just a statement of the way the universe works in in this series you know the uh again like this show is so influenced by buddhism and a key element in buddhist belief and and of of course people will correct me if you know one way or another but but from my understanding well, I'm sure we got buddhists who listen yeah there's there's that the universe and everything is in cycles, you know, and in part of Buddhism is trying to break yourself from that cycle, that never ending cycle of, of life, birth, death, things like that. And, uh, and so I think that that's kind of where this show ended on is like that. This is the cycle of, of the, of the universe and it's never ending and it's going to always be like this. Hmm. It's just repetition. It's history repeating itself. Uh, as long as there are two sides of the universal coin, good and evil, that battle will continue and try to extinguish the other, but it can't because that's not how the universe works. You need right. yin mm -hmm. for yang to be there. You need yang for yin right. to be there. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that could be said about the, the, the ending. The ending could be its own a lightning round quite oh, frankly. Yeah, almost well, i mean because well, we've already because we've we've already touched on some things like the whole mud puppet thing which was just nuts oh god and... so, okay okay can we talk like because oh, i know no. this is nathan's this i opened the cattle worms <laughs> yes because i said i said I, I said earlier when i was vibrating because i needed i i, I was just like the ending not the <laughs> end, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> have mercy <laughs> so so the the whole mud puppet thing is the part that gets me. So now you know the the whole ending of like, well, there's all that this fight this fight between good and evil is going to always be exist. That that wasn't what I was talking about when I was like freaking out about the ending. It's the mud puppet thing. The fact that that the the Shaddam supposedly has created uh, mud puppets for some of the, some of the key members of the Gorma so that he could manipulate events and manipulate things in his way that I thought was interesting. And it was kind of cool. You know, when there's revealed, the emperor is, is a mud puppet. When Shaddam is revealed as a mud puppet, that's when the whole thing is blown out. Uh, and, and I wanted to ask you guys, I know it's meant to kind of be a mystery and it's kind of supposed to be left as a mystery, but what, what do you think the explanation of that is like who created him and, and what, what is the deal there? I, to be honest, well, I don't know if there's anybody in the show that we see that you could make a solid enough argument made him 
him into a mud puppet. So it would probably have to be somebody else entirely. So I'm not 100% sure. Unless you want to say that it was a self-transformation and maybe he forgot that he did it. I, I think this has Ko's mom written all over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that was one of my strange off-the-wall theories was, what if Ko's mom is the one who cre- recreated uh, Shaddam and the, and the this version of Shaddam, this puppet version of Shaddam, is the one that's been manipulating everything. And she didn't maybe do it as a, you know, to for power but maybe just as maybe he died and she was trying to recreate him but in in pouring in his essence or or his memories or whatever she created this ambitious unloving you know monster of a man that that he became and and didn't know what to do with him and then he went off and the show continues on the way it is. I thought that would have been interesting if they kind of touched on that. They definitely, there's nothing in the show that says that, but that was my weird off the wall. I think in the show, we are supposed to believe that he created himself that are like the, that the original Shaddam knew that he was going to die. And so created these mud puppets so that his plans could continue even after he died. But right. it is definitely right. it's it, it's definitely purposely ambiguous. But man, I just was like, oh man, there's so much like theory than theorizing, and I, I just like uh, I don't know what to make of this. And and does a mud puppet have semen? Uh, is co part mud puppet? Oh, what is going on? My gosh. <laughs> hey, listeners with attitude, send us your best theories for the end of die ranger but there's one part of the ending please please use the word semen in the subject line right after that that he's like it's like listeners please send us like okay nathan where are you going with this <laughs> anyway there's no! one other part of the ending that we haven't touched on that i was this is probably the other than maybe the mud puppets. This was the part I was the least prepared for. There's a 50 year time jump. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. And okay, we see so- the, and they, and all of our Rangers are wearing old man, old makeup. age makeup and wigs <laughs> in the last scene. And, and acting like they're it. all hunched over and they just came from the nursing home. It's 50 yeah. years later and the There's world is all that much there. different. What is, what, is, what, is, what, is the, what is the one say? What is Kaz or Ka, what is it? Kaze? What does he say? Kazu. Uh, Kazu. Uh, God, what is it? Uh, what's the blue? Shoot. What I, the name's escaping me. Damn it. Shoji. The blue, the Shoji. 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 Shoji, you old flamboyant bastard. You look, you don't look your age in 50 years. <laughs> you, look, you look like you came up to my knee last time I saw you. I got a shiny quarter for you. Sort of okay. No, no. Yeah, my I award. Just, I was just like, why are we jumping like ahead 50 years? years? Well, my, and now all their grandkids are die rangers. Yeah, and, and, and the grandkids look exactly like them. Because... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they do. Right, but they all have different. The they all have different types. It's the cycle repeating. They all right. have different like character types, and they actually have different colors right. too. If you look, mm-hmm. um, that they change into. Yeah. Uh, I love the ending. I was. You know what's even weirder? I won't spend too much time on this, but thirty of those fifty years have passed already. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30, if the show is concurrent to its production year of 1993, as of today, <laughs> 30 of those 50 years have passed. That's insane. But the fact that it's all these years later and they're all in old age makeup and you know, even Ko is still played That's, by the kid in the one. Okay, so that was my award. <laughs> They they don't show him actually show him show him but they show a picture no, no. of him and it is the little kid the nine year old kid <laughs> in old man makeup in that picture and I love it so much you know you know that they're just having fun with that one you know what it, you know what it is right. you know what I really love about it is not just the fact that it's funny which it is and it's supposed to be or theatrical it's very theatrical but it's also to me like a very nice touching kind of celebration of what tokusatsu is capable of doing emotionally it's the Mm -hmm. puppet horse from frankenstein conquers the world right (laughs) Uh, for anybody out there who doesn't know there's a scene in that in it's a toho monster movie from the the kaiju movie from the 60s and there's a scene where one of the monster baragon tramples a a barn and there's a horse in it and the puppet horse that gets stepped on is ridiculously unconvincing now the guy who made that movie made the visual effects superaya could have easily matted in a realistic looking horse and made the scene look real, but he used this this <clears throat> ridiculous, like cheesy looking puppet horse and this puppet pig that runs around later in the film or earlier, uh, right. because quote it's funny end quote. <laughs> Tokusatsu, Tokusatsu is not about realism; it's about inviting you into a reality. And all of these, it's you know, about... pe- people in their twenties playing older, <laughs> older like old grandpas and grandmas, uh, yep. and go- and waving their canes in the air while they watch the young whippersnappers that are their grandkids take up the baton with the same Zord and the same footage, quote unquote Zord. It's not a Zord. <laughs> I, I I got to it before you could correct me, Marchand. But it's <laughs> it's it's it's. I thought I think it's beautiful. I think it's a really beautiful ending. It leaves you with just as much hope as it does, not nihilism, but. It is kind of and not depressing either, but there is something rather dark, darkly under. There's an undercurrent of darkness to it. Will this be happening a hundred years after the events of the show, and then 150 years after? Is it just going to keep going? Yeah, probably. But the show is telling us that we kind of have to accept that, and it's okay because kind of, and it's there's okay always going to be and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, someone to fight. Someone yeah, will stand right. up and fight. Yeah. Right. And what's yours, Danny? What's your award? Uh, okay. Ever so briefly, ever so briefly, um, one of my favorite running gags in this show is how metatextual the monsters sometimes get with their comebacks. And there's a running gag in the yeah. show. There's a running gag in the show. It happens, I, I think, four times where the power, the you know, like Power Rangers, the Die Rangers do their traditional introductory moves where they each say their name and they do a little bit of their (laughs) form and then an explosion goes off in the background and the music swells and the monsters in in these four instances react to that now normally that kind of thing is just for the audience to see right Mm -hmm. where we're seeing them do their dramatic thing but i wanted to read off a couple of lines from the monsters because this level of metatextual referencing of something that's so part of the ranger and sentai formula just i thought was so funny uh in episode two purse monk says stop showing off uh which i thought was hilarious in episode 12 tofu hermit says stop making a spectacle of yourselves um birdcage vagrant one of my favorites says your introduction's way too long (laughs) that might be the title of the episode now this episode's way too long but but my favorite my favorite 
is from episode 11. This is the one that won the Sentai I, I Can't Believe That Happened Award. It's from Magnet Priest, where after they do their whole all their moves and the music blares and the explosions go off, there's a moment of silence. And then he says, I have to admit, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then he's like, anyway, it's time to die. But you know, he's, yeah. <laughs> but the the villain is like, you know what? This whole thing is pretty like that was kind of neat. I like how you did all that. And you wasted, you know, like 45 seconds of the episode doing these moves. And it, just the fact <clears> that they were referencing it was so without them looking at the camera and winking, it was it wasn't a fourth wall break, but it was metatextual enough that I yeah. loved it. So yeah, your introduction's my, too long. That's definitely the your episode. Introduction. <laughs> your lily balls are too long. <laughs> I'm not going to let the lily balls go. Uh, yeah, your, no. cock, your kaku is too long. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, but uh, apparently, looking at the notes, Michael has made the executive decision there will be... No, what do we even call it <laughs> anymore? There will be no morphin' time. There will be no morphin' time. We don't need it. We all know. We all love this show. We've all said why we love it. It's not necessary. I think we're. I think we're set. So that was our discussion on Gosei Sentai Died Ranger. So listeners with attitude, we have to ask you, what did you think about this discussion? Did uh, did we miss anything? What do you think about uh, the who did it better between Power Rangers Season 2 and Die Ranger? Let us know by sending us a tweet or emailing us at powertrippod at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to read that feedback on a future episode of the podcast. But first, Michael... We got to talk about what our next couple episodes are going to be because this is hot off the presses. We finally made a decision about what our next comic episode will be. And it's going to be because we have the 30th anniversary special coming up. We're for Power Rangers. We're going to talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers anniversary special number one from Boom Studios, which is an anthology comic, an extra large anthology comic that celebrated the 25th anniversary of power rangers and i'm gonna be honest with you the most notable story in there is one i'm excited to talk about because it's the trial of astronomer not so, because of blue wigs and black leather of course of course but anyway so that'll be our next comic discussion we thought about doing beyond the grid but beyond the grid's a big story <laughs> so we might reserve that for a little bit later and then obviously mm. oh, yeah. our next sentai episode is going to be Kaku Ranger. <laughs> Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. And if you thought Die Ranger was crazy, and you know, wait till you get to Kaku Ranger. I had somebody in our Facebook group said that he thought Die Ranger was weird, and my reply was, you're not ready for Kaku Ranger. <laughs> no, we're not ready for Car Ranger. That's the one you're not ready for. <laughs> Uh, it's just the madness. Kaku Ranger. Kaku Ranger is going to be a walk in the a really weird, very Japanese walk in the park. But I think you're going to have a lot of fun with Kaku Ranger. <laughs> yeah. So that's what. And that is the one episode I will allow Rito to show up. Is in that. Kaku oh. Ranger. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll talk to him and see if he feels like it. But I'll, anyway, yeah, okay. well, let him let him know. Let him know. <laughs> I'll let him know. He's you know, right now. He's having too much fun you know, with the premiere of the new audio drama episode. But playing with Travis. Balls. Uh, yes, Travis, <laughs> Danny, 
Shameless self-promotion. Get it over with. <laughs> All right. Ever so, ever, ever so briefly, if the idea of reading, if you're a Godzilla fan or maybe even not, and the idea of reading the movies in novel form for free sounds cool to you, uh, head to GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. There you will find the stories, the books, the short stories, the timelines, links to where you can follow me on social media or support me on Patreon and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. You can email me through there. If you want to hear me ramble on other podcasts, like just go to Monster Island Film Vault on basically on every episode. Uh, <laughs> I've been on a handful of Kaiju Weekly episodes. I've been mm-hmm. on a couple of Henshin Men episodes. We know I, you did the hat trick. <laughs> I did the hat trick. I accomplished the hat trick. Uh, you can read my Kaiju and Tokusatsu ramblings in Kaiju Ramen Magazine and on uh, KaijuRamenMedia.com. I'm pretty much everywhere. Um, and I, I, I just, I am, don't laugh. It's true. Uh, it's because I just love doing it this stuff true. so much. It is true. That's about as brief as I can make that work. Travis, you're up. Uh, well, you covered most of mine in your own because I am the co-creator of Kaiju Ramen Media and Kaiju Ramen Magazine. Uh, I was the host of Kaiju Weekly uh, along with Michael back when we were putting out episodes uh, on a weekly basis. We're no longer active, but you can still go back and find those episodes. They're all, they're still all available. So you can go and listen to my thoughts on Kaiju media on there. And if you want to hear me talk about common writer and my love of common writer, you can check out Henshin men where I was uh, on there for most of, most of the uh, episodes where we talked about the uh, first season, the first series of common writer, uh, me and Nathan. And yeah, if you just want to know more about Kaiju Ramen and Kaiju Ramen Media, check out kaijuramenmedia.com. That's where everything is. All right. And like we said, we're skipping morphin' time because we went on too long as is. There's no so, time for morphin' time. There's no time for morphin' time. All there's right. no time for glitter. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's what we're Lights. calling it now. From now on, it's glitter time. Anyway. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> listeners with attitude, may you finally enjoy having a five-hour episode. And may you always ligma lily balls. <laughs> I deserve it. I know. <laughs> and, and may your mud puppets give you as many good vibrations as they have given me. (laughs) And on that upsetting note, may the power protect you. Because you're going to need it. We need the protection. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marchand. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at the Power Trip Pod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcatchers. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme song was created by JP Gant. Follow him on Twitter at homebrewed sd. We also use tracks from Super Sentai Complete Works 30th Anniversary Album. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Toei Company Limited, Saban Entertainment, or Hasbro. 
please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya! This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2023, Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC. Ha ha!